Friday, March the 11th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have a loaded edition for you on this episode. We are going to bounce around with news in the world of baseball. It's back. NFL, lots of trades and player movement this weekend. Uh, NCAA basketball college tournaments are happening right now. We have Eric joining us for about an hour conversation on everything going on in the NBA. Then we jump into horse racing with some Friday Santa Anita best bets. Friday, Sam Houston, full card. Jason Beam joins me, track announcer from Tampa Bay Downs, to talk about the big Saturday with the Tampa Bay Derby ahead. We preview that day, uh, sort of a primer. And then Ren Carruthers joins me to handicap three of the stakes races on that card on a really nice card for Saturday at Tampa Bay Downs. We get some Gulfstream best bets for Saturday, some Santa Anita best bets for Saturday. If you're looking for Sam Houston Saturday, Head on over to my social media. It's me, Gino B. I'm going to post a video on Friday that goes through the past performances for Saturday for for DRF for uh, Sam Houston. I've been uh, posting some of those videos, so I'll have that for you there. like to give it a a little dive into that. And then we'll finish up with some wrestling with Chad Cooper. SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and AEW on this episode. That's what G said. That is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTVBets. Give them a follow right now on Twitter. They give away money all the time with all this action coming up. They're trying to help you become a better better with free gambling content, free videos, free analysis, and live streams all the time that are free at BTV Bets. I host a lot of them myself. Every Monday, every Thursday, we talk Woodbine Harness and Mohawk Racing. We talk the early pick five there at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. We get you all set up for the early pick five. Tuesday and Sunday, we have NBA shows. Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, we preview the Tuesday night slate. Sunday at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, we preview the big Sunday national TV game, and then we talk about the rest of the Sunday basketball slate. On Saturdays, we've had cutting nets, and now we actually will have cutting nets every day coming up that there's college basketball games for the next few weeks. So Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, and then next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, we'll get you all set up for those first four days of the NCAA tournament. Whew, a lot happening over at Better Than Vegas. Everything free at BTV. So uh, BTV and Better Than Vegas is very happy that baseball is back we, uh, we got the news earlier today that the strike will be over. Baseball, I'm going to read through a little bit of the uh, article on ESPN. Major League Baseball and the Players Association reached a new collective bargaining agreement Thursday afternoon, finally halting a 99-day imposed lockout. So some of the thing, the key notes here. The players are required to report to respective tra- spring training facilities by Sunday. First exhibition games will take place four or five days after opening day, April 7th, just a week later than originally scheduled. But all 162 games will be played with a few double headers and possibly additional games scheduled um, right at the end of the year. So 12-team postseason, top two division winners earning first-round buys. 45-day window to impose rule changes, and we're going to have a universal designated hitter, a six-team lottery draft. There's also going to be information, uh, the international draft. That was a big uh, talking point. No more 
extra innings runner on second. There's going to be discussion on banning the shift. So there are a lot of things in play here that uh, that were decided upon, and we will find out in the next you know month or so what the rule changes will be like. But the most important thing coming out of today, baseball is back, and we will have a full baseball season. Um. <laughs> watching one of the 60-plus basketball games that happened today as I just sort of talked about what the the, uh, tournament schedule will be like. Sunday is Selection Sunday. So Sunday is when the brackets come out. Over the next few days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all of the individual conferences will finish up their conference tournaments. We'll all find out who won and who will get the automatic bid into the big dance. Then Sunday, the brackets are out. And the play-in games next week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, 16 games next Thursday, from early on all the way throughout, and they're one and done in the NCAA tournament. So, <laughs> really cool uh, few weeks for college basketball fans. How about for NFL fans with uh, some big news? The Seattle Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. They trade uh, they trade in exchange for Drew Locke, quarterback Noah Fant, tight end and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. They get two first-round picks, uh, number nine overall, um, in the 2022 draft, number 20, uh, 2023, uh, they get two second round picks, 2022 and 2023, and a 2022 fifth. So there's a lot happening here. The Denver trade gives uh, the trade gives Denver the quarterback it's sought since Peyton Manning retired. They've had 11 different starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired in 2016. That's tied for the most in the NFL over that span with. Washington, who we're going to talk about in just a minute also. So now this division is going to be, you think, pretty tough. Kansas City, Chargers, the Raiders, and now Denver getting their quarterback. Russell Wilson has 292 career touchdown passes, second most in a quarterback's first 10 years behind only Peyton Manning. Russell Wilson. On the move, another man who is in the news, but not because he's on the move, because he's staying pat. Aaron Rodgers returning to play for Green Bay. Announced on Twitter Tuesday he will be back for the 22 season. We're working on a new contract that would lower his salary cap figure while giving him some clarity into his 40s. Aaron Rodgers is a four-time MVP after winning last year, and the Packers are one of the favorites. The uh, Green Bay Packers are actually the favorite in the NFC to make the Super Bowl next year. So Jordan Love will not be starting. It will be Aaron Rodgers coming back. And I mean, just sort of look about, look around, look at the NFC. All A lot of the moves that are happening, players are going to the AFC. The AFC feels like they have a lot of the best teams. The NFC is really wide open, really weak. It's a good spot for Aaron Rodgers to stay. I mean, the Chicago Bears, they traded Khalil Mack to the Chargers. That's going to make that uh, division even stronger. We were just talking about Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. You got Khalil Mack. The Chargers are going to send a 2022 second-round draft pick and a 2023rd six-rounder in uh, to the Bears in return for Khalil Mack. So now you've got Khalil Mack and Bosa on the defensive front. That's going to uh, give them a very strong combo up front, they both rank top four in total defensive pressures over the last five seasons. They both have exactly 12 strip sacks, which is tied for sixth in the NFL. The Chargers will take on his full contract. So, 
If those guys are healthy, they are going to be very, very tough to defend. <laughs> They're going to be yeah, trying to block those guys coming at you. <sighs> Good luck. We have a trade. Washington Commanders get Carson Wentz for a package of draft picks. The Commanders receive the third round picks in 2022-2023. And Washington will pay the full $28 million due to Wentz for the 2022 season. That includes a $5 million roster bonus coming next week. So a lot of movement. And uh, the Colts now, they have had five different week one starting quarterbacks in their last five seasons. Andrew Luck, Scott Tolson, Scott Tolson, Andrew Luck, Brissett, Rivers, Carson Wentz, and it's going to be someone different this year. Lots of news in the uh, NFL, in baseball is back, in college basketball with the tournaments. Milo is back too as uh, we send it on over to Eric. Etoff 21 Sports joins us here. We're going to talk a little NBA. We spent about an hour going over everything happening in the NBA right now. So kick back and enjoy all you NBA holes. Time to talk a little basketball on That's What She Said. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Since for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mmm. Mmm. It's that time of the week to check in with the NBA, see what's going on as we get closer and closer to the play-in, to the playoffs, to the NBA championship. Eric joins us as he does each and every week. Eric, buddy, uh, over the next few weeks, it's going to be a lot of basketball, a lot of March Madness for for folks. I'm sure uh, you know the NBA won't be as as much of a focus for many. We'll be uh, we'll be talking NBA here, and then we'll have brackets and lots of uh, bracketology, lots of shows on Better Than Vegas. But important time in the NBA, man, and we still have our uh, NBA shows that we're doing over on Better Than Vegas every Tuesday, every Sunday. You jumped on and helped out on Tuesday last week. Big thanks to you for that. So. Yeah, we'll uh we'll be talking lots of basketball, college and NBA over the next few weeks to a few months. Yeah, it's a great time of year. I mean, I honestly I love this time of year. Um, you know, you got college, you got NBA teams making the push for the playoffs, and you know, this whole play in tournament makes things a little bit more interesting. So let's start over on the uh let's start in the West. The uh the West. We Saw Phoenix struggle a little bit because Booker was out in COVID protocols for about a while, but he came back. They had a nice win at Miami. They beat Miami without Butler. Uh, Booker had 23 points, nine assists, two steals, two blocks. So that was good for them just to sort of right the ship because they were struggling a little bit. I was kind of attacking them in some of their games um, because they just didn't have a lot of ball handlers out there. Even now with Booker back, Against really good teams This this group is probably going to be In a little bit of trouble Because the the thing about Phoenix That's been nice um, over this year in particular Is they were battle tested through last year And then this year A lot of their guys took a step forward uh, You know, Payne uh, Really good Johnson continued to progress And some of their young guys Continued to get a little bit better Led by CP3 But when you have one or two Of those eight to nine that are out 
Well then all of a sudden their depth isn't there And they're just kind of another team Yeah and the nice thing is like Campaign's this guy where like You let him go out there He'll make some plays But when Paul's there If he starts doing some erratic type stuff Which he's just out it, That's what Campaign does He has a short leash He's a, he's a sixth man anymore. guy right yeah. So, I mean, when you have to give him a bigger leash, which leads to m- some mistakes, some silly fouls, some bad um, bad decision-making with the basketball, it's it, it's just tough. And, um, you know, when Booker's out, then you're relying on Cam Johnson for one game until he was out. And then they just really didn't have any playmakers. And if you don't have that playmaker, you can't get in the flow of the offense. Like, I read some crazy stat when there was – that first couple of games when they were, they had no point guard, Aiken wasn't even attempting a shot within like six feet of the basket. Everything was just a pick and pop. There was no pick and roll, nothing, nothing with him underneath the basket. So, I mean, this was good for them. It's not as if they're in trouble or anything. They have a really nice cushion uh, of where they are, but you know, you don't want to lose a ton of games in a row. And then, and then you start to get a little bit, you know, shifty. So they're going to be solid. They're going to be the number one seed and they're probably going to have, I mean, they're the team to beat. They weighed the finals last year. You're going to have to go and beat them on the road, whoever you are, because they're likely going to have the best record. They're going to be the number one seed. And if Chris Paul is healthy, you know they're the team to beat, but that's a major if. That's a major if. The timetable was really, really close, and we know he's had the the wrist, the hand, the shoulder. Like you've mentioned a few times, he's got a hand guy. <laughs> yeah, which who who the hell has a hand? I got guy? a hand guy. Like, you know, call my like hand guy, Eric. <laughs> absolutely mind-boggling. Um, and one of the issues, like, and I'll give Monty Williams credit here. Like, he's a very they good coach. Did it. Yeah, like I'll give him credit. Like I thought this year was gonna be a little bit tough just because they didn't um re up um Aiton. And I thought, you know, young guy jealous, not getting paid, but the ship's going good right now. Like there's been no jealousy, no anismodicity that Bridges and Johnson got paid. So you, whatever you, he's doing you pointed this out a couple of weeks ago. It's a combination of things too. It's him and it's Chris Paul, right? He's a respected head coach and and he's just a he seems just like a good guy, like a very genuine good guy that a lot of people like. And then you have Chris Paul, who, you know, he might be a little bit more of an ass sometimes, but he's Chris Paul is one of those guys that one of those players that if he is on your team, you will run through a brick wall for him. And if he's on the other team, you hate him. You know, you're like, he's just, you're like, ah, oh, look at that cheap foul. I look at the way he does this. But he's a great leader. He really is. And I think. It shows how well this team's been able to play without him and, you know, w- without some of their key players. They still, these guys step up a level. And I'm not sure if that's going to be able, that's going to be able to happen if they play other really good teams in a series when those teams are healthy also. But they're, they're very well run right now. How quickly they turned it around, man. This team was, they were like a joke for a long time, Phoenix. But, you know, they got, they went to the bubble. They went perfect in the bubble and sneak in the playoffs. And then, you know, you get Paul in there and Paul just, he just elevated everybody. He just makes people around him, him better. Booker is ascending. Uh, I think the Kobe Bryant stuff is a little bit unrealistic. Um, Let's kind of pump the brakes on that, like comparing him to Kobe. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they have some good young pieces. They got the leadership in Paul, but uh 
they're going to have to start putting, how can I say this? They'll have to put it together when Paul gets back. There's always that hiccup when you get that guy back. And, and they ain't going to have a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And with how the West is, like, right now, healthy, they're definitely the one, the clear-cut one. But, you know, one injury and, you know, they could just, they could stumble back to the pack. And when you look at the West, after them, like, who's the second best team? I mean, that's like the million dollar question. Of I know, because the Memphis Grizzlies right now are the number two seed, but they're in a situation where I think we're going to make them prove it to to us. I'm, I, Jaw has been incredible. When he went down, the rest of this team, the way they played, the way they stepped up, and this was another one that you hit on over the last few weeks. They got a little taste of it in the play in, right? Everybody just expected yeah. they were going to lose. They end up winning. Then they get a series. They end up overachieving a little bit in that series. You know, you you play well, but you just you, you know you have some lapses late. You, you get in some a little bit of trouble and some some spots, but you learn. You learn, and then you get hungry because what you get you get a little bit of a taste of what it takes when you're there. Because and Jaw seems like that type of player to where we all when you're when you are, think you're good at something. You don't really know how good you are until you stack yourself up against the other best. And then when I, I do this sometimes in my gambling, in my handicapping, I hear somebody else that's like fantastic, that's really prepared for something, and I will try to take things that they did. I'll, I'll, oh wow, that's how I, you and I have learned how Eric from listening to smart people that we trust and like listening to what they do and that's the same thing that I think ends up happening you get a little motivated because you, you when you talk to someone that's better than you or knows more than you cuz you go okay this is what I have to do to get to that level and that's where they are, are right now they're playing so well they're playing so hard they are going to be a team that I don't know if they can win 3 rounds in a row series against really good teams but if you don't come to play against them they're going to beat you. They will never lose games because of effort. No. And um, we have to remember that the real scary thing about the Memphis Grizzlies is Josh Jackson is still figuring it out. Like, he's got a real high feeling. So this team is still going to get better the better. But then, you know, just getting in the playoffs, having that experience has made them better for this year and they're just coasting through the regular season the scary thing is what's going to happen next year when jackson makes another jump and then you have got morant making another jump next year this team is going to be really scary this year i i, I think they're overachieving a little bit yeah i agree like honestly like if they hypothetically, won hypothetically, two series say, i think it'd be good for them in the playoffs oh yeah, right sure. that'd feel great yeah for sure just get a little bit more experience get the truck going in the right way you know, maybe like be up, you know, hypothetically, let's say they play like the Suns and they some like get up like two one or yeah, get it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like yeah, go six games like in the conference finals. That would that would be a tremendous, you know, success for them because like getting in the playoffs, seeing what it's all about, competing in the playoffs is a completely different animal than winning a playoff series. Yep. Like once you get that hump off your back. I mean, it, you just you just take off. Like, there's just different levels, and you just take off. So, Golden State is uh, dropped down to the three. They are just three and seven in their last ten. Draymond's hoping to get back. I think next week. Is that right? That's what they said, but it's but just, we don't know. I mean, it's it's got to be something more serious, right? You know? And like, I just don't. 
know. The back and stuff like, scares me. It scares me, man. And so we put that on top of Clay. His last six games, playing just under 30 minutes a game, 34% from the field, 29% from three. And the, the pro- not the problem, right? Because, but the, the Clay, the way that he plays, he's not attacking either. He's not no, going to the line. A- he shoots 1.2 free throws per game in that stretch. Four and a half rebounds, 2.8 assists. So it's not like he's an insane playmaker either. What Clay is good is that where Clay is so incredible and what makes him so special and what has made him so special is that he's a fantastic two way player, great sort of wing to perimeter defender. He can lock down that position as well as be an incredible, if not one of the top five shooters in the history of basketball. But when right now he's not shooting that well and he's not defending nearly as well. Now we, I I'm not going to act like I expected him to just come back and be fantastic, but that was sort of the narrative. That's what everybody kind of does. We just expect to slot them right back in and they're going to be great. And we don't know if he's ever going to get back to where he is here, where he was. And if he does, it probably won't be till next year to the middle point of next year, to the end of next year, to maybe two years from now when he finally gets his legs back up from under him. So it's he not had just two major injuries, you know, right? It's like for it's not just a given just to be out there. It's something. And like next year, we'll see what is going on this year for him just to be out there is great. Um, Wiseman's starting to get a little bit healthy. Uh, the games I've watched, the guy that I thought has been playing good, better than I thought, has been uh, Gary Payne, mm-hmm. Gary Payne's kid. Excellent he's defense. Playing, yep, he's been playing well. Um, Kuminga's good, too. Yeah. Yep. And they got Mooney. Uh, but it's just like they just don't have – Without those two guys you know what I mean? like being it's, – It's kind of like you're trying to make – what's the, like cookies without sugar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. – you're missing With, the key ingredients to their dish, and which is which are Draymond and Clay being yeah. that good on the def honestly on the defensive end because when we talk about the Warriors and this Warriors team really ever since Curry has been there we think of them as being this incredible offensive juggernaut because of the way Curry shoots the ball and the and how good and efficient and prolific as a, of a shooter but the reason why they've been good. Is because their defense has always been really good And that was because of Draymond and Clay Those two guys When they're out on the court Playing 35 plus minutes a game And those two guys Are elite defensively They can switch around And make your defense He just gives you so many options They had Iguodala sometimes too Who was another like long sort of wingish defender That makes life a little bit easier on Steph Because it ends up being a domino Sort of effect, right, Eric? Because now all of a sudden, Clay and Draymond aren't quite as good, so they can't really make up for Steph's deficiencies as much on the defensive side. So now you can just attack them all over yeah. the place a lot more. And I'm, they're a little like I'm a little bit worried about them. Even like looking at some of the games that they like recently that they won, like Clay's best game of the year, which always happens, was against the Lakers. And he went nuts that game. Like, if he didn't go nuts that game, they lose that game, too, to a bad yeah. Lakers team who's been struggling with everyone. They're just, yeah, they're 
Not in great shape and we'll have to see Like if Draymond comes back and in two or three weeks We're talking like oh wow Draymond looked pretty good that you know maybe he Took a little more time off just so that way he was Rested and healthy But I don't know I don't feel great about That injury with him The fact it's been this long Like tends to suggest There's something else there As they've been slipping right Because (laughs) It's not like they're where the Suns are Where they had the eight game cushion on everybody else In the one spot Yeah, They've They've come back to life now They're they're not in trouble of like falling or anything But they're back to the three spot They gotta be a little bit careful We'll see when Draymond returns We've got right behind them Utah and Dallas Kind of quietly playing well Both of uh, them have won seven out of their last ten Honestly, the next like tier of teams in the West Are all actually playing pretty well uh, Dallas, Utah Then you've got Denver who's 9-1 in their last ten This is something that we were a little ahead of the curve on Just looking at their schedule That Jokic was going to start going crazy And that was really going to make a big case for MVP And they are only a game and a half back of Utah For the the four spot and for home court And when you look at the, the lineups They're throwing out some nights Without Murray, without Porter Jr With some of the other injury issues they've had It is really incredible what what Jokic has been able to do And and for him Honestly just the one more step for him Is just winning it all Because he's done it in the playoffs He's carried teams and he's had Unbelievably absurd playoff numbers And he's done it in the regular season And he's improved his defense a little bit too Eric He used to be able to attack him defensively And it, it's not like he's Locked down or anything But he's much more improved Where he's very competent And can be a presence down there And he kind of knows what to do with his body He knows how to throw it around He's just He's so fun to watch play basketball man I'll tell you what He's playing in an insane clip right now And I mean granted they Haven't really been playing Like the top notch Top notch But when you look at like Like you said Like the starting lineups They're throwing out there It's almost like It doesn't really matter You know what I mean Like and I've seen him play in person, and he he operates so slow, but it's like so precise. It it truly is crazy just watching him play. The angles, like he knows how to put his he he'll get his elbow just at a certain angle, and then he knows that he can kind of come around you. You know, he just sort of knows where to throw his hips. He kind of throws his ass out there, and then he can kind of yep. turn. And he's just got that big, just like big boned, and he it's. It's and he, he plays like a gazelle. It's great. It's a really cool His to watch him play. His it, footwork is absolutely insane. Just nuts. And uh, yeah, he's in the mix because tonight we'll talk about the East in a little bit. The 76ers getting the crap kicked out of them tonight by uh, by Brooklyn, and that's uh, that's one that'll uh, that'll definitely be talked about with all, with everything that happened with those two teams. But the the T Wolves, I, I sort of feel bad for them, Eric. They're playing really good basketball right now. The only problem for them is they uh, they would love to get a series. Oh, if they if they got inside the top six and, and didn't have to worry about the play-in, that would feel like a fantastic year for them. And they've won eight of their last ten. They've won six in a row. But their problem is those three teams that I just mentioned right ahead of them. Denver's won nine of ten. Dallas and Utah have won seven of their last ten. So Minnesota can't really make up any ground on them. No. I mean, it's like... They can't do anything and they're kind of locked You feel bad because like yeah. you, said, uh, you know them just getting in And kind of having that um, Experience like And you see what it did to Memphis That would be huge that would be absolutely huge For um, you, you get for in the Denver game Wolves Because you get in the work. game with them 
And they're they're the type of team who could upset someone also. Like we're mentioning in the West, if they snuck in or they were, you know, they played a Phoenix team that was a little banged up or a Golden State team that, you know, had an injury issue or two, and all of a sudden Edwards has a great game. And then there's a game where Cat hits eight threes. And yep. then there's a game where D'Angelo Russell scores 30 points. You kind of forget about him because you start focusing on the other two guys, and then you're like, Oh wow, that guy can oh. kind of light it up. And then Beasley can kind of get crazy. So yeah, they um they're kind of fun. They're they're fun to keep an eye on as uh we continue along through the Western Conference as uh we we head below them. The T Wolves are up three and a half games right now on the Clippers. So they would have the home game in that play in in the seven eighth game against the Clippers. The right below them. We've got the Lakers who had just an embarrassing loss to uh, to Houston in overtime. Lakers are two and eight in their last ten, but the Lakers are the opposite of Minnesota. Eric, they can't even lose their way out right now because everybody below them just keeps losing. The Pelicans yeah. have lost three in a row, and now they're going to be without Ingram for maybe a week. And the Blazers have lost six in a row. The Kings have lost three in a row And the Spurs have lost uh, Six of their last ten So the Lakers are still Three full games In the play-in Which which is nuts with as much as they've been losing Lately It's crazy, like they can't Not get out of the playoffs You know, they're just kind of stuck They're going to be in Nobody wants to see them in, even our fans LeBron doesn't want to be in there You, You dig into their games too Nobody pretends they're good They have crapped away so many games Even against good teams Where it's like It's so amazing how they just can't execute Down the stretch And it's Westbrook some nights And other nights it's LeBron Because what ends up happening is LeBron will carry the load for so much Through the first couple quarters That he's tired at the end of the game And and that's when you you make those little mistakes You don't have as much lift for the layup You're short a little bit And then he's always If it's less than 90 seconds to go in a game He's not making both free throws I'll tell you that right now It's He's making one of two or O of two It's just It's automatic with him You just you just sort of know Um, It's funny like when we watch our teams, we know what they're gonna do. You know what I mean? Like you can all. You that's what's great what's about the happen. in-game betting now, because it's like I don't like betting against my team, but you do know you're just like, well, no shot here. This is not happening. Yeah. Like I know. You, you just know you're like, oh well. There was the one lose. a few a few weeks ago. There was the one where there was like wow, five seconds left to go in the game or something, and the Lakers were down by three, and LeBron got fouled shooting a three. I would have bet. A billion dollar Every cent in my life Every future cent I will make That he is not making all three of those There is no chance Zero chance and he missed the first one And it was just like yep You just knew it, you just knew it. And uh, and then he's kind of screwed He's trying to figure out what to do He actually did a pretty cool sort of like He sort of lobbed it up I don't know if you saw the play On the He, he made the middle one and then on the third free throw he sort of tried to alley-oop it to him to like somebody off the rim. He like it was like a high looping shot that he just it, it was actually pretty smart, but it just they couldn't get the bounce. But I just uh, these poor Lakers, man. Somebody just uh, take them out back and put them out of their misery, please. Like old Yeller, because uh, 
Now, before we move on to the East, there's a couple things I want to I want to mention about some of the Westbrook stuff that's been going on. So, okay, anyone, if you're listening to this show, I don't think you would be if you're the type of person that's out there like sending death threats to players and athletes and their families and stuff on social media. Like that kind of stuff is nuts. That there's like that's insane. There's no room for any of that stuff. Now, that's different than West Brick. Like that kind of stuff that you're in the NBA. You're making $45 million a year. You're going mm-hmm. to get, you get, you're an MVP. When things go well for you, you get praised and you've always been that way. West Brick is funny. It's not yeah. even like he said anything racist or sexist or about the guy's family. That's just a brick. And it just so happens that it's like with the name. My name is Gino Bacola. Like, we all how many we've all gotten na- made fun of our names forever. Yeah. You t- when you go out and say, "Oh, don't call me Westbrook," you know, I know it's been my family in the name and stuff like that. People are just gonna call you Westbrook even more. Just, if yeah. you act like it bothers you, they're gonna they're gonna keep doing it. Yeah, it's just kind of that thing. You know, you hit the nail on the head. If you act like it it bothers you, people are just gonna keep on doing it. I know. I agree with you. Like you shouldn't be like sending death threats. If you send a death threat, you're a loser. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's not like with him calling it out, he's not like making the situation like any better. No. Um, you know, and we all kind of, that's the thing. Like we all kind of knew this fit wasn't going to fit, but yet LeBron wanted it. And he, you know, AD wanted it. They thought Cause they, they get stubborn, it. man. It's like, and, it's like the fix it, right? The guy, the girl that thinks they can fix every guy, you know, bring them yeah. over here. It's like, well, why do you think this guy Westbrook, who's never done these kind of things, you want him to come over and play that role? You want him to come over and be a role player and do the role player things. Why would he do that? He's never done that. Hey, some people, Vince Carter, I mean, we've seen, I'll, I'll even give it up for Carmelo, you know, Carmelo, but Carmelo's like a better shooter. And and so he was always going to transition better to just being like a bench guy, right? Carmelo can come in sort of like you were saying with pain, and you'll know pretty early in the night as your seventh guy, you know, Carmelo, you, yeah. he, if he has you, it or not. You know what you're getting, and like right? this is just a random thought when you like kind of think about it. Like the the Warriors were down to the Thunder three two in a series, double what, digits. What happens if they lose? What that? what happens exactly? What happens if they win. How does the narrative change? Like what? What happens? KD doesn't you know leave. I mean? like, He's not leaving. You know, and Westbrook is perceived completely different. You As know, a winner, they beat the Warriors. They got the ship. You know, it's just that one game kind of changed like the path. Everything. It did of like a couple. The history like, of these franchises. Players. When you, when you really like sit back and think about it, like Jesus, dude, like wow, and. and it's just crazy. Like it's just, and it, the crazy thing is, when you think about it, at the end of the day, Westbrook probably in like fifteen years is gonna have a statue in front of like Chesapeake Energy Arena. In yeah. OKC. You yeah. know what I mean? And like just, just right now, it's a bad fit. He's getting the blame. He's being the scapegoat. And it was, like bad. he played honestly the other night, yeah. um, last night against Houston, he played really well. He played. He yeah. had a good game for most of the game, and he was being aggressive. He hit a couple of big shots late, but then he misses a couple of big. Like he'll turn the ball over, but he w- it was the be- one of the better versions of Westbrook that we've seen this year. Yeah. Still, you know, and he's, and, just, uh, he's just getting scapegoated. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's yeah. like some of like these. And this is why, like, 
the the whole like ESPN shows, the Fox Sports one. Show, I like I don't watch that shit. Oh, I mean, like, I stopped I, a long time ago. That's what's I, so I cool about the podcast now, and yeah. we everyone's there, there's so much good stuff that you can just find the stuff you want to listen to from sharp people, yeah. and you don't have to work. I can't remember the last time I've turned on one of those channels that wasn't just to watch a game. Yeah, and like, but you get those guys, and that's a lot of stuff that the bonehead fans are driving just because they're not listening to, like you said, the sharp, the educated people. And yeah, and it's like, not like we're not saying he's been good this year in any way. Like he's been bad for a lot of the year. Um, it's just there's a lot of things have gone wrong, and it it was it was never going to work. So it's like yeah. why we're blaming him when he's. He's definitely not been the best version of Russell Westbrook this year, but we knew the fit wasn't going to work. It's equally the fault of LeBron, AD, who signed on off on this, Genie, Palinka, Rambis, whoever the people that were all part of making the decisions. It's part of it's all on them because they, the Lakers, had a very very good basketball team that was built really well around two stars that fit. They probably they weren't perfect. But they had a very good defensive floor. Probably still needed some more shooting in a little bit of, you know, in, in this day and age in the NBA. But they were going to be a good team that was going to be tough to get to tough to eliminate from a playoff series. And now we're laughing and joking about them as a 28 and 37 team that is nine games under 500 and just backing their way in to, to a play in. Out of space on this. Is LeBron's contract up after this year? No, he's got another t- one and then option two. Okay. At least, yeah. So he's not, he's got at least next year and then an option. And then AD's got a couple more. So I I don't think it's going to be interesting to see. Like when you, look it's all at about it, like, Bronny. How's, yeah. But I mean, like hypothetically, like what is Polinka going to do to reshape? What is he going to do to turn over that roster? You know, like what is he yeah. going to do to get it going in the right direction? How you is get, he going to move Westbrook? Like, 20 cents real- on the dollar for him for a couple of the role players and you just you know it it's all for the for this group of the Lakers now I'm not in the trade AD camp that's the one thing that's popped up a little bit I give him the benefit of the doubt for the a lot some of the injury stuff because I think when you dig into his time with the Pelicans he wasn't really as injury prone as the 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 narrative was there were a lot of times where they just shut him down. There were a lot of times where towards the end of the year they were done and they didn't play him. Hell, right before he came to the Lakers, he wasn't not playing because he was injured. They just didn't want him to get hurt and then not no, be able to trade him. He, you know, yeah, but that was so, like I don't think he wanted to play. And oh like, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that rubbed me wrong. And my thing with AD is if you look at what he's done with LeBron when he didn't, and then when he didn't have LeBron. I just think he gets hyped up. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's a great player. But to be in that elite-type tier, I don't think he's that great. Well, I think I think what what hurts him is, obviously, right now, we're not seeing him play. But, but two, he is one that offensively, right now, he's not as overwhelming as the some of the guys you'd want to compare him to. Jokic. And be Giannis I think what what I like about AD the most uh, For me personally Is just the defensive part Like I think he he makes At the end of games AD which is funny he hit a big three Against Denver and you know a few years ago That big three in the playoffs there to win the game But he's not someone who 
is making as many like you know you can't he's not really got the ball in his hands at the end of the game for the last shot but what i love about him is i've seen him five times at least make like a game winning block a game winning steal a game winning shift i think those are the things that i still really like about him that in playoff games and series are are sort of just as impactful but you know you're 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 right in that he needs a, the guy to get him going to get him cooking to get him the ball and I'm just not as hard on him for the injuries the last couple years because I just think that bubble season and the timing messed screwed a lot of players' body clocks up because of their routines. You know, AD had never played that deep into a playoff. He went into a he had a tough playoff series, and then they have a quick turnaround, and now all of a sudden he's you know the Lakers weren't really worried about having him play through all of it last year. They just sort of wanted to get healthy to the playoffs, and then he got hurt. And then what happened this year, because he got hurt last year, he bulked up and he got mm-hmm. too big. And so I think it, you kind of look at what he did and you can kind of see what he was doing. It, it sort of makes sense, right? He was more injury. He thought he was more injury prone. So I want to get a little bit bigger. Now, it's all going to come down to him. If he's not on the court or he's not playing at a really high level, they're going to struggle. The They would need, like moving forward, you know, I think you still can, I still think there's a, a LeBron and AD can be very good and can be, you know, next year can win a title. But getting rid of Westbrook and getting back a couple key role players, you'd have to do that. And I don't like who's going to give you anything for Westbrook right now and why? Like, where would I you mean, yeah, fit? you have I, to look around the league. Like, where, w- what team would even be willing to based on their roster and why, why would they from a financial standpoint? It doesn't make sense. Oh, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, none. At all, and I guess my thing with him is like without LeBron there, you know, he's won one draft series, you know. So I just that that's my thing with him. Like I agree with you, he's a great defensive player, but you know he needs that other guy, that other wing that you need to count on. Because I just I just think when push comes to shove, you just can't count on the dude to be now, the guy to take you over the hop. Oh no, I don't. And I, again, like I don't. Yeah. It's funny because he. What's weird is he he can be the best player on your team, but he can't be the like the the ball handler. I definitely think he can be in the five to ten best player in the league conversation. And when he's rolling and healthy, his skill set makes him about as good as anyone of what he can do. It's just one of those can he will he always scratch the surface of this of 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 the upside like. Look at the playoff series a couple years ago against Portland before he came to the Lakers, and that's sort of like one of the ceilings of AD. He can do a little bit of everything, like when he's hitting a three at you know a nice clip, which he has not the last year, year and a half. Um, he he looks good. What's nice about him is he was that smaller guy that had the growth spurt, so he still sort of got those guard skills. And I do think that also is something that probably is weird about his body. He shot up like seven inches in like a year, which. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, that's hard. That's that, hard. It's weird on your body. You know, I don't know if because I I like him a lot. You know, and we'll and when we talk about him, I just like from from the the stuff I've seen as a Laker. He came in. Everybody told me he's soft. He's not going to be able to make it. He's not durable. And then the first season I saw, like he didn't miss anything at all. Like he played through, and then he played into the playoffs. He was awesome, and they won a title. And then so, like I said, since then. I've been sort of like, man, things have kind of gone a little bit wrong in an unlucky way. I'm not 
so hard to blame him and and we'll find out if his body is going to break down if he's not going to be able to ever really sustain it but hell as a fan for me that one that one was enough man that one, that one was good like I'll always have a nice little soft spot but you got to be careful about doing what's best for your uh, your franchise moving forward yeah your window your window can close quick cuz lebron yeah. man lebron's not lebron's not <laughs> got 5 years and you don't got a whole lot of assets left right now you yeah. did a lot of stuff to get these guys here so yeah, you need you need to get younger and you need to get younger quick so we need to get over to the eastern conference Eric and uh, so there was a game tonight that was a big game that a lot of people were pumped about because we were seeing Brooklyn play Philly. No Ben Simmons, which was what everybody really wanted to see, was Brooklyn at Philly. And I mean, this wasn't really even a game. Brooklyn scored 40 points in the first quarter and it just was never close. They kicked the crap out of Philly. And this is like, I'm a little higher on Philly. As a team than you are as this grouping But when Kyrie and Durant Are playing offensively As efficient like as they Shot tonight I mean Durant was 10 for 17 He was 3 for 6 from 3 And Kyrie was 8 for 17 he was 5 of 11 from 3 And then oh yeah Seth Curry Who's now going to be wide open All the time because people are going to have To double Durant and they're going to have to double Kyrie Curry hit four threes himself He went 10 for 14 Each of those guys scored 20 points And when those guys are hitting the shots It doesn't matter if you have Harden or Embiid Those are two of the more prolific scorers in the game And Kyrie seems like really weirdly motivated right now um, He had a bad game Where they had a they had a pretty ugly loss like Last weekend And then he hit the 50 spot the other day And he just I don't, I mean, we've talked about it. I don't like him personally. He's, for a player that you're paying that much in a franchise guy, he's been a really hard person to trust um, for a team. But man, when he starts scoring like that, if he's playing, even without Ben Simmons with those two guys, man, they're, they're going to be pretty tough if, they, if Durant's like healthy and ready to rock. So let me tell you this. I was talking to my friend, and my friend works for an NBA team. He's a worse than Front office department. Him and I were just—I was—we were just shooting the shit because him and I are in a wedding over the summer. And then I just—I asked him. I go, "Hey, man, what, what do you think about this trade?" And he said something that I have never heard anyone said. He goes, "If James Harden is serious about winning a championship, he made the decision that his path to the championship is better with Joel Embiid than Kevin Durant." And that—I mean, like. When you sit back and think about it, if he really wants to win a title, is Embiid the guy you want to be tied to, or Kevin Durant? Yeah. So, and and you know, you know and, and that's like, a, if you just, if you just, no, and, and if it's the, simple, in the, term, in the like, simplest sense, simple, like if you want to legitimately win a title, you're tying yourself to Joel Embiid. I retweeted this thing. I don't know if you saw the clip, but that thing where he did that little crappy pump fake he does at the three point lane. And drove in and then flailed himself and like shot the ball backwards. Yeah. He's not. He's not like you're not winning an NBA title doing any of that shit. This guy definitely flops. not in the not in the playoffs. And the playoffs and... fouls aren't called. Like I read this thing without fouls, and Bead's only getting 19 a game. You know what I mean? He's not as dominant as people think. Um, you now it's funny because I'm curious with Embiid. It's and we've seen it a little bit with him. 
Because with with the bigs, it's sort of different than with the guards because the guards definitely like the Harden. He does not get officiated the same way in the playoffs, not at all. And that's one thing that's always frustrated me is because in the regular season he's getting all these calls and then they just don't give them to him. And and it, it's frustrating because it's like just be consistent one way or the other, right? If you're not going to give yeah. them to him in the playoffs, like don't give them to him in the regular season then because it actually does force him into playing in a, do a different way, but. With the bigs, I wonder, like, he'll still get a, a, a floor, but I, this was, this was a bad, yeah, this was bad for them, because they, they were hype, they were up, and, and they... And you look at, like, Maxie's supposed to be their second best player. What was he, two for seven? Two for eight tonight? Like, that's the third best. He's supposed to be your third option. Tonight you know? was and, between him and him and Harden, and, and Mac, like, Maxie has been very good, and he's better than this, this tonight. this is a step up. This is yes, and this, this is, is a legitimate step up, and he shit the bed, and, and it, which is good. I think it's good for them to have a game like this where they got up. I I didn't watch the game to be honest because we were doing a lot of our recording, so I'm, I'm gonna che- I'm gonna check it out a little bit later on. I'll throw it on in the background when I'm doing some stuff. But it it just seems like they sort of just got hit early, and this would be a fantastic series, I think, to watch to see these teams go back and forth because I'm not confident. That Embiid and Harden could go out there every night and play really I'm not, well, I'm not. but I, but I, mean, I am like, I am confident that they might be able to every other, and that's yeah, what's so I'm, cool about the the playoffs in a series is that you don't have to do it every night. Like you can have those nights where you just play like crap, and it's like, oh, there we go to the next one. I do still think, I mean, if if Ben's first off. I don't know how we even like talk about Ben Simmons at all until we see him out there because I don't know what this guy's ready to do physically or mentally right now. So if we're just gauging this team Brooklyn without him, they're still going to be tough. And I'm, I mean, I'm not ready to give up on Philly or anything. I'm, I'm not I, sold like, on Philly. I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now. I am like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I, not like with what they have. I don't like it all. You know, Doc Rivers to me is not the guy, and. Harden and the only the thing is, is he's crapped the bed a lot, but he has he has won one. He's not one of those guys who's never won. Doc has won one. As much as I I don't love like I don't love him, and I don't love his adjustments, and I do think there are better coaches that he's going to be locked up on. But mm-hmm. and it's like, it's all about value. Like if they're if they're in situations where they're like a heavy favorite or they're overvalued, I'm not going to play them. If they're in situations where they have a bad game and maybe they're a little undervalued. I probably will play them uh, just because I don't. I'm I'm curious. I'm so curious what these two guys are going to be like in a series. They could be brutal to defend, but they could like tonight. Harden was bad too. Was this was this a pressure thing or was this just he had a bad game because he'd been playing pretty well? Maybe maybe it was a pressure thing. Maybe it was a combo of both. I'm I mean I'm not positive. Because because like we said Harden's had a had a pressure thing before, but he's you no know, my. I'm just telling like Harden did something when he got there, and you know first trip to Miami. Oh, all of a sudden my my hamstrings tight. You know you don't. I think was that on a back to back? Yeah, I, I, I bet you they did that before. I bet you they did that. You, I bet you they did that. See, because no, I, I know I'm not like You're a Harden fan, but you hate Harden so much. I, I have to know, defend him that you make me into like being a Harden. Like I'm not a fan not, of his I'm at just, all. Don't think I'm I like just, Harden. <laughs> from what from what I heard and read, it was Harden's call to not play in that game. 
So that, you know what I mean? Like, you play in the game against Cleveland, but not in the game against that. And it was his call. So that's one of the things, you know, we went over it last week, how he's, like, staying up all night, you know, rap videos with Big Baby, whoever. And then, like, coming to practice, like, really, dude? Like, I don't know. Like, you have a bead who doesn't have the b- biggest track record for, like, diet. You want to talk about people that's injury prone? That's Embiid. This is this is the most games he's played in the season. When you think about it, that's insanely bad. So I'm just not. I don't know. Like I just. I'm just not. I'm not sipping the Kool Aid on this team, and I don't think. Oh, I'm not. Really there's no Kool Aid, but I'm just yeah. not as cold as you are. Like I. I think yeah. there are absolutely chances they can win. I wouldn't bet them to win, but if they're down in a series, and then all of a sudden. Their series price, if they're down a game or two And their series price shifts and they're a big dog Or if if they catch All of a sudden, Milwaukee goes down And now you look around and it's like Hmm, and now You know, there's not a Ben Simmons Thing and we wonder I just think there are definitely paths That I could see them getting there or winning I'm not completely like Oh, Embiid and, and Harden, that combination of players Won't won't ever do it It's it's To me, it's going to be Mac Like it's going to come down to like, can Maxi be like tonight? What's what Seth Curry did? Because and I mean, you're, like, you're going to get focused on Embiid. You're going to get focused on Harden. They needed. They need Maxi to be as good as he's been over the last week or two. Is he that good? No. Is he as bad as he was tonight? I don't think he's this bad. I think he's somewhere in the middle. You know, he's not p- putting. He's not going to put up the kind of numbers and shoot the efficiency that he shot all the time. But he's going to have opportunities. And, and but it's also like you said it Like right now like you, you're playing No one really cares but like when you're Playing a playoff series and you're on The whiteboard and like there's a game Plan for you and people know hey Maxi's Move is this we gotta do this What's his third and fourth move to get a shot open That's gonna be the point Where it's at game three game four in the playoff Series because see can I just do that And can he not and that That's the thing and I don't think he has it. I have a tough time like as we were just talking about Brooklyn, like I trust less than Embiid, less than Harden, less than Anthony Davis staying healthy. I trust Kyrie less than all of that. Like but I like don't the even thing with Brooklyn though. Like hypothetically, like let's say Simmons, whatever's going on with his back, mental health. Let's say he gets his shit straight. Okay, and that's fine. Let's say Irving is not there, but let's say Simmons is on the floor. You're going to have Simmons on the floor with Patty Mills that can shoot, Steph Curry that can shoot, Kevin Durant that can shoot, and then you put in Aldridge out there. When Aldridge is back healthy, he can shoot too. And that's like that's why I think this is a sneaky good pickup. And then Simmons is a stale work defensively. You know what I mean? So he's going to allow Durant, who's a very underrated defender, to actually rest now on it, defense. If so, he's... If he's fine and he's mentally good and physically good, the fit will be fantastic and he will be a perfect fit what he can do defensively. I just have a harder time trusting like we're we're talking I guess this is how I'm looking at it, right? It's not even that I love Embiid and Harden, but like how do I trust Kyrie and Ben Simmons more than them? Yeah. I don't even yeah. know like that I mean like I I trust Durant I trust, for sure. Yeah, exactly. You, I'll that, trust Durant all day. But and, if, if it's just Durant, or if it's Durant with a a broken shell of himself, Ben Simmons, yeah, you know, th- then I'm like, is Durant going to be worried about Ben Simmons 
you know what I mean? Like, is he going to have to try to be big brother out there with this guy, yeah. you know, like keep picking him up or like making things easy or serving it up for him. The moment we see Ben Simmons on the court, I'm going to feel a lot better or worse. Like we'll get a clearer idea at least. That's what this thing is so cool because like, what if this guy's not anything at all? Like he used to be, and he's just mentally, but what if the dude's just in fantastic shape and he's ready to go? And it's like, he's got like less miles now. Less mileage on him because of the last year Year and a half like I have no idea I really don't it's Um yeah it's gonna be cool As Brooklyn they're in a little bit Better shape right now they they picked up a couple Wins recently where they were Starting to get in a little bit of trouble and have Maybe look like they were gonna fall out but With Durant back with Kyrie Playing really well Um yeah they're, they're gonna have a uh, They're gonna have a, a fun time In the next few weeks Trying to figure out who they will play If they get into the play-in Some of these top teams Probably are going to try to avoid them Eric, I mean, like Go ahead I mean, the thing is, is like, right now Like, do you know who's the hottest team In the Eastern Conference that Is kind of, like, under, like Boston Um, well, I mean, they've won four in a row The Bucks have won six in a row Yeah Like, you know, I mean, like, they're slowly just doing they're, they're finding their groove, and like they're, they're finding, finding their groove their right group. now. And I mean, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, they were down in the fourth, fifth. Now they're two games out of the first, of first, dude. And if they get home, home court with fans, that is that's absolutely huge for them. So, so what, what's funny is, you know, is that I was reading a couple then, of things that is the one really the one like it, that's what that's what you wonder. Like if you're the Bucks right now, I'm not saying you're going to lose games particularly, but. Where you're sitting, would you rather play whoever's the six and knowing that know that you're playing, I don't know, Cleveland or Boston or one of them versus you get the one and you may have to, as the seven or eight, play Brooklyn. If you're the one or the two, they may be the seven if they win their first playing game, if they get the eight, if they lose that game and then win the second one, you catch them. Could you imagine if you're the one or the two, if you're Brooklyn? I mean, if you're uh, the Bucks, you know you've you've had that nice year. You sort of quietly got yourself right back up towards the top, and now you got to face the Nets in a series. I don't, I don't think yeah. they're worried about maneuvering, but they're kind of in a nice spot, just sort of sitting at three. You know? Well, no, they're actually at two right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right because they just popped up because they were, yeah, yeah they yeah, were, just they just two. popped up. Yeah, they're two games back of the number one spot. I mean, like I'll say, I think with them, like the main thing is, you know, they got Baca. Somewhat another big they can throw at people um, The main thing that was With them last year is their size just kind Of wore out people they need to get Lopez Healthy they need to get Hill healthy They need to get um, Connington healthy you know picking up Carter Was good for them another defensive Guy that can kind of like You know like come in 10-15 Minutes uh, I was really Hoping they'd get Tyreek Evans uh, the, the kid from Memphis he won Rookie of the year but he had a suspension for Cocaine he used to play for the Kings and Pacers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't pick him up. I thought he'd provide a little bit more scoring. I, I don't know. I, I know he, he met with him a couple of times. Maybe not, Maybe something happened, something I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're in a, like a, a good spot. Uh, you mentioned the t- Cleveland. The thing with Cleveland is Jared Allen went down. Yep. I mean, that's like kind of like a big thing that no one's like really talking about. Um, they got, they got lucky. Real. They they caught a couple wins to sort of buy them some breathing room. 
Because now they're yeah. three up on Toronto They were only about a game up on them a few So they won a couple And and so now they're, they're they, They'd have to crater right now And Toronto would have to go real hot But that Allen injury Man, I, I feel bad for this team Because you think about where they were With Sexton and then Allen And then Rubio And then they had to bring in Rondo If If they had the depth of just Sexton, Rubio, Allen This is a good basketball team It's 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 unfortunate when you see teams That are playing well and you just wonder why You know, why the injuries come like that Exactly, and It's kind of going to be interesting about The um, the rookie of the year I mean, right now Like, I don't know who you give it to Like, do you give it to Mobley? Who's like, took in the, ca- took in the Cavs To like, in a good position, the sixth seed uh, do you but Cade's numbers have been really good as of late. Yeah, Kate, yeah, and plus, like, I was looking like Cade. I don't think has lost a game against like Mobley or Barnes all year, which is kind of crazy. So, like, I don't, I don't know what you're going to value in with the rookie of the year stuff or who's going to win it. But you know, it's kind of cool. Like, you got these great young players that are all like coming out. You know, which is which is flipping awesome. You know, the league's definitely mm-hmm. like. People were worried, like with LeBron leaving, like who's going to be the face and everything. And you know, there's we got, plenty. We got, you know, we got we got some boys. And I'll give Mobley credit. I had my I had my uh, my worries about Mobley. He's playing freaking lights out. Um, you know, and even with uh, Allen out, like he's just been killing on the glass. He's like taking over responsibilities of like the primary rebounder and running sets from him. Yeah, he's looked great. I mean, like I'm. Cleveland's going some places, and you look at Garland. Garland, you mentioned Kyrie. I'm going to say this, and people are going to think I'm crazy. Um, I would rather have Garland on a night-in, night-out basis than Kyrie just because you know what you're going to get with Garland every single day. You know what I he, mean? Like He controls Kyrie, the flow of the game really well. He's sort of like, a, I, I don't know if it was Simmons, Bill Simmons or some, some someone I had heard say it, and I, I thought it was true because I get that sense when you're watching him. He kind of reminds you of like, like a like a night early nineties ish point guard, you know, one of those guys who is just like a point guard he's that leads the team. That, yeah, yeah, like just the smooth. flow, he's the pace, slow it down, stop, attack, get this guy involved. It's just he really is like a floor general out there for someone that young. It's very impressive. Uh, I, I'm I'm com- continue to be impressed with him more and more when I watch him. And so what's nice is that. Even with their their struggles recently because of some of their injuries, they're only one game back in the loss column from hosting a series. Yeah, which is which is uh, which that'd is be, great. I mean, great like, that'd for be them. Flipping awesome. And then, great for them. You know, you mentioned teams you don't want to play. I mean, right now, in terms of the East, Celtics are playing the best defense, man. They're, they're the best defensive team in the East. Maybe even maybe even the whole uh, NBA right now. I mean, they're playing great defense. The ball's moving. Um, Tatum's been playing a lot better. Uh, that'd be a team, like, I'd be a little scared of playing because I, last year it was, like, every single week and people were messaging me when you and I would talk, I would talk about the lack of ball movement. Well, that's completely changed. The ball's swinging now. Mm-hmm. It's moving. And, you know, adding light was great for them. Um I'm just like I said, like size is such a big thing, especially in the playoffs. They feel just a, like a piece, that's, a piece that's too small. My, like, yeah, they just depth wise one one big away. You know, they mm-hmm. just need one more big, and that's why I'm. A, that's why I don't think they can win it. Like, Me too. I think they a, could beat. They just add a big, like even like someone like a Jabal McGee, like someone like that. Yeah. 
I would like this team a lot, but you know, they're just, that's what they're missing right now. They've been, uh, yeah, they, their season completely flipped. We did, it didn't look like we knew if this, this head coach oh was good. I mean, they Remember, were at was, the beginning just talking about like, are they going to trade Brown? Are they going to take trade Tatum? These two guys can't play together. They can't coexist. They're too similar with their skill sets. Neither one of them are real playmakers and boom, Horford's been a nice key for them. And that's, that's another thing is like with their lack of depth, you're going to be leaning on Horford to help for a lot of the playmaking to help for a lot of like setting up the offense and running things. And can he be, can he give you 35 minutes every other night in a, in like big games in a playoff series over and over? We'll see if they are sneaky. They are a team that is way, way better than they were to start the year. And they are, I think, capable of beating anyone. They're just a half game back of the Bulls for the four spot and uh, in home court. And speaking of those Bulls, Eric, it looks like Caruso is going to be able to get back a little bit. They need Lonzo back because perimeter defense, those guys were great. Since December the 7th, this team is number 26 in defensive rating. They've just been one of the worst teams in the league defensively. And you don't notice it as much because their record's been pretty good. And, and DeMar DeRozan's been incredible. And he's had a lot of these crazy big games. Do you know they're 0 for 13 against the top three seeds in, in each conference? I do because that's on my notes to say to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they, so how do you how do you gauge them when they can't beat any of the good teams? I mean, it's that was my like, for those who don't know, like I live in northern verbs of Chicago. And my thing was like. I said, look, you know, they're going to be a four or five team, maybe push somebody, but they're just not in the same ballpark of the Boston, the Brooklyn, the Bucks, the Heat, the Philadelphia. They're just not in that tier of teams, and it's it's showing. Um, they're just – don't get me wrong. Like, they've constructed a good team. They just struck a playoff team. But this is – with that group of guys, this is what their ceiling is. And – I don't know, maybe the kid from Florida State that they uh, that they drafted a couple years ago, uh, Patrick Williams, maybe he's that guy that's going to take that next step, that be this transcendent, like, you know what I mean, like that player, like a transcendent player that will, like, take them to that next level. But Zach Levine, at the end of the day, this is his first winning record, winning season in the NBA, which is crazy. Um Kobe White's been a little bit of a disappointment. You got DeRozan, who's like, you know, great, but, you know, like, can with, you really no win Williams, with Williams, Lonzo, and Caruso, yeah. those are the yeah. three guys that were supposed to be your defense. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's just in a tough situation. You know what I mean? Like, you court, I kind of feel like sort of a bad for them, kind of like Cleveland when they were playing really well and with their full complement of players, I think that they, would have an opportunity to have that. I don't think that would be 0 and 13. If, if Lonzo and Caruso were around, they would have accidentally won a couple against some of the better teams. But that's crazy. That's a number that's like, you haven't accidentally beat one of these better teams just on a night when they were depleted or were missing a player or two or something. And, and then you, you, you look into the defensive metrics and then you, you know, so you, their net rating. When you combine what they've been doing on the offensive side, their net rating has been like average for a couple months now, right around average. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, 
I'm a little skeptical about them dealing with the Bucks or a healthy Brooklyn team or even a Philly team who, we, as much as we were kind of ripping on what Philly did tonight, they did look good for a stretch of games with these two two guys together. So there are versions of them offensively where they do hum along, but at the Bulls now, they I mean they got to get healthy and they they just got to beat good teams. If if like they're gonna have their opportunity to prove it, but. They, uh, I was surprised when I saw when I saw that number. Quick mention for Miami, they're up top. Uh, Butler was back from the toe injury. He missed the game the other night. He just had like a sinus infection or something. So they look like they've gonna they'll have their full complement of players back but too. Here's my thing with the Miami Heat, and um, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but when they played the Bucks last, like after, like in between when we talked, Jimmy Butler, who's supposed to be your one A, went. 36 minutes, the final 36 minutes of the game without scoring. Last year in the playoffs when these two teams played, Brent, Brent, Brian Forbes outscored him for the, for the series and then didn't play the rest of the series for the Bucs. Like, can you really win with, whatchamacallit, not, you know, with Butler being your top guy? That's, that's what I'm saying. And I don't think you can anymore. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why I don't Say that is because I, What we've seen in the last few years is just Players get hurt these teams Sometimes in the end of the playoffs it's just like Who's still standing right who's the Healthiest so I mean yeah in, in that situation Sure I mean they Could but looking around If they play a healthy Brooklyn team If they play a healthy anyone else and that's your best Player going toe to toe late I don't know I do know they're going to be Tough like they're going to be tough They're going to punch you they're going to hit you they're not going to be fun, but oh, they'll compete like no other. I think Spolster to me is so underrated as a coach. I'd love to see them in Brooklyn in it, like a one eight. You know, it it's it it's just insane to me how underrated he is. And you made this comment about not being the one. I mean, hell, dude, you could get Brooklyn and then have to play the Celtics. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's just yeah. So I just. I don't know. Like that. Could you imagine Miami? See, like for you, you're a, a Bucks fan. You would love to see Miami and Brooklyn have to play in a series because then, at the very least, Miami's going to take some. They're going to take some shots at at Brooklyn. They're going to take yeah. some swings at Durant. They're going to Kyrie. They're just going to make those guys work a little bit, bruise them up a bit for you know for a later series against uh against those body shots. Where are you? The body they do. shots in the series. Those guys are thick too, you know. Lowry yeah. takes those charges. You're gonna run into his body a few times, and I, yeah, I don't. I mean, we keep coming back to when the Bucks play well, their ceiling is really good, and they're they're looking like they're you know playing some and of I the best like, basketball. They're like like I said, like I think they're just kind of trying to get all healthy and like just trying to get to the playoffs. And, yeah, and it, it's a different mentality that you and I are kind of used to. Like you're supposed to be the best team, be everybody, but they're just kind of like the analogy I, I I'll give it to I'll, I'll say is like you know shut this is for Leo if he's listening it's kind of like tennis like some like I read this quote where like Pete Sampras forever was like the best tennis player and if he was playing great he'd beat you in the set six four if he was playing like shit he'd beat you in the set six four and that's kind of what the Bucks are. They just kind of, it kind of seems like they're just trying to go on through the motions right now 
just to get to the playoffs. Uh, we'll see if I think one of two things will happen. They're they're going to be tough to beat. Does are those minutes and stuff for for Holiday at some point? You know, some of those guys that we mentioned, and for Phoenix, for like Booker, some of those guys that when he played. That's why they got Carter. You know, just yeah. So like that way toward the end, like Carter can be the guy hounding people and everything. So I just I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not like literally like you look at the big scheme and everyone in a good position. I mean, the only like three teams in the in the if I had to grade the position teams are in, I mean like Celtics, Bucks, Heat, and probably the Nets, like those four in my eyes are in good positions in the East. Everyone else I kind of have a little bit of a question mark about. Yeah. Uh, well they those teams that like sort of know their identity right now. You know, yeah. like Philly is Philly's hard because they just got put together. We don't know. We and we don't we the the one real like tough game we've last, seen them I think next Next year will be their year. That way, where Mori can kind of, you know, mold, get a couple pieces around. Do yeah. Let's not forget, like he's dealing with, uh, like remember what Elton Brandon like signed Al Helford to that big contract. You know, signed Tobias Harris to a big contract. You know, there was like you had to get out from under those things. Awful, awful decisions that were made, and you know, I just. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things, man. Like, it's just, he's good at his job. Let's just let the guy work and, like, put him in the position to see what they are. But I think they're a year away from actually really doing anything. We'll uh, continue to check in on everything happening in the NBA week by week here on That's What... But real quick, I really think we need to give a shout-out to the team that's going to make the biggest noise next year. The Detroit Pistons. Your Pistons. I, I knew mean, we were going. I, mean, I do. I mean, come on, dude. They're like Cunningham scored twenty-eight. They beat the Hawks in OT, one thirteen. You know, one thirteen to one ten. Uh, yeah. I just at the beginning of the year, I was really high in them just because of like the way they they fought last year. Like every single game, they competed hard, and they just they didn't look like a team that was tanking this year to start the season. You know, start off a little bit slow, um, but now it kind of seems like everyone's kind of filling their role. And call me crazy, but that Cunningham Bagley combo—that's looking pretty good. You know, I'm not saying it's looking like elite, top tier stuff, but it's looking decent. So you know, Ed Bagley just hasn't gotten those minutes to develop in the league. You throw in Stewart, the big guy. You know, you got Killing. Buy stock. Buy some stock right now. Buy some you know, stock. They moved him to the bench. You know, he's been playing, like, better. Like, yeah, like, I'm just – it's just exciting, like, because even though we're second to last in the East, you know, there's at least a vision. We have cap space, you know. It, hey, uh, we'll trade and, you like, Russ for a bunch of those pieces and stuff. How's that sound? <laughs> give me give me uh, some of those young pieces and you take Russ. How's that? Oh, but, like, <laughs> but like, like, honestly, like, I'm just throwing this out there, you know, like if you, cause miles bridges, not miles bridges. Yeah. Um, yeah. Miles bridges, the kid from the Hornets, you know, they could go after him who didn't re up hell. They could even like make a play for Aiton. They'll have enough money to go after Aiton. So like when you really just start looking at this roster, like it's, it's kind of cool what's going on. So some uh, hope for Eric over there uh, as a Detroit fan. 
Eric will be talking so much college basketball over the next few weeks. You and I are going to talk a little football tomorrow. Also, there was a pretty big newsworthy week in football. Rogers oh is going to stay. Yeah. Russell Wilson got traded. Carson Wentz got traded. Uh, well, uh, I mean, the, the big question I want to ask you, like I did, I think I did send you a, a message locking a Chargers future like two weeks ago. Like, did you, did you do that? Yeah, now you got a, a now you got a trade yeah. to Mac yeah. too. So that's yeah. uh so they got Mac and Bull. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, like it just started with the show notes just started with Rogers and uh Wilson. Now it's kind of morphed into uh a lot of stuff. We got that. We're gonna talk uh Russell Wilson, we're gonna talk um Rogers, Wentz, Mac, and then uh you know, we're gonna give our top five teams in the NFC and I'm really interested to hear what your top five teams in the NFC are. I'm like really, really interesting because it's a complete cluster. It's wide open. So we'll talk about that this week on Eric's podcast. Make sure to give him a follow. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be talking tomorrow. And then I'll talk to you uh, Saturday morning for some cutting nets. And then uh, Sunday for uh, a little NBA. So thanks. So uh, cutting nets on Sunday too. Sunday nets, cutting nets Sunday. Actually, we might, we'll talk. I think we might do. I got to look because I don't know how many games there are on Sunday. I know there are a few, but we might do early. NBA and then a reaction after the brackets. So we might have three things. We'll we'll talk about it. Uh, I mean, we may have, uh, there may be a triple header for us. I know. We may have we, a trifecta. So. All over the place there on uh, better than Vegas at BTV bets. Thanks so much, buddy. Uh, have a great rest of your night and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good, man. You too. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to make the transition on over into horse racing. We'll get into some Friday, some Saturday action, a couple guests on to talk about the Tampa Bay Derby and the big races there this weekend. Don't go anywhere. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Don't forget about Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time each and every week. Now, this week, we're going to be just an hour later. We're going to start at 11 a.m. Eastern time because of some of the uh, the college basketball stuff that's going on. We'll go for uh, about an hour, hour and a half, and it'll be Matt DeSantis and Barry Spears joining me. We give you some of our best bets for Friday and for Saturday Stable Duel contest. So for this weekend, Friday You've got Gulfstream, Tampa, Laurel, and Sam Houston. Four tracks, seven different contests. There's a free game at Gulfstream. There's two other money games at Gulfstream. Two different games at Tampa. One at Laurel, one at Sam Houston. On Saturday, three tracks, six different contests. Gulfstream, Tampa, and Santa Anita have two games each. The big game is the Tampa Bay Derby Day game. 50 bucks to enter, 20000 in prizes. They also have a free ride on Saturday at Tampa. And a uh, that, Tampa ga- that Tampa game is 50 bucks to enter. On Sunday, Gulfstream, Laurel, Santa Anita, and Golden Gate. Four tracks, five games, starting as low as 3 bucks, ranging all the way up to 100 to enter. Get those entries in and play, race, win as uh, we head on over to Santa Anita. Get those past performances out for Friday. We're going to take a look at a couple races for Santa Anita Friday, March the 11th. We are heading to the later part of the card. I just I didn't find anything early on in the card that I loved. I mean, in the third race, Rose Maddox is going to be a short price horse. Maybe you could single in some of your early exotics, but nothing early that I really loved as far as uh, you know individual plays or anything that was going to be big price-wise. In race number six, we're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf course here. First level allowance, optional 50 claimer. I do think Accelerina is the one to beat, but Octane is very interesting. Uh, this five-year-old mare had not raced from March of 2021 to February of 2022. And then she came over here in the Neil Drysdale barn on February the 12th at Santa Anita. She kind of got bumped around a little bit at the start. She settled fifth inside, three lengths off. She was in the third fight. She finished a fine fourth that day. That was her first start since March. It was her first start in the U.S. for Drysdale. She came back to work six days after that race. I think she's feeling good, and I'm expecting her to take a big start, a big step forward. You've got Maldonado aboard. I'm hoping they can get a little uh, aggressive. This is a horse who's got a little bit of class. She was, uh, you know, hooking up with Group Stakes Company 
in Group 3 placed, not beaten all that much in uh, a couple legitimate group stakes over in Brazil. I'm using the 4 Octane along with the 5 Accelerina. Octane is 10 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around 5, we'd make a win wager there. As we head to race number 7 at Santa Anita, 6 furlongs the distance, 32 claimers. The 3 quick finish is going to be pretty tough in here. Another one who won't get you rich necessarily, but if you're looking to build some exotics, maybe the 3 quick finish could be a horse that could, uh, that could help you do so. As we get to the 8th race, optional 80, non-2 is going a mile on the turf course. I like the 1 camaraderie. This horse is better going longer. He's going to stretch out after a couple sprint races. That six furlong race on January 22nd was a total prep. The horse who beat him that day, Barraza, came back to win the grade three San Simeon next start out. Camaraderie puts two starts together and just dig back into those races going long in January, that first level allowance, right after breaking the maiden at a mile and an eighth here. Camaraderie, multiple wins over this turf course. I think they sit a nice trip from the inside. At a big price, the number one camaraderie to close out the Friday card at Santa Anita. Let's head over to Sam Houston, talk a little Sammy Houston Friday. So, Sam Houston, March 11th, race number one, 5,000 beaten claimers going a mile on the main track there. The four Archie is who I like coming in from that open 4,000 claiming race last time out. Archie's got some speed, should be forwardly placed in here in a race that doesn't have a ton of it. I wouldn't be shocked to see him long gone. The six promising shoes fits the conditions well and now goes first off the claim for Broberg. I'm just worried about the the running style. I don't think there's a lot of early speed. I'm not sure it sets up all that well for promising shoes who will at, at the very least be picking up some pieces. Maybe Ronald Dale will make this race go quick with some of that inside speed. And maybe that means Ronald Dale goes, Archie sits second, or Archie tries to push. Maybe you get one of the two of these others stretching out that push. And, uh, and it does set up better for Promising Shoes. I'm kind of cold on Temprano. I'll go 4-6-1 in race number one at Sam Houston on Friday. Moving to the second, another 5,000 beaten claiming race. Mile here on the main track. I thought the one off track who's going to go second time pish and hooked and off track last time out. You can probably put a line right through and make a legitimate excuse for him there. The seven, Mighty Merle, probably the horse to beat off of that last effort. Run Tappy, third start of the form cycle, should be set for even better and feels like that's where he fits off of that last effort. Now you got Elliot jumping aboard. One, seven, six. The four Mule Skinner, I'll use more underneath. I stacked them one, seven, six to kick off that early pick four in race two. Third race, 20,000 non-four lifetime, a mile on the turf course here. I'm looking to the six, Mr. Strange. I just didn't think... Should be around 20 to 1. That's probably a, a too big of a price for Mr. Strange, who last time on the turf was a runner up against 12 5 non twos. Since then, you know, you have a couple victories, but we haven't seen this one on the turf. And the turf form overall is a little bit sneaky. Is he a win machine? No. I think this horse could hit the board at least and give you a good run for your money. I'm going to throw the six Mr. Strange into some exotics along with the 10. We will include. Holy Vow is a much better spot for Holy Vow. The 7 will also be on some tickets um, with that speed. This is the type of horse who may be able to just outrun the field. And the 4, Uncle Artie, probably the one they'll all have to hold off. 6, 7, 10, uh, six ten seven four in race number 3. Let's move along to the 4th race. The 2, Flower House is going to be tough. The 1, West Coast Temple. Nothing outside the box, nothing really creative for me. The 8, she's a bling, maybe an underneath price horse to include with some of those inside 
shorter prices. Fifth race, first level allowance for Texas bred fillies and mares, four-year-olds and upwards. The six metallic silver is going to get a, a big jock upgrade with uh, Valdez Jimenez jumping aboard. And this horse's turf form is pretty sneaky, the six-year-old mare, who's only been on the grass a couple times, but they've both been good. The seven, my baby's gone, will cut back after trying to go longer. Her turf sprint was awesome. The number three, Hawkeye Girl, will be in some exotics just based on her really good turf sprint form. The 10, Tudela, will cut back and see if she can be as good sprinting as she's been going longer. And the 9 is another one, Mississippi Bling, in a pretty contentious fifth race. 6, 7, 3, 10, 9. Some horses to use in your exotics there. In the 6th, Maiden $7,500 claimers, 5.5 furlongs, the distance. Emotional intel. You can really just excuse this horse's recent form. And now they come into a new barn who's good with new acquisitions. I like the fact that in the debut, sprinting on the dirt at Keeneland, they showed some early interest. That's enough to me in this type of a spot. The 12, get on out of here, will include with the 1, Shock's little Ava. The rail is the main worry there, but if she can sort of break alertly and then just get out of a bad spot, she could sit, kind of hold a nice position there. 8, 12, 1, and 11 looking west in race number 6 from Sam Houston. Let's get to the 7th here. Non-winners of 2 on the year going a mile on the turf course. I like the 2, Drive, who's got some really nice turf races here. Now, took a shot in a tough allowance race that it was long on the in, in the slop. Now you get back to the turf for Drive. The 8, Parrothead, who was a runoff last time out, but can sit a little bit and have these races last year to go back to. The 9, Conviction Trade, has some class. The 10, Sunlit Song, is the one to beat, but I'm just worried about another possibility of a wide trip for him. I stacked um, 2, 8, 10, 9 in race number 7. As we move to race number 8, start of your late daily double here, Texas Bread Maiden Special Weight Race. I, I had a difficult time with this one. I'm going to use the 10, Valadina Dreams. I used this first-time starter when I was at Sam Houston on February the 19th, and he flashed some speed from the rail, I do think there's some ability here with Valdina Dreams, the 8, the 11. Josh's Dream will also include the 2, Legally Lethal, with that speedy debut, could step forward off of that. The 10, Tap in the Bling, second start off the bench, was behind Chief Brady. That was the horse who went on and beat Valdina Dreams in that stakes race to the Jim's Orbit. The 6 and the 5, Grammys Boy and Bosk would not be shocked to see them end up right on the wire in what looks like a very wide open race. 8, 11, 2, 10, um, and then 6 and 5 if you wanted to go even a little bit deeper. To close things out at Sam Houston, the ninth and final Maiden Special Weights going 5 furlongs on the turf course. I thought the 9, Bendeline, is the one to beat. Putting two starts together, consistent. Yes, she's burned money in two of her races as the beaten favorite, but those were good efforts, and I don't know if anyone else has those type of turf sprints that are comparable. Maybe Colonel AB be at the 5, I'm a little cold on. I prefer the 9, the 10, it's kind of a fun price to include. Should have known better third off the bench, and the 3, good liquor, has some speed and should be flashing it there. So that's Friday over at Sam Houston. 
Good luck Friday. If you want some help with Saturday, head on over to social media. I'm going to post a video on Friday that will have all the Saturday analysis, and I'll go through. We'll take a look at some replays, and we'll uh, we'll really dive into that Saturday card. We'll spend like 10 or 15 minutes or so going through those DRF past performances. We are now going to dive into some Saturday racing, and we have two guests to help us out with Tampa Bay Downs because it's a big day on Saturday at Tampa, and we're very lucky to have some good friends who do some work over at Tampa. First up, track announcer Jason Beam, one of the greatest ambassadors out there for racing. Everybody loves Jason. He's funny. He's got a great sense of humor, and he's been doing a hell of a job calling the races over at Tampa. Jason Beam joins me to get set up for Tampa Bay Derby Day on Saturday. It is the biggest day of the meet coming up at Tampa Bay Downs. We are very lucky. We have a a couple really good friends who work over at Tampa Bay Downs, and they're going to help us out previewing the big day on Saturday. First up, the man who is the voice of Tampa Bay, Jason Beam. That's got to be cool, huh? The voice of Tampa Bay Downs now. All those years of calling races and calling a lot of tracks, but it's got to be really cool to be, uh, be referred to now as the voice of Tampa Bay Downs. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Yeah, there's there's worse titles to have for sure. But uh, no, you know, I, it's funny. I was just telling my boss. I, I feel like the last couple weeks I've gotten asked in the grandstand, like, "Are you the announcer here?" Because I'm not on I'm not on camera at all yeah. at, at Tampa Bay Downs, which I which I like. And so um, it's always funny. And one of the guys in the jocks room even said, "He goes." You guys never look like what I think you're going to look like. <laughs> you're like, I don't know if that's a compliment. Or well, that yeah, <laughs> but it's true, right? Like you always yeah. have a vision of people when you hear their voice and then you, you meet them and it's, it, they never look exactly what you were expecting. So I, I always got the, God, you're a lot smaller in person. God, I, mean, I, got this, I, I probably get the opposite like, of one of guys, that, People looking down on me like, man, you are tiny, aren't you guy? But I think I'm like a, like a little bigger than I thought. But uh, uh, Jason, I got to ask you, man, is this, this is on the short list of, probably the biggest races you've ever called, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, actually, I mean, technically I, I called a grade one at Monmouth and so yeah. I, not, I not, yeah. no tech, no technically about it. I did. Yeah. Uh, and so, and that was uh, a smaller purse than this one. I have called a bigger purse race of, and it was a quarter horse race at Louisiana downs. The, uh, Louisiana, it's like the LQ HRA, uh, futurity. It was, it mm-hmm. was a, they had 16 trials. All in one day. It was the longest day of my race calling career. It's the only time I ever had to bring two meals to the track, you know. <laughs> and, wow. Yeah, those uh, trial days, man. Oh, those, forget about it. And I it don't was know all, how they do it. Those quarter horse folks. It, 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 it was t- it was ten two year olds in every race. So there was a hundred. There was one hundred and fifty eight. There was two nine horse fields. You knew and, every horse in every race. You had everyone memorized, well, right? But the fun. It was all of their debuts because it was February <laughs> of their two year old year. So there was not a single PP to go on. Of course, you know, I was. I'd only been there for a month. So I didn't know any of the silks, and so yeah, oh that was gosh. that was a taxing day. But no, that I, I, I would. I would. Fire. I'll tell you what, th- this will most likely be, and, and obviously weather is, is a potential cloud of this weekend, uh, it'll probably be the biggest handle race I've ever called. Yeah, and uh, Kentucky Derby prep race, points mm-hmm. on the line, couple possible horses that'll run in the Kentucky Derby, horses on the undercard that ran in last year's Kentucky Derby, um, just a ton of stuff. We'll get into all the Tampa stuff in just one minute. Before we do, got to also give a, a little shout out. Had some fun meeting with Jessica Paquette over at Sam Houston. I don't, I, in the last couple of years, I, especially during the pandemic, I haven't done anything. That's what's the, one of the, one of the real positives about being a podcaster. Yeah. Like, you know, is like you can do a lot of it right from home. Don't have to go anywhere to do a lot of your work. But I actually made the trip out to Sam Houston, had a blast. Jessica was a lot of fun. She had so many positive things to say about you. She said you guys had a blast over at Colonial too. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. She's one of my best friends. So, I mean, I, you know, we're always talking. It was funny. I'll, I'll tell you, she, she, I, I said, how's Gino? She goes, Gino is a delight. Oh, <laughs> that was her, uh, her exact great. quote. So that's a nice yeah. word. That's uh, nice to hear. So we, yeah, we got along know. right. Yeah. Right yeah, away. She's, so. she's, she's the best, but yeah, we, uh, yeah. Colonial was, I, I want to say, I don't want to say much more fun, but just because her and I have been friends so long, it, it made it a lot of fun. This year. And after 2020 over there, cause we had to cancel the meet because of COVID and all that, it was just kind of a disaster. So it, it put a, a better taste in my mouth about colonial after kind of a, a tough year. And you know, the team over there is really, really cool. And so I'm, uh, in fact, I was just starting to look at uh, apartments for that uh, couple of months uh, this morning, Gino. So awesome. it's, it's awesome. not that far away. I know. So looking forward to it. You got a nice little uh, a schedule rotation going right now, right? You roll from Grants Pass, yeah. then you get on over to Tampa, and then you'll head on over to Colonial. When's that meet start? I, well, I go back to Grants Pass for the spring. We, okay. uh, we start literally two days after Tampa ends, and so I'll be there for six weeks. Come back to Tampa for the little two-day summer meet they have to do, and then uh, Colonial starts July 11th. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So you'll be back and forth a little bit. We love hearing your voice all over the place, and I'll have to check in with you over the next few weeks and uh, uh, on the road to WrestleMania and just get some of your thoughts if you're watching I'll be honest, anything. you know, I haven't watched wrestling. That's what I was going to say. I was going to really? say, I'm sure you haven't been watching. You've been busy no. and stuff like well, that. Well, busy, I, I lost a lot of interest in it. I just, I it, didn't, I, I wasn't. Diff- yeah, yeah, it's a lot just, different. Our, it's, the, the golden age was, you know, yeah. there were like, to me, the two golden ages are the ones that when we have the most fun talking about that you've came back on here before mm-hmm. and done, you know, some of the like late 80s, early 90s. And into the 90s, and then obviously again in the Attitude Era right there with The Rock and Stone Cold and The Undertaker in the early 2000s right then. And then now it's just, it's hard because there's so much more about the brand than Uh about the stars. You know, you tune in and it's it's kind of formulaic and it's just sort of routine. But uh, the road to WrestleMania is coming. Anyone that wants to hear some of Jason Beam's old thoughts, we've got a a couple. uh, I think we go through WrestleMania 4. We went through the tournament. We did 9. We did nine and the yeah. and the four, the tournament with uh, with Danny Kovalov. Derby so. Danny. Yeah, so if I you guys were there. Danny. I haven't talked to him in a while either. I know. I check in with him every now and then, usually around the big wrestling events to see how he's going or uh, or uh, how things are going with him. So, yeah, we, we're up to – that That was funny because that um, all started right exactly about two years ago right now. It was pandemic. That right was the whole the pandemic thing. Happened yeah. Because yeah. there was – Nothing going on in ba- basketball all got canceled. Baseball wasn't wasn't going to play. Everything going on in the world of sports except for wrestling and horse racing, which yeah. is so perfect for me because it's like, oh, great. Horse racing kept going. I just did more. That was when Oaklawn started rolling. Will, yeah. uh, that was Will Rogers and Fawner, you Tampa. know, Tampa. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa ran all the way through July 1st. They Sam ran, Houston, they, yeah, you know, yep. it picked up an extra few uh, few. And I think uh, Gulfstream, that's when they decided they kept to going, extend, yeah. you know, yep. so. Some of those tracks took advantage. Uh, wrestling kept going all the way through. Uh, but speaking of Tampa, now we uh, all the pl- after all some of the pleasantries. Let's get into the important stuff for for this weekend, uh, Beamy. We've got Tampa Bay Derby Day. Twelve races on Saturday. Five stakes races. Four graded stakes races. Kentucky Derby points on the line. You did mention it though. There does look like uh, there will be some rain in the forecast, which will put a little bit of a damper in it. But you know what? There are still still going to be the Tampa Bay Derby, even if some of the races come off the grass. There will still be some real quality stakes and uh, and some cool stuff on the undercard that I want to hit with you. Yeah, the undercard is is kind of funny just because, you know, at least the first three or four races, you know, there's a couple little small kind of, I don't want to say stakes, but like handicap listed type races and, a, you know, cheap 
claimer, which which I, I I like throwing in the odd claimer on a on a big day. I know some people don't, but um, but then all of a sudden you get command performance in the fifth race coming back first start since the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and he's in a maiden race because he's still yeah. eligible for it, even though he's Grade One place. Yeah. Uh, and and he I think he in fact I just looked at the morning line he was made three to five morning line favorite, and I think you can argue he'll even be lower than that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was only then, seven to two in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, and didn't run bad. No. And and the only and you know I guess the talking point this is obviously a maiden race the talking point yeah. just from that group in particular is that race hasn't really come back very strong last yeah. year's Breeders Cup it's sort of been like an anti key race where a lot of those horses who have run back we're going to see one of them maybe in the Tampa Bay Derby Giant Game I'm, I'm not sure because mm-hmm. I know they scratched from last week and I think they were still thinking about if they were going to race or not but he's at least entered uh, later on in the Tampa Bay Derby but command performance I'm hoping big things for him Jason because there's a couple horses on the card that I have in my uh, fantasy jockey club fight on Gino horse racing stables you know yeah. you get to be the voice of Tampa Bay Downs I get to be the voice of that's what G said podcast you know so I guess it's a little bit different you know nobody I, I would hope I would at least be the voice of, of this right yeah, that makes sense. They, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny thing about the Romans thing. Um, this is this is real inside baseball. But my boss was telling me there was a stakes day back in January, like the Pasco and inaugural and stuff. And I said, oh, you know, exciting about so and so. She goes, well, they haven't. Their group hasn't made any lunch reservations yet. She goes, so I, I don't think they're coming. And sure enough, they scratch. <laughs> Dale's made r- lunch reservations. Okay, so, that's so, gr- okay. So, I love that. I love. He that. can always he can always cancel them, of course. But I, I thought that she told me she goes, you would be shocked. The percentage of, of time where, you know, I'm here from an owner, oh, we're him and Han, we're doing it. But he goes, but if the reservation's in, they end They're up showing up. And if They're it's not, come. they don't. It, it really is all about lunch, Gino. That was all like the uh, the old, like, the trainers got the tie on today. Like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Junior, tie. My, my favorite of that was Junior Coffee at Emerald Downs. He uh, mm-hmm. he, he won a Super Bowl as a football player. <laughs> and, or actually, I don't even think he won a Super Bowl. He won, like, an NFL championship before the Super Bowl. Uh, and he, when he had his ring on, like, that was the angle. Like, he's getting his picture taken. You knew it. He was going to yeah. show that thing off. Everyone was going to be he's gonna be smiling. So, okay, so the lunch reservation has been made. <laughs> That's going to be good when we get to that race in just a minute when we talk about it. So, yeah, f- uh, fifth race. You'll get command performance, first time Lasix, add in the blinks. They'll try to use this as a, a prep. You know, you, you you win this, you know, nicely, and then you look around and you probably go to something like the bluegrass timing yeah. wise. You'd imagine. Yeah, I gotta think. Yeah, I mean, I think even that that Chad horse, and I know we're working our way to that, but even that sure. Chad horse money supply in the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Derby, like same kind of thing, right? Like, let's take a crack with it. And if you know, if, if that horse runs really good, they still got time to make one more start. If he runs bad, okay, we're going to, he's a sprinter because he ran so good in the debut sprint. And, you know, if he runs, if he wins, you can decide, hey, maybe we just go to the derby. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you create options. options and, and exactly. I think that's, that's a big part of it. And, you know, I am curious, like I said, the weather, it's, it's, we're speaking Thursday afternoon and it's, it's raining a fair bit over by the track. It's not supposed to rain at all Friday, but they are saying some thunder showers Saturday. They're saying it should be early in the day, though. So what that means for the turf, or the dirt, I don't know, but what it'll mean, if anything, is that it should be a drying out track, hopefully, by the time uh, the big races are coming out. So, I mean, you know, we, we don't know, but but that might also discourage, some connections might decide they don't want to run if it's wet. You know, you just never know. And with Florida weather, I've learned that you kind of can't plan on it too much because it'll be dumping rain five miles away and completely sunny, the, you know, at the track. So I, I've had that happen a couple times. I left my house thinking, oh, God, we're going to be off the turf to get there at 
to Tampa Bay Downs. I'm 20, minute, 20 minutes away. It's gorgeous. So, <laughs> um, uh, so we uh, we will take a peek at a couple of the other stakes races on the card with Jason. Uh, we're going to have Ren Carruthers help us out uh, handicap those races. Jason and I are talking uh, early in the afternoon on um, th- on Thursday. Ren's going to join me later in the evening on Thursday to dive in and, uh, and handicap a couple of these races. So uh, just like looking at the uh, the Grade Two Hillsboro, another one of the graded stakes races on the card that you'll uh, you'll have to call. Um, how crazy is it that you had a Chad Brown undefeated horse win the Endeavor at at seven to one last time yeah. out? <laughs> it was and like, floated what? up late. I know she, she, she was. She was nine to two or five to one when they were going to the gate, and yeah. this was the uh, you so know we for always all the hear, conspiracy theorists yeah, out there. They, this Look, this was they didn't know. This is the this is the one. This is the outlier to point yeah. to. But uh, Bleecker Street, just from a talking point, if this race does stay on the grass, um, you know she she does look like the one that you know they'll all have to beat in here. I mean, she's gonna have to run down Lady Spitespear again, who, who certainly looks to have. I mean, who's you know she's no she's no chump and. No. You know that she'd come up here. It was the first time she'd ever run at Tampa, and uh, I thought I really thought turning for home, uh, she looked a winner. One thing I will say is the rail's supposed to be back at zero feet for these races. That's kind of the what they shoot for for their big turf races, like the Endeavor and the um, the Tampa Bay were both run their grade threes, and they were both run at zero feet, and they kind of were both run at zero feet after weeks of having it out at twenty three or twenty four. So fresh grass, I guess, is what I was getting at. And both those two races. You know, I, Bleecker Street came from behind, and um, the other horse that won the Tampa Bay, uh, Sheryl's Spite, came from just behind. But they both kind of had inside paths, and they both caught horses that were on the lead the entire way or close to it. I mean, I know Lady Spitesbury wasn't on the lead, but was right there. But I guess what I'm yeah. what I'm getting at is they did not have a big flow from the back. Like a lot of times, you'll see turf races where the you know everybody's running from the back. Neither one of those races had that, so I'm real curious to see if that plays out. Obviously, if there's moisture in the ground, it probably changes something. But um, you know, they will be running over that fresh ground, and you know, I've always argued that. Maybe it is not advantageous to be on the fresh ground because the outsides, are, you know, more stamped down, so to speak. But it, it sure seemed on that weekend that it was it was good to be on those inner paths, if anything. But Bleecker Street, I'll tell you, if you watch that replay, you know, she doesn't bat the three sixteenths. You're no. you're almost surprised that she's going to win, and I know. Uh, and then wins not only wins but wins going away. And I love that Hector Diaz Jr. gets to keep the mount too. Uh, That's he's, cool. He's, he's ridden the horse all four times. I mean, Irad's in town and Irad's riding the other Chad. But uh, I think it's really because that was Hector's first graded stakes race of his career. So, um, uh, you know, this has got to be a chance for him. In fact, it it must be because it's a grade two. He's got a chance to win, you know, the biggest race of his career. And like you said, this is one who just sort of felt like she was just getting going. Then yeah. at that point, oh, yeah. doesn't feel like distance should be any problem for her. For her, it'll be she more didn't... of a race shape, you know. I, I don't. I don't know. Are you are you a DRF guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I I I haven't seen the DRF, but she didn't take the big jump because her numbers were not all that high no, going into no. the race. And the number for that race, at least on Briz, did not come back. No. It came back one point higher than the optional it, claimer. Her, her it took a step forward, so she got yeah. a ninety buyer from an eighty one. Okay. So she did okay. move so, up a little so bit. So it was a leap on the buyer well, stuff. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't like anything overwhelming. Like she. I mean, that's why she was seven to one, right? Because the numbers uh-huh. weren't that high. And so she, I, I would, I would argue she took a, a step forward. But I, you know, she might have to take another little step forward, mm-hmm. especially if Lady Spitespear jumps up. And I think there's a few other horses in here that are certainly worth note. Uh, take Charge Row down toward the inside. I don't think you're going to get twelve to one. Um, but she, I mean, she makes a lot of sense. Lovely Lucky for Paco down toward the inside. Apparently, Paco's last ride for a little while. And uh, <laughs> and runaway be ru- aggressive. Expect yeah, being aggressive. <laughs> runaway rumor. I thought. I mean, coming off a layoff, but I mean, you know, beating the schnoz in the uh, the Sands Point, and she's run second in a couple of uh, graded stakes races. Race. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't think I think the 
it's very easy to think, oh, well, these top two are going to be, but I, I certainly think there's two or three other ones that you can make it's, legit, legit cases yeah, for. Yeah, like you were saying, especially if they're a little bit pace compromised, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're going to be shortish prices and have to be kind of really negotiating some traffic. So a fun race, the Hillsboro. We'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, if there is some rain sort of early in the day or not that much, and we can keep that one on the grass. How about a, a cool, the the challenger? There was a race like this at Gulfstream last week where you had like a bunch of the, the three year olds from last yeah. year. You know, I think it was like Prevalence and Candyman Rocket and all these horses that were like trying to get on the uh, the Derby Trail last year. Hey, in this race, you've got a, a couple of them too. You've got um, Greatest Honor showing up. Greatest Honor, who was the favorite in the Florida Derby after winning the Holy Bull and the Fountain of Youth last year. At that point, after the Fountain he of Youth, he was the guy. He was the man because yeah. some of the other horses around him started having issues too. And he was like the horse, the favorite in the Florida Derby. And we just haven't seen him since. You've also got uh, Dynamic One who ran in the Derby. You've got Hidden Stash who ran in the Derby. You were just talking about Cheryl Spate who won yeah. that uh, grade three um, on the grass last time out. So this is kind of a fun uh, a fun race. I think, to be honest, like I think just from a fun standpoint, this is the most fun race other than the big one I on agree. the card. Like it's just, there's just a lot of really cool horses. There's a lot of interesting little angles with like Hidden Stash. You know, they brought him back after the Kentucky Derby, ran him on grass. And I think I like he, ran, he ran really good on grass. Yeah. But again, figures wise, he's faster on dirt. And so to me, it tells me he's in good form or at least feeling good and getting to maybe his preferred surface. So I'm really interested yeah. in him. Um, he's kind of sure. ahead of a couple of the others, right? He's yeah. got his third start off the bench now. Yeah, where yeah. Some of the others might just be getting going. They may need a race or two for their best. He might be primed for a big one. I kind of like him if he's anything in that, like, you know, I think he's thinking he's a 12 to one. If he's above six, I think that's kind yeah. of a fair price for him in this race. I just think greatest honor. I think greatest honor is going to be favorite. I, I, yeah. I disagree with the line a little bit there. Um, and so dynamic one, I mean, you know, he'll, he'll take money for sure. But I, I honestly just think greatest honors like name is going to carry so agree. much weight, uh, at the windows in this one. And you know, it's a field of 10. So there, the money does have to get split up quite a bit and you have other horses who are solid. I mean, Cody's wish. I mean, what's the matter with a hot, I mean, he's very unproven obviously in terms of stakes, but I mean, he's, he's pretty deserving of, of this shot, right? He just rolled through his conditions at Churchill with it. That ain't easy. And this isn't like a great, like this is a good, yeah, it's plot, a but it's not yeah. a great one or anything, right? Mott's not putting him in here with anyone that would, that's like overwhelming or that really scares the heck out of you. It's just kind yeah. of a solid fun group of horse that have horses that have like a lot of questions to ask. Yeah, it, it, it's a really intriguing race, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it. I mean, even like Wolfie's Dynagos comes in with a couple of wins on other surfaces. Gets yeah. under. I mean, I mean, Cheryl Spite is a kind of a weird entry here, right? Coming off of the the grass, the two grass wins here at Tampa, and you know, the two dirt starts were kind of not great at all. We have fact, no idea were, how, how if this horse is any good on the dirt at all. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of have an idea that maybe. No, he's you're right. Not. I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. So we have like we've seen it's, zero reason. It's a to... weird entry because that I mean that that Tampa Bay Stakes race. I mean that was awesome. I mean because get so smoke get smoking was so loose and just traveling so good and really I thought a winner turning for home and this one did same like Bleecker Street didn't just run him down. I mean ran him down and blew by, and so it, it's a peculiar entry in that sense yeah. but i i'm gonna guess roger atfield knows more about his horse than we do i was gonna say a little bit more than just a guess but just the other one, but I, I i think part of it too like you know emma jane they're like oh emma jane came down yeah she came right down a red lady spikes beer this one just happened to also be on the card mm -hmm. so yeah it's same and maybe it's the same for you know for for roger i mean they train over at, at payson so it's not like it's a, a super long ship so i don't know it, it's peculiar entry i guess uh but 
you know, it's a very solid horse. Yeah, I like this. I like this race. It's fun. The Challenger, and uh, even if there does uh, get some rain coming down, you know, that may put a little wrinkle in it. But this this is a race that's going a mile and a sixteenth yeah. on the main track, so should be Tampa's pretty. A, Tampa's a it's a sand based track too, so when it gets wet, it it doesn't turn into like a mess. You know, it's that it's I, I always equate it to the beach. Like when you go walk on the sand where the, you know, where the water has been, it's actually better footing and stuff like that. And it kind of has that feel like we ha- we've had a couple days that would be sloppy, but it, it doesn't have that sloppy mess look. And, and the, the races do, you know how sometimes sloppy track races, they string out a little bit more. They do, they do do that, but they, it's just, it just doesn't look like a sloppy mess. Couple other uh, stakes races in the Florida Oaks in the ninth, the grade three Florida Oaks in the Columbia in the 10th, but we are now going to get to the lamb hole. South, got to get the uh, sponsor plug oh, in there, Tampa Bay Derby. I got to remember to say that at the, at the start, too, Jimmy. There we, there we go. Uh, a mile and a Margo, Margo told me, she goes, you better get, to, they, 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 they're loyal sponsors, you better mention They've earned it. You, they've earned it. So Frank had one. Did, did you see, did you hear the race, the, the, the Varanus Casino at San Manuel? It was well done. I, I texted him recently and just said, because for me, and, um, and, uh, it, I watch a lot of the replays, you know. So yeah, for yeah. me, one, uh, I'm, I'm, a lot of the time when I'm listening, it's it's when it's like it's like the commentators in a game or like a referee, yeah. even right. You're doing a great job when I'm not noticing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that there was a mistake or anything, or when I'm like, oh yeah, that horse was coming, or like kind of picking it up. It's sort mm-hmm. of like like you feel like you're listening to the radio as you're kind of along for the ride. And uh, I texted him just to let him know he was doing smooth. That was that oh, was a great. He's the best. Yeah. A great job. Yeah. So uh, shout out to uh, our buddy uh, Frank Miramati. I just told him the other day I owe him uh, a pizza. I got to take him over to Petrello's in San Gabriel, a place that I uh, I like. I just got a little pie from uh, last night. But Tampa Bay Derby time. Let's talk about this one. Kentucky Derby points on the line. We have a legit, legit contender right now for the Derby. I mean, Classic Causeway. This horse has done like nothing wrong, Jason, in uh, in his starts, and he came back in the Sam F. Davis in his first start, a race that he had every right to need a little bit. And wow, uh, he went to the front end. He crushed, and he looked like he had plenty left in the tank. He should be even better. Second start off the bench. You look at some of those horses who he was defeated by last year, like Smile Happy have come back and run well. That Kentucky Jockey Club was so live with White Aberio, Call yep. Me Midnight. I mean, that that race is if you compare that race to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which you know, like Giant Game or Giant Game was in, and it's just no comparison whatsoever in how those horses have run this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I always, I, I always kind of caveat any race I call with is, you know, as an announcer, you miss a lot that happens, especially in a twelve horse field, because you're, you know, you're combing back through seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth, and you got binoculars, you're not seeing anything that's happening uh, up front, and so it wasn't until I kind of watched this back that I got a little more appreciation for the effort this horse did, and also thought maybe he wasn't quite pressed as much because you know little Vic who was to the outside who was quote unquote pressing him was under just a hammer lock and should have gone on with it in my opinion because he's a sprinter yep. with speed stretching out I mean he, he had 21 and change speed so why is he not on the lead I agree um, now they went quickly but it was kind of a quick track that day but from a so, so that's where I don't I don't think he was like Mixed mixed emotions, like mixed feelings. Yeah, a little like bit. you. Well, you see, dueled rail. I didn't think it was a duel. I thought he was going very comfortably, and I thought the other horse was getting highly restrained. That being said, when they were on the turn, you could tell so, that this horse was traveling so easily, and the horses that were third, fourth, and not even Little Vic at that point, he was still kind of keeping pace with him. But 
they were all starting to come under rides and he was inching away from them. And then when IRAD released the brakes turning for home, there was a pretty quick acceleration there, which again, you know, they went decent fractions. It was a fast track that day, but, um, you know, I'm always looking for, at least as a race caller, judging the field, you know, I, mm-hmm. to be honest, like I rarely care about any of the handicapping stuff. Cause that's just not my job. Yep. And, and that's why it's good. You're having Rena. <laughs> but I will say that I, <laughs> that I, you know, you look for, to see things like Emmanuel was a horse who I got to see and his last 16th stood out in my mind as a horse that might be able to run a little bit. And I still maintain even after kind of a, you know, he didn't have the best trip no, the other no. day and all that. So I, I'm still high on him just from that sense. And I, I shudder to say the other horse, I, there was a horse named uh, Sham Rocket. Do you remember him? Or Chancelot. Mm-hmm. Chancelot. Chancelot. The, the Navarro horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, who obviously there's a mighty, mighty asterisk next to a name. But I remember after I called his allowance win, I texted Miramati because it was a Monmouth. I said, I've never seen a horse run through my binoculars like that horse. And then his next start, he won the Amsterdam by 20. And it, so it's it like, you, cr- I mean, yeah, his, yeah. his fractions in that race were just yeah. so wicked. I mean, so we, we know that. Yeah, yeah. But everything <laughs> for the sun. Yeah. But, um, but regardless, you know, like I said, you, you as a race call, I look for those moments in top races. And if I really see kind of a wow moment and classic Causeway was bordering on that. And so I, I do think that there's some, some real talent there and he's a deserving favorite. I actually, you know, we, we, I criticized the line a little bit earlier for those earlier races, but I would, I had him pegged at eight to five. So yeah. uh, I, he's exactly where I thought him would. I think he might go off a smidge less just because I think sometimes people in these big races, there's so much default to the favorite kind mm-hmm. of money. Yeah. Um, but it really does look like a race where there's a clear favorite. There's three to four kind of clear next tier horses. And then Mm -hmm. there's five or six that are 20 to 30 to one. And I think you can make cases for a lot of the the 20, 30 ones. The interesting 30 to one to me is trademark just because I think they're going to send from down on the inside. This horse absolutely was between horses at two different spots in that Sam Davis just was never comfortable and, and backed up out of it. I really think if anybody tries to go with classic causeway, it's going to be that one. And, um, and if he's able to clear, cause I also think classic causeway part of me thinks they want him to try to rate to sit a little bit just because he's likely going to have to do that in, at some point in, in eight, one of these eight, big especially races, especially in eight weeks, you know? Yeah. And so, um, those, these That's, are some of my little theory. And plus he mm-hmm. broke so good in the Sam Davis. Like you can hear it in my voice. I'm like, Jesus, he just jumped out. And he just goes, that's what yeah. you got to do. Right. You break like that. It, I always want you to go instead of grab yeah. a hold when you get that kind of a, a, a beginning. So you're right. I mean, a lot of my same notes, can he sit off and pass if need be? And now is if, if you're going to try and test something out, this is the time to do it. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you he's already a, got points too. He's got, got points got 20, think, and you yeah. got the benefit of the doubt for another race. If you need it. Yeah. You know, so you can do that here and then you can, oh, okay, you know what? We have some points. We can jump into a Lexington if we need something later or, you know, something, something yeah. or go, go to Keeneland, anything. You, you just, like we said earlier, options for Classic Causeway, who is the horse to beat in here. So in that next tier of runners is a major general, I'd say, and mm-hmm. probably maybe money supply, strike hard, maybe giant games, uh, Shipstational for sure. And, and let's yeah. talk to Shipstational, who was just behind um, classic Causeway in the Sam F. Davis Because if this race does come up A little bit sloppy, this is a horse who will Probably be upgraded Yeah, and I thought he had to kind of run Not necessarily his race, right? Like at least from a style standpoint He's been a little bit closer than he was in the Sam Davis And so he breaks from kind of a similar post position I mean, really, this is 
you know, it's the same distance, same track, right? And so the Sam F. Davis, maybe more so than some other preps, should be a very nice predictor. Obviously, every race is different. It's going to set up different. But, you know, from a distance and track standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, it's the same show. But um, he's just, I mean, I was real interested in him in the Sam F. Davis, you know, again, just from a figure standpoint, because his figures were, were higher than everybody else mm-hmm. uh, going into it. Even Classic Causeway, they were like real paralleled on Prime Power and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I think he's a got a major say in things uh, you know interesting manny franco takes over and Castellano's going to ride major general i get that you know toddster pays the bills yeah <laughs> so, and probably another one kind of like trademark in that they're going to try to be a lot more forwardly placed i would think so yeah i mean you know? i there was a lot of pace on paper in the davis and it played out like i said the, the fractions were, were quick but it was not that this maybe heated. deceiving yeah 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 and so you know, again, it's it just depends on the break. It depends on a lot of stuff. It's a horse race, and that's to me that's why getting price becomes so important because there's going to be things that are happening against you and some that'll happen for you. So you get paid when all, you're right. Yeah, and now all of a sudden there are versions of this race where people see that classic Causeway, kind of watching what we watched, maybe got a little bit more of an mm, an easy trip, and you want to make this horse work. So now you could see trademark getting aggressive down inside. You could see Shipsational trying to get more aggressive. Major General, who hasn't raced since September, they could be fresh off the bench. This horse had uh, one basically on the lead sprinting, breaking the maiden at Saratoga, and mm-hmm. then show they can sit off a little bit. But and they're a horse who has some options. Kind of a real interesting horse in here because this is one where I mean, we see horses like this, Jason, every year, and they can really go one of two ways. I mean, this horse could take a nice step forward and just be awesome, and boom, all of a sudden he becomes a major player now with one prep left to go. Or we see these horses who maybe they're a little precocious, maybe they're just a little ahead of everyone else, especially for a really good barn who can get them ready and can get them conditioned and and ready to fire first out, and then they just don't take the next step forward at three. Yeah, I mean that, that's well, then that's what the trail is, right? I mean you're, mm-hmm. you're you're separating the men from the boys, and we're still kind of in that. I know we're in the the fifty point races. Obviously, you're you know they're they're essentially automatic. It feels first if you pretty wide open. You know, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. feel as descript like with the with the top top tier <laughs> contenders, right? Well, there, there's a there's a white haired guy. That, uh, that, no, that, I was going to that's, say that's, that's kind. Of, but I mean, isn't that kind of at least for the last few years? Don't you feel like he's had so many loaded guns over there? That you're that just it, like, which one of them is going to be the last one or two I mean, standing? Yeah, you know, like they and, were they were always the ones that that no, stood out. True. And, and to true. be fair, some of his this year stand out, you know. And know. so, uh, but with them out, you know, kind of becomes a more interesting race. It does. And, and it does. you know, I, I've I've shared my opinions on him and that whole thing on my show, yeah. so I won't, I won't get into it That's here. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. This is definitely. I mean, it it is a it's serving its purpose. You're you're trying to separate the men from the boys. I don't fault anyone who has a horse who kind of deserves a chance in any of these, ten, you know, 20, 10 point races or even the fifties, a, because it's a lot of money mm-hmm. B because it's potentially life changing money, right? You start winning derbies and you, you start talking about way different levels of stuff. Yeah. And so I just, you know, a race like this too, you run second, you make $80,000. And so, which is, you know, more than you're gonna make winning 150,000 stake or right about the same. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't begrudge anybody trying a horse who's, you know, maybe been an impressive allowance. I mean, grand motion start in that Belgrade, he, I didn't think his last win was impressive at all. Um, just cause it was a bad start and he, he won. He's, he's never been beaten. He was very impressive in his debut. And so, but you know, why not take a shot with a horse like this? He's, he, you know, won his, his first level allowance and he's two for two. 
give it a crack and got a local win. You can take one. one, I mean, he he had a bad start today. It was one of those seven furlong races here. So I can't see the start because they're behind those trees. (laughs) I, it was, I was explaining to a friend uh, that was in town the other day. They go, how do you see those? And there's a little circle between the trees where I can see the horse's feet, uh, from about post three to eight. And so if there's only anywhere from three to eight horses, I can always see their feet as they're moving. And so that's how I know they're all in the gate. Other than that, when it's a big field, I got to listen for the, cause the stewards are next door and they will say they're all in. And so then you'll hear me go, they're in the gate. <laughs> and it's, but, it, but anything that happens back there, like a stumble or unless it's in one of those like three or four stalls, I can kind of see, I'm just not going to see it. And his was one he, cause he broke from the inside. I didn't, I didn't see the stumble until, until watching the replay. But even that said, like, you know, it was a slow paced race and he loomed up really nice. I thought he was going to kind of win going away and then just didn't. So I, I was, I was a little bit not wowed by, it. I mean, he's look at, he's been three to five and one to two in his two yeah, starts. He, he was supposed, supposed to win, win those, those races yeah. and probably more impressive. And a bit again, five time. and six horse field. So this is a, yeah. a big test. And he's 20 to one for a reason. Like he should be. I think uh, after the the ones we mentioned, sort of that next tier, you know, giant games worth is worth discussing because they show up here. And I, I, I think that, this next race for him, he is really playable here. I was going to play him in the Fountain of Youth, and it's mainly because we can look at the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and say, yeah, it wasn't, it hasn't been very good, yeah. right? It hasn't come back very good. But no matter what, Giant Game is not as bad as he ran in the Holy Bull, and we mm-hmm. found out afterwards that he had uh, some issues with the throat and he had some surgery, and he came back to work very quickly, which I like. So it didn't take a whole lot out of him. He shows up here. The maiden race is the one that I like I mean that maiden win So even if the Breeders Cup Juvenile wasn't great What's wrong with his maiden win against Call Me Midnight Beating a couple next out winners Fifth place finisher came back and ran well Um, So I think from just a price standpoint If he is in the 8 to 10 to 1-ish range He's a little bit interesting to me Because we see Roman's horses sort of do this on the Derby Trail Always where they kind of throw in a clunker or two And then they show back up with a big race And I would not be shocked Right? Yeah (laughs) They'll burn a few at shorter prices, but then they'll show up with a big one at a bigger yeah. price. Um, yeah. This one wouldn't shock me just from a pure betting standpoint. I wouldn't want to be necessarily singled in on him or counting on a whole lot, but he's just he's not as bad as that was. And I think we might start to be getting to the point where everybody's so cold on that Breeders' Cup Juvenile race is that these horses now from that group, they might be a little bit overvalued moving forward. Yeah, I feel like Dale and Kenny... McPeak since they they're so accessible to the media and they both always are willing to talk about glowingly about their horses to the media and stuff. I think it just, they, they get hyped based on that just strictly because they're, they're out there talking about it. And so I, I always tend to try to fade Dale's horses. And I just, it, to me, my observation is like, once they kind of start tailing off, they don't usually Mm -hmm. uh, pick back up. And so I'm pretty against giant game again. I wouldn't, you know, not surprised if he runs, I feel like every handicapper gives that, uh, that axiom, but I I would be against him on every, every spot. We talked money supply a little bit earlier, so this one's interesting because, I mean, a Chad Brown runner who, you know, when he shows up at Tampa, he wins a whole lot. And I I think that sometimes you can say maybe it's not his top, top here, but this horse Mm -hmm. is a $400,000 purchase. This horse has a nice pedigree, got bumped around a little bit at the start, was like legitimately double digit, like 12 lengths off or so. And then a nice sustained rally did get a great opening on the yeah. inside, a really nice opening. I mean, that was an easy W that day and that was just going six furlongs. So now you go from six furlongs to a mile and a 16th. You got an outside draw here, but like you said, it's a good, 
it's a perfect timing wise for them to just take a shot. Yeah. Because it doesn't hurt anything if you run well. It doesn't hurt anything if you don't run well because you know you're a good sprinter and then you can focus in on sprint races or one turn races or shorten up a little bit and boom, all of a sudden if you run well, a nice closing second or third or you know, heck, you win the race, well boom, now things change. Yeah, he uh, he might be the only Chad we've had on the dirt too. I, I'm not I'm not 100 sure of that, but it's probably not true. But I mean, you know, his his 90 percent of the horses he sent up at a minimum here have been on the turf, and you know, the 14 for 31 that he is. You got to remember, there's a couple races he had two horses in, so he's legit hitting 50 percent uh, of races he's he's been in. And this was such I think a that's good, right? 50. percent Yeah, yeah. This was such a surprise horse for me because you know it's the first race. It was the first race on Sam Davis Day, so it's the first race of a big day. You know, of course, like I'm only focused on the the graded races and the stakes races coming up later in the day, um, and then all of a sudden the first race, this horse comes from near last. Um, and I didn't really think much of the effort, like it was fine. It was a solid win. Right. But then the speed figure came back and everybody was like, because I think it was higher than, or it was close to as high as the, the Derby and all that. And obviously it's a different race, but, um, I felt like it was just kind of an innocuous, like good little maiden special weight event until it came back high. And then it was like, wow, I know one of the horses maintainer who I think was a toward the back finisher in that maiden special weight didn't come back to run much the other day. I haven't seen a lot of the other ones, uh, since then, at least here. And so I'm not sure about the, the quality of the race, but I don't, like I said, it was, I just, it was one of those races where I, I mean, obviously I'm paying attention to it, but I wasn't watching it as though like, you know, Boys can be some superstars in here, uh, and so it was. The number certainly jumped up out of it, and you know, I I, I agree that it's like the perfect time to take a little crack at it, and you know, yeah. yeah the only one I think we didn't mention too that I might throw in some other like Saez looks like he's got an opportunity to win uh, a few races on the card. He's going to be very yeah. live in a lot of spots. He'll be aboard Strike Hard, mm-hmm. who just had a really wide trip last Game time out. Up, yeah. Yeah, he didn't run all that poorly, and he has races that, you know, the, the runner-up effort to simplification a couple starts back, uh, you know, decent races. He's going to have to improve a little bit and take a step forward, but it wouldn't be shocking to see, you know, Saez pick this horse up a little bit and give him—he's give, him, got more speed than he showed in that last race for sure, just positionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a low percentage small barn that's, you know, generally, I believe, a, a Gulfstream-based barn, and— um you know, but they have had some good horses before, yeah. and so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I mean, you know, you run fourth in a in a race. I mean, I, I get why you would want to come back and try. It. And I don't think the horse is going to be eight to one or should be eight to one. I think it'll float up from that. Um, the last workout is obviously exciting if you're a morning work person. I mean, that was, that was rolling. Uh, did we talk about Golden Glider at all? No, I don't think. Yeah, we let did. me give a quick plug to Golden Glider. I, I thought the the first win here at Tampa was very workmanlike solid, but was supposed to win. Emmanuel was actually entered in that race and had a, a little setback. So Emmanuel came back a few weeks later, but, uh, Golden Glider kind of moved at the top of the stretch into that race. You know, it was not a fast pace, but he moved like a real serious racehorse. And then he was super green down the lane. Like he kind of, um, I don't want to say lugged in, but just, he just, he looked like you see with a lot of horses, right? They hit the front and they're just like, well, what do I do now? And so, you know, he was another one who was kind of between horses a little bit, just never got going. But from his frame and stuff, I feel like he's a big kind of just needs a clear path. And I, I would guess that maybe he gets kicked out a little bit and tries to come with a big run. And if they do run fast, he was one I think could could pick up some some change. I think there's talent there, I guess is what this I'm saying. This is a fun about. race because, like you said, yeah, it's got yeah. that descript favorite. This is the horse to beat. And then you've got these next tier of horses who any one of them, like, you know, if – 
would be shocking to see Giant Game, Major General, Ship Stational, Money Supply jump up with a really nice effort, and then boom, they stamp themselves as a player. And then you've got the the longer shots who, yeah, why not take a shot, see if you can uh, pick up a piece, get some points, and maybe take your step along the trail. Always know it's like my alarm when the gardeners out front start going. You, I'm sure you know the life of a podcaster. It's just. Some of the some of the things that are outside that are just out of your control. It's like, oh no, garbage car, man. car alarm going off. You know, the I'm garbage man was trouble. always what got me because I was <laughs> I my my for for like two years my uh, my little office was right over the driveway, <laughs> and so like I'd be be recording and be like, okay, hold on real quick. Look, the garbage guy's here with his loud truck. But yeah, yeah I always joke. With the world doesn't Chad. stop for our podcast. Geez. I know. I always joke with my buddy Chad when we uh, we would do our uh, our wrestling shows. I'm like, this isn't. Uh, I I don't got the chainsaw. I'm not chainsaw Charlie. Coming in here, right with the uh, this. This is the uh, the gardeners outside uh, giving me the alert. So well, when uh, you're a big podcaster, you have a gardener. That's how it goes. Exactly. It would, uh, <laughs> me and my gated community over here, I'm just with the millions and millions of dollars here mm-hmm. from all the uh, uh, all the podcast downloads. But I always got to give you a, a thank you uh, when we talk because you helped me at the very beginning, man. This has been. Like uh, a few years now. That was, Come, I, I remember having a call with you. I was at Monda, yep. so it would be 2019 in the spring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, you helped me right uh, right away, just with some technical stuff and sort of uh, giving me some, uh, you know, some some feedback and just bouncing some ideas off of. And it's so crazy that you, like, I consider you such a good friend. You're someone who I randomly text when there's something funny on, and I'll randomly get texts from you. And um, I, and we just we still have never met in person. I think that's hilarious. Never you know? met. You yeah. were supposed to come to I was San Anita, to, to be fair. And, meet and, you. I, and, I did and blow you, you off one up, time. Yeah. So yeah. So well, ball, ball was in my life, court. Life but, comes up. Life comes up. You know. Yeah. But man, that uh, that is crazy. And I uh, always got to uh, thank you for your time. I really look forward to our chats. I always look forward anytime I get a little text or something from you. Uh, always uh, always makes my day, buddy. And I will make it a point to come out and see you soon at one of the tracks that you're uh, you're calling at. Maybe it's uh, a slew of options in that that department. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe it's a colonial uh, one day, or I'd love to get over there too. And uh, out at Tampa, going to head over there. You have a lot going on this weekend. You have a great crew. I mentioned Ren's going to join me. And then a good friend of mine, Barry Spears, the sniper, he's going to be out there helping out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to do our, we're doing a little, you know, preview kind of show. We don't do that. Normally here, but for the big races, we're going to do one. I think he's going to do some paddock stuff as well because Ren is is not uh, able to come down for this trip, so she'll, she'll still be doing her between race uh, prattles and picks. And uh, but uh, Barry's going to do something on track, which is fun. I got to I got to have dinner with Barry and Chuck and uh, a couple of buddies uh, back on the uh, Pasco inaugural steak Day. So I guess it would have been mid January. It, awesome. it was great. It was great to see those guys. But cool. me, me me and Chuck at a table. I felt bad for anybody else trying to get any words in. <laughs> I was going to say, very, yeah. very well. He's a, he'll talk, but he's a listener too. You know, well, he had his he had his family, like his wife and kids were there, and like I said, me, it all me, in. Me and Chuck just sat there and ratatatted stories, like you know, one two, one two, one two, back and forth. I, I was going to say, you get a couple people like that together. Uh, you and I would sit here for a few hours and go. You've already given me forty minutes. I don't want to. I don't want to make your uh, take any more of your voice on a big on a big weekend coming up. So yeah, I'm going to take a big hey, nap now. There you know. go. Hey man, thank you so much. Uh, honestly, man, love you brother and i gotta take i gotta gotta see you sometime soon because we've had so many of these conversations through the years hours and hours and hours and uh, i always look forward to it and i can't wait to hear you doing a great job this weekend calling the races thanks buddy appreciate it we uh will be following along jason uh, on social media what's the uh the social media just beam me awards right
Yeah, just at Beamy Awards on the uh, the Twitter. I got an Instagram too. It's but it's you know, Jason Beam Racing or something like that. And we got the Jason Beam Horse Racing Podcast that we the download. JBHRP. Yeah. The JBHRP <laughs> that we download all over, and you get. Uh, I mean, from a, a, a racing standpoint, it's absolutely the best because you get a combination of everything, right? Um, interviews, people from all different racetracks, from all levels, right? We're not talking about just the the top top. Um, million dollar horses at the biggest racetrack Jason talks with all of them Which is really cool because I've started doing some of these now Because uh, Fantac has the a lot yeah, of the, the riders gear yeah. And so I've been doing a lot of these uh, Like five or six of them now in a row The the riders up We're doing these jockey interviews And we're giving mm-hmm. them a chance to plug their, uh, their stores and stuff And it's so cool because think about all the other sports, right? We very rarely get to hear from jockeys, trainers More than just What do you think about your horse? How did the horse run? Boom. And that's it. You never really hear much more from them. I always tell, I, I had a friend down visiting uh, Danny Gibson who works at parks and does a lot of TV stuff. And we were getting ready to do an interview, like an in-person one here for the, for my show a couple of weeks ago. And um, she was like, you know, oh, do you, you know, should we talk about, I said, no, I said, I, I said, I, I can't, I'm more interested in people's stories. Like, I don't really care as much who's going to win the fifth at parks on Tuesday. And, and, it, and that's true with a lot of the jockeys and trainers, right? Like it's just, it's so much, you know, so often they are just names on a program to us. And, um, and, and that goes for horse players too. Like, you know, other than guys who are visible on social media and stuff, like we don't know so many of our compatriots that are out there. And so I try to have a lot of horse players on too, even, you know, somebody wins a small tournament or something. It's just a good excuse because they all have a different story. Everybody got into it a different way. Everybody's had different memories and favorites and it's, you know, racing is, is Littered with good stories You get a lot of those on uh, on Jason's uh, horse racing podcast the Jason Beam horse racing podcast Check that out buddy have a great weekend Good luck over there and uh, we'll be talking to you again Real soon thanks Gino Make sure to give Jason a follow and uh, we'll be hearing his voice All weekend on the big day at Tampa Bay Downs don't go anywhere folks We have a lot more and uh, we're going to keep The coverage rolling for Tampa's big Saturday Always a blast catching up with Jason. Uh, appreciate him taking some time out on a busy week to help uh, get us set up. We're going to now catch up with Ren Carruthers in just a minute, and we're going to dive in and handicap a couple of the races from Tampa. Before we do, we want to let you know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, as a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can connect you with the right type of, uh, right type of vendors if you need help, you know, connecting with landscapers, gardeners, uh, all sorts of people that she's had experience working with in her own homes. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. She'll connect you with the right type of lenders who will make that process very easy for you. She can help you out in home improvement. She can help you out just getting a market analysis of your home's value just to kind of see where you stack up. One of the kindest, most genuine people you will ever meet. She's going to make your life so much easier and save you a ton of stress there. Cindy Carava, check out the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. CindyCarava.com. Up next, Ren Carruthers joins me. We dive into Tampa Bay Downs and a couple of the big races on the card this weekend. With Ren, we discuss race 8, race 9, and race 11, a couple graded stakes on the card. Ren Carruthers talking some Tampa Bay Downs Saturday. Biggest day of the meet over at Tampa Bay Downs, so we had to get the big guns in. We uh, had <laughs> Jason Beam first, and we've got the on-track, uh, the on 
I guess uh, live stream handicapper The live feed handicapper Ren Carruthers Who you see there at Tampa uh, Doing such a fantastic job with her selections Every day uh, Ren, and- we're always so lucky to have you hang out And uh, thanks for coming on with the uh, the big day Approaching at Tampa Oh, thank you so much I mean, yeah, we're super stoked Festival 42 featuring the Lamb Home South Tampa Bay Derby Kentucky Derby points on the line And we've got our uh, reigning Sam F. Davis champ Back in uh, so, yeah, it's it's looking like a very exciting day of racing, whether you like dirt racing, whether you like turf racing. Um, it's it's exciting. Obviously, there's rain in the forecast. We'll see how it all goes. But something that is also very interesting, we usually have our early pick five always kick off in race one. It's actually going to kick off in race two on Saturday. And then we have another pick five starting in race seven. We actually have four pick fours. Uh, yeah, yeah, very exciting. I love Lots that. Lots of opportunities. Uh, yeah. Race one, race five, race eight, race nine. Those are all going to be the first legs of their respective pick, uh, pick four. So uh, very cool. We have 12 races slated for Saturday, five stakes, four graded stakes. You mentioned the Kentucky Derby points on the line. And you did mention rain in the forecast. So the races that we are going to talk about, I picked the Tampa Bay Derby and there's a really cool challenger uh, stakes that's on the dirt. And we'll talk a little bit about one of the grass races, but we'll sink our teeth more into the dirt races just in case for some reason they do come off the turf because then things will be really hard to kind of gauge. We don't really know who's going to stay in or not. We would just totally be projecting, you know, so that's something you'll have to handicap the day of if uh, we find out there are going to be races taken off. And before we started, you mentioned, because we're recording this on Thursday night, you mentioned that they are going to be off the grass on Friday just to kind of preserve it and hope for the best for Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So here's hoping it is Florida. The the weather there is. (laughs) I was going to say, you never know. You never know down there. You never know. So what's cool uh, before we even get into the eighth race the you you've got the return of command performance a little earlier on in the card too. I noticed yeah. in race number five, uh, Pletcher Rapoli, grade one placed, was fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He he was not even seven to two, so he took a ton of money in that race. Uh, he's going to get Lasix for the first time. He's going to add Blinks, and he's going to make his three year old debut, hoping mm-hmm. they could use this as maybe a springboard to get one last prep in somewhere else if they can break the maiden here. No, it's very exciting. I mean, not only do we have him making a comeback, but we have some other horses. We have a horse who was the derby horse for many people and talking about the grade three challenger with greatest honor yeah. back in action. So, no, it's a it's a very exciting day. And I, I think part of the reason you see uh, trainers that normally are running on what are considered to be these big circuits uh, bringing horses to Tampa, Tampa. Yeah, our track plays so fair, whether it's the dirt track or whether it's the turf course. I mean, you might have like a days here and there where, for example, um, the turf course was very speed favoring uh, for the past, I would say, week or two going back. It looks like it's back to, you know, you can win from anywhere so long as you've got the ability. But generally speaking, it's super, super fair. So um, and safe. And I think that's the other reason you see a lot of these horses show up here. What's nice, like you said, it it's not you don't lose because of a bias. You lose no. if you don't like a track. It's like anything. You're not going to like the surface. Except for Jan- except for on January 28th and or tw- I'm sorry, January. I think it was through the 28th through the 30th. It might have just been more the 29th and the 30th. There wasn't the inside was like quicksand, 
and but that was an anomaly. You know, I, I cover this track all the we time. We follow Red. That's why we follow you because when those anomalies <laughs> pop up, you let us know about it yeah. so we can I, we can identify those horses from those days and maybe upgrade them or maybe downgrade them based on where they were in those yes. particular races. So always great to follow along with Ren. And she mentioned uh, the Challenger. So let's get on over yeah. there to race number eight, the Grade Three Michelob Ultra Challenger. What a fun race! Um, I think. And Jason sort of agreed when I interviewed him earlier today. We um, we just sort of did a primer, didn't really do a whole lot of like digging in handicapping stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is I, I, the Tampa Bay Derby, obviously Kentucky Derby points and stuff. I yeah. might be more intrigued just overall from top to bottom by this race, which is <laughs> all of the horses that are in here. Like we have Greatest Honor, who he was your Florida Derby favorite last year yeah. after winning the Holy Bull in the Fountain of Youth. He was like the the top of the list. For the Derby, yeah. he was well, right I mean, at the tip top. He was going into it off three consecutive wins and over nice horses. I mean, we know that Drain the Clock, he you know won the Bay Shore, the Woody Stevens over Jackie's Warrior. He was recently next second in the Gulfstream Park Sprays, being horses like that, you know. And uh, so, of course, people were very excited to see what he was going to do off that Fountain of Youth win uh, that came out, uh, out of the Holy Bull. But yeah, yeah, that inside trip, and he's just very flat throughout. I always gave him a pass on that, though, because as somebody who rides horses, who's grown up with horses, I think a lot of people who haven't are a bit unfair when they when a horse puts in a performance as he did, where it's sort of a non-performance, without understanding that when some horses get on the rail like that or inside anyway, it shortens up their stride in some way. They can't run as fluidly as they would like, right? So I would tell somebody, imagine if you couldn't walk the way you normally walk or run the way you normally run. It works a whole you know, different set of muscles to shorten up, truncate that stride. And it also can be mentally frustrating to a horse. Uh, so I always gave him a pass for that performance. Now, I think out of there, and this is where the question comes into play, he was only supposed to, I believe, be off for about 60 days, and then he just didn't come back. Yeah, and I was reading, I think, uh, Shook said it wasn't really anything massive, just like a lot of little things that kind of kept backing them up, or then they just kept giving them time. So, you know, it's been a while for him. He, yeah. he has he has not raced since March 27th of last year. We're coming up on about a year for him. I mean, from a from a class standpoint and an intrigue standpoint, I, we always love seeing horses make their returns. It's yeah. always great to see them come back at, at, as older because so many times we see them run at three and then that's it. You know, you win a couple of big races at three and then they they retire, they go to stud, they're they're off. But he will be a really cool horse in the older division moving forward. I don't I just from a gambling standpoint, he might get over bet in here because he's kind of the, a name horse that people remember from last year. Mm-hmm. And you wonder if he may need a race or two for his his best. Like he's definitely a horse I'm keeping an eye on throughout the rest of the year, but oh, yeah. uh, from a betting standpoint, we, I, I'm, he might be a horse I'm, I'm using under and trying to find a little more value elsewhere. Oh, I used him under, I yep. I'm going with, and, and the beautiful thing is I'm going with this horse, not only from a handicapper's perspective, which is you, that's what you need to do. If you're trying to make money, you can't let your sentiments get in the way. But exactly. that being said, I get both with this horse. I'm going with Cody's wish. I'm What's he Cody's done wrong recently, right? Nothing. I mean, and it's just <laughs> such a great story, too. So we've got Cody's wish here in, in post nine. This horse is named for Cody Dorman. And he is a make-a-wish kid. And he was sponsored by Godolphin. And I guess he, 
when this horse was a foal, he met him and they just formed this bond. So Godolphin named this homebred, who was royally bred, by the way, they named him after Cody. So Cody's Wish. And this is a horse where I, I could, if somebody was going to try to say, well, maybe he's just a horse for course. He's got those three wins over uh, Churchill Downs. But that being said, he's put up like figures at uh, Saratoga and Belmont. That were even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put up a 92 buyer figure on debut in the mud going seven furlongs and then he comes back and he runs uh third again this time to vindictive and pipelines in there vindictive uh, he went on to put up a 101 buyer figure getting the show and the discovery um i mean really nice horse there and so if you look at some of these wins he's had though at churchill the first one he had that race produced in addition to himself, two other next out winners, you had Extreme and you had uh, Ghost Lore. And they put up buyers of 81, 82, respectively, if you're a buyer's person, which I am. Um, I know some people like their other figures, but that's just but what it's I a good, do. It's a good tool, like, just to use for the, those conversations, even just yes. to give you an idea of how strong the races are, right? Even yes. if you don't use them, you know that, okay, that's a nice number, right? And where yes. that would stack up. So it's always good to... To kind of use him as a reference For point sure. I, That's a total, it's so funny when you do Because that's the something that I learned from Matt Yeah, Just doing that exactly Was when you go through the charts And I, you talk about the next out winners and stuff Well, what races did they win and how did they do If yeah. they're really like low level races Sometimes it's not all that relevant But when they're good races at good tracks And big numbers and big figures oh, yeah. That's super important That's like a total something I remember seeing from Matt When he would do it and I'd be like <laughs> Oh, I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that. I'm putting that. I'm gonna add that into the. To there you go, box, right? Box, you know. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And I mean, so and you look at this. I mean, the horse following that race, he wins that allowance by five and a quarter lengths. You have a no Dior in there. I know a no Dior is wasn't didn't live up to the promise that he showed earlier on in the career, but still, that is a horse who was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile 2019. They second in Los Alpes thirty. Then he was fourth in the Santa Anita Derby as a three year old. He crushes that horse. Just crushes him. And then in the last race, that last outing, oh, my daughter is calling me. Yes. Okay, Bob. So uh, we, we had a, a small interruption, but we're all good as we continue yes. to talk about this really cool uh, challenger race. Yes. And we were talking about Cody's wish towards the outside. Oh, who- I know what I was about to say. Yeah. So that last race, they was out. So you see Ram or Ducal or however the horse's name. It would, I, the Ducal or Ducal? Okay, I know. I always want. Well, I, I always. I feel like I say the horse's name three different times yeah, right? when I pronounce it in a row, like Ducali, <laughs> Ducali. <laughs> you know, Ducali. Uh, so you know that horse had previously won an allowance at Keelan for Brad Cox. He had Ram in there. Ram. He was next fifth, but it was in a stakes race. He put up an eighty-four buyer, and then the sixth horse was Bourbon War. Yeah, that's a horse again, one that's sort of off form. But that back class of that horse. I mean, you remember back in the day, he was second to Code of Honor in the Fountain of Youth. So. This horse has been against seasoned horses, basically, is what I'm trying to say. This horse is royally bred. You're by Curlin. You're out of dance card. She's by Tappet. You're half to endorsed. Endorsed recently was uh, third in the Gulfstream Park Mile. Um, but it, this is just a horse I just think has all the upside. I mean, I look at this work tab, and he's just working, you know, so well over Payson. And Bill Mott, Luis Saez, Godolphin. Top pick here. And I I do respect greatest honor. I did pick him second. And then dynamic one, I mean, it's hard, it's hard uh not to use him because of obviously the connections. Putcher, Arad, uh, this horse, he a stakes winner. Uh, granted, he put up a big 
his biggest figure there, but maybe because it was over good going. Um, but at least we know he runs well fresh. <laughs> yeah, we got two. We got two Derby horses from last year. We got dynamic. Scalding though, Scalding is the horse that I, I I used as my third pick actually. So I had gone Cody's Wish, um, Greatest Honor, and Scalding. I think Scalding has a lot of upside. I know you can say, well, who did he beat? You're coming out of an optional sixteen, right? But that being said, the horse is so consistent. Um, you know, he obviously over. he likes the track. <laughs> you got Shug, you got Castiano. The horse who was second that day, Tapsational, he went on to run second again. Yes, it was at the level, but he put up a, a, another like figure of an 82 in there. I, I just think that's a horse at a price that just makes more sense than going with the obvious. And if it's wet, he's proven on, a, on an off track also. So that well, would be then, another. But then you have to worry if it is wet that maybe we see that uh, dynamic one really likes that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple in here. Wolfie's Dyna Ghost has been good on an yes. off track uh, in a couple of situations. I, I think, I mean, this is cool. Even Tune In has been good in an off track. Tune In is, is sharp and will need to step up to beat this group because, like you said, he. He's he's one who's sort of like a, a scalding. I mean, he's probably not even as classy as scalding, but right. he's stepping up and he's been facing softer. But this is a cool like acid test for him. I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna use hidden stash in some spots too. You know, I, he I, is interesting. He is just kind of getting back to the dirt. I thought his his last effort might might be a little sneaky on the turf. He kind of had to take up early. He lost some momentum. He lost about a length and. You know, he was kind of in between horses. He was in a little bit t- tight. He was trying to find some room. And by the time he did, the top two had already snuck away. And now he's going to go third start off the long layoff. He might be set for his absolute best in the form cycle. He's a horse who you can just kind of eliminate the derby from last year. And then if mm-hmm. you do that, I mean, how good does the rest of the form look? I mean, how, no, really that, that Bluegrass looks a lot better when you look at it now behind essential quality, highly motivated, and Rombauer. You well, know, especially uh, and for me, I, it's got to be the the finishing second, a close second in the Tampa Bay Derby over that's this the very track. Over yeah. this track, in both of those races, he ran yeah. well, and I think it was he was a little quirky at that point. You know, he was yes. still sort of figuring things out because it was the Sam F. Davis where he looked like he was a winner, and he kind of waited a little bit, and and he was he just didn't really kick into stride late. And I think that was when they made the move and they put Bejarano on for the Tampa Bay Derby, and he ran great again there. So. I think he may be a little bit sneaky And like you said, greatest honor If I'm playing exactas, tries, and supers I'll for sure be using him in the under spots But I think this might be a race Where you can catch someone else If if there's a lot of greatest honor support on top Oh yeah, definitely And like I said For me, I would just love From every standpoint From a paramutual standpoint But more more to the point the A sentimental heart Yeah, story Come on, Cody's wish. Shine bright. Shine like a star. <laughs> really cool, because even from out wide, this is a horse who has some versatility, too. They've yeah. shown that they can sort of adapt. If they're going a little slower, they can get up and press. If they're going quick, they can drop back and sit and make one late run. And uh, Saez looks very live on Saturday. It, it seems like he's going to get in the winner's circle a few times on the Saturday card at Tampa. Yeah. So we'll dive into the Tampa Bay Derby But let's just briefly touch on The Florida Oaks in case this race does stay On the grass they'll be going a mile and a 16th We've got three year old fillies In here Ren and uh, Just kind of uh, give us a a horse Or two that you might be looking at if this race Is remaining on the grass Well I think this is a great betting race Simply for the fact of I feel Like so many people are going to be drawn To betting Chad Brown Blindly because he has two in here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, yeah. and I'm like, no, I'm going with the home team. I'm going on top with uh, with these seven 
a little love and luck for Mike Deeney. What has she done wrong? I mean, no. really, when you look at the turf form, okay, a debut, you debut at a mile and a 16th on turf. That's a hard distance at which to make your first start ever, right? And yeah, she finished a six, but what's the beaten lengths? Three and a quarter. And then she goes in, she gets the lead in her second start there at Belmont going a mile in the maiden special way. And the winner there ends up being Hottie, who was ultimately disqualified. Well, Hottie, Chad Brown Philly, with a, a big reputation behind her. I mean, people were talking about her ahead of the Breeders' Cup, okay? Um, and they should have because she followed that disqualification up with a main special weight score by four lengths. <laughs> and then, yeah, in the Breeders' Cup, she was getting a lot of the sneaky money and she ended up closing but came up three quarters of a length shy of Pizza Bianca in the juvenile Phillies turf. So that was the horse she faced in her second start ever. So then she, you know, had that dirt start. Then she's on the synthetic and wins. Then she wins the ginger brew. And I get a kick out of this. I really do. Okay, so not only you know from the handicapping standpoint that she beat Opalina, who was then, uh, who was in third that day, and then came back to win the grade three sweetest chance over another horse that's in here, Ambitus. Um, but the ginger brew, I think this is funny because a little love and luck, she's by Arrogate. She's out of points of grace. Points of grace put up a hundred buyer figure winning the dance smartly. Two and a quarter lengths the better of ginger brew wow small <laughs> world huh kind of funny. i think it's kind of funny right yeah it's just like it's, it all comes full circle yeah and, so, <laughs> yeah and then and then Dini, obviously he liked this philly enough that he he wanted to give her a shot at the oaks trail by putting her in the sun coast and i, I mean who's going to beat nest that day nobody so but she did get second and that's pretty impressive so now she comes back we're getting back on the grass she's got lasix now and I, yeah, I just think this horse just has class. I, I do. And I think she's going to be overlooked because she's, she's, you know, not one of the big, she's not trained by one of the giant names in here. Um, so that's my topic. And I think her p- positional speed yeah. should be really beneficial in yes. here for, because I mean, I don't know who else is even like naturally as quick as her. She no. could probably be right on the lead And you have yeah. uh, Paco aboard So you, you imagine they're going to send I agree with you, I think she's a must use in all exotics You mentioned Ambitus who Also gets Lasix and will come running uh, But just playing that common rival game You know, you look back to where a little right. love and luck Beat Opalina and Opalina yeah. came back To beat Ambitus And yeah. the, uh, the, the one that I thought Was at a price, at least an under for me I don't know if she's good enough But I do like the way that on alert is headed right now. Um, I think mm-hmm. we can excuse that debut going long first time out. Shug, yeah. not someone who always gets some crank to be first time out anyways. Comes back in career start number two at Gulfstream going seven and a half and wins. Comes back in February the 16th at Gulfstream Park. Was last early. Was chasing really slow fractions and then had to move wide from the back of the pack. Then mm-hmm. dove to the inside. Had a little bit of traffic trouble in between horses. So She's going to need to step up and and move forward, I think. But she'll give you a little bit of value if you're looking for it. She'll probably be in that you know eight to one ish range or so, and and so she needs to improve. But you'll be getting that uh, that price built in. Oh yeah, and oh, you know what? One other thing from a pedigree standpoint that I forgot to mention, and I would be embarrassed of myself if I didn't. Going back to a little love and luck, also take my. Um, she's a half to a grade one winner because her half sister uh, Victory to Victory won the grade one at Toma 
back in 2016. Yes. Yeah, so she's a really well-bred horse. But yeah, I get what you're saying with On Alert for sure. You know, I ended up going with my second pick being Spicer because I think this is a horse for Chad Brown. Of the two Chad Browns, that's the one I would go with if you're going to use yeah. in your exotics. Um, and that pedigree, Quality Road over Curl and Mare, that, she's got plenty of time to mature. So you, you, know, you might look at her figures and be like, well, they're not really in the range of some of these other horses. Look at who she's been in with, though, in these mm-hmm. two starts. You had Gunboat, Gunboat exit that runner up performance um, back on October 9th to then win, main special weight. And then she went ahead and set the pace, but she did end up finishing third, but it was in the wait a while stakes. And then we saw Spicer beat Ambitus in here, which it's interesting, obviously, because we know that Ambitus, the reason that she's a shorter price on the morning line is simply, you know, she was three quarters of a length shy of winning the sweetest ch- champ. Uh, but that being said, Spicer beat her pretty, pretty well, but that was also Ambitus's first race ever. So you could give her, you know, obviously, uh, a little bit of an excuse there for getting beaten soundly, but you could build in some of that improvement. Yes. Also likely the, the improvement from two to three in the four months or so right now, where, like you said, Spicer has had plenty of time to mature and then put that on top of. Chad Brown, who has no problem getting a horse ready to fire off the bench. No, for sure. I mean, anybody can look right there in the form 25% out of a giant sample size. That's one of the things, always relative. Some people go, oh, this this trainer is this percent doing this. Yeah, well, how much? One out of three, 33%, you know? (laughs) What's the sample size, though? I mean, that's a a big sample size there. Yeah, again, Quali Road out of a Curlin, Mary. Yeah, you're going to be better. You're going to be like fine wine, I think. Getting better here as you get older. The other Chad Brown, Philly, Dolce, Zell, I just don't know what to make of her. I mean, those time form figures aren't anything exciting to me. But then again, you're not going to import a horse for no reason. Um, And she is getting first time Lasix. I'm not using her because I do a top three for for Tampa. I'm not going to use her in my top three. I'm actually going to complete that with the one horse, Mrs. Barbara. Uh, for Mark Cassie, I mean, she last ran and won the Grade Three Mazarine. Yet was on synthetic, but her turf form's not bad. I mean, the last time she was on turf, it was over the Good Going in the Grade One Natalma, and she had that wide draw. And the race, I mean, she couldn't close really because, I mean, they went forty-seven for the half going a mile. <laughs> no shot. Yeah. No shot. No shot. And so she came so wide around the turn too. If you watch that replay back, and then she was kind of green. She kept like flipping lead to lead and she still finished fourth and you had wild beauty who had been shipped over from across the pond. And then she went ahead and uh, went and ended up getting beat like three or so lengths in a group one um, back there to, Oh gosh, was that really good Philly's name? She ended up being champion uh, Cartier champion two year old. I can't think of her name right now, but big time um, ended up getting beat by her. And then Pizza Bianca, I mean, was second there. And then Tama and Mary went over. And she ended up being your Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf Champ. So Mrs. Barbara is a horse that I feel like, okay, well, you've had some time, freshen up. You're back in here. Uh, and a mile and 16th on grass, I on a, I, I think it, it, it fits the wheelhouse here for what she can do going forward. And Mark Cassie is another one that he, he's going to have his horse ready. She's showed that she's... Good enough on grass She showed that she's classy enough She showed that she has no problem getting the distance It's just kind of putting them all together Getting the trip And is she completely ready to go 
off the bench, but like you in said, spiral. I'm sorry, yeah. it finally came to me. <laughs> there we go. I know it's one of those things where it's like it's gonna bother you until it gets there, oh, right? It would yeah. bother me so much. I know, I know. I'd get a text from you later on. I'm sure, in like a few <laughs> afterwards, if you didn't get it. So I'm glad for your sanity that you did. You know, yes. it would it would have been bothered you. So. Oh my gosh, yes. So a cool Florida Oaks. Let's fingers crossed. Knock on wood. That uh, if there is some rain, which it looks like in the forecast, that it's early or it's not all that much that we can keep some of these really good races on the grass. But the big one on yes. Saturday is the Tampa Bay Derby, the Lamholm South Tampa Bay Derby. That's right. You got to get that sponsor love in there. And uh, Oh, my gosh. They're my friends. Lamholm South is where I've had my horses boarded, my thoroughbreds boarded all these years. I love a mirror there right now. And oh. they are consummate professionals. They're amazing. Um, if anybody is looking for somebody to start their horse, if they're in the horse business, one of the things I've always <laughs> complained about is horses with bad mouths, especially you want you want a horse to have a good mouth, especially for when it retires so it can have a second career as a show horse. They they are such great horsemen there. Their mouths are so good. They The horses listen um, and they're sound. And I'm super stoked, even though I got knocked out. It doesn't matter anyway, because my horse in the last leg ended up running second, but I got knocked out of my pick five <laughs> the other day because I didn't, <laughs> I had singled and Roy Lerman, who owns Lamb Home South, his Philly East Wing One. Um, so I said, if I'm going to get knocked, knocked, uh, kicked out of my pick four or knocked out of my pick four, at least it's by somebody that I, I adore. So uh, Lamb Home South, amazing people. $400,000 up for grabs Kentucky Derby points on the line Grade 2 status And Ren, just from a, a conversation Standpoint, we have to start with The uh, legit Favorite here And mm-hmm. a, no doubt about it Top tier contender right now When you're thinking of 3 year olds heading to the Kentucky Derby Classic Causeway in 4 races We've said a few times today About horses who have done very little wrong In their career, well he's one Who he's just tough to knock He's got good speed, and he he won the Sam F. Davis in his first start at three, his first start off a few months, and he he strode uh, he strided on nicely late. Like he really, it was a really nice late part of the race for him. So let's kind of talk about him to begin with and his journey and his path, and if he's a horse to bet in uh, in the eleventh race on Saturday. One of the first things I do when I look at races is I look at who is the favorite or who's going to project to be the post-time favorite. And I try to toss them if I can. I try to poke as many holes in their form as I can. I'm not trying to be classic cosplay. I'm not. If you can come off the bench and you can put in a 46 and three half in your first race since November in the Sam F. Davis, and you can sustain that and go ahead to win by three and three quarter lengths over a nice field. I mean, was it an incredibly formidable field? No, maybe not. But it was a nice field. And you did that with ease. Like, you just looked happy out there. And this is also a horse who, before that race, the race that he went into the layoff off of, the Kentucky Jockey Club, if any race is looking like a key race of our prep so far, it's that one. Oh, you yeah. smile happy. People go, oh, he didn't win the Risen Star. No, he was second. Very Put dead. up a 94 buyer. And he wasn't, he, who cares? You're not looking to, you want to peak for Derby, <laughs> okay? So, and then you had, you had um, White Barrio, 97, winning the Holy Bull. And he wins the Holy Bull, White Barrio, four and a half lengths, the better, a simplification, who just put up a 96, winning the Fountain of Youth. And not only that, even the seventh place finisher in the Kentucky Jockey Club, Call Me Midnight, wins the Lecompte. So this race is absolutely key. 
this horse has speed that carries and he's got such a class you're by giants causeway you want ground you want all of this so no i'm not going to try to beat him you got a rad back a rod back up um I, i'm looking for him to pull the sam f davis tampa bay derby double yeah he's he's legitimate you mentioned all of the reasons why <laughs> he should take a step forward here you know the the way that he does get beat is i guess if he maybe gets caught up in a pace battle. He can sit though a little bit. I don't think he's one dimensional. I and we were I was talking a little bit about this with Jason. We were kind of wondering if what's so nice about him just for the connections now was winning that race off the bench just puts you in a really nice spot where you've got this race and you mm-hmm. have just so many options now because you can if even if you want to like see if you can raid a little bit and sit. This is a fine time to try it because yeah. you've got points and you still have an opportunity to get another derby prep after if something goes wrong here. But if you decide if you win this race and things go well, then you can really figure out what you want to do if you want to go in fresh or whatever you you know. It just is so nice how coming off the bench looking strong like that and now it puts you in a spot where you're not scrambling towards the end. This is one of the best positioned horses right now on the derby trail just as far as Getting that win, race under his belt He's going to have this race And then they're going to be able to figure out Do we want to go to the bluegrass Do do we want to go somewhere and get another race under him Or is he fine, do we want him fresh It's funny, because Ren, that's not something That we would have even discussed months ago Or or years ago, horses coming that fresh But nowadays, it's like some of these trainers Just like I can get horses so good off the bench that we see I them know. coming off longer and longer layoffs. I know it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> so classic Causeway is no doubt the horse to beat in here. Let's talk about a few others who are uh, who are intriguing. So we have Major General who's returning for yeah. Fletcher, and he was a perfect two for two at three. He won the Iroquois uh, t- at two. He won the Grade Three Iroquois. He's going to be making his three year old debut. He stepped forward from six and a half to a mile and a sixteenth. He has good speed. He's going to need to improve, but sort of like what we were talking about with mm-hmm. the in the in the prior race. Now you'll probably get some of that maturity in here. Yeah. Um, you figure though, this is you know probably maybe what we thought for Classic Causeway last time. This is probably yeah. going to be um, a let's get a good race under our belt, and maybe we'll be ready to go and fire a really big effort next time. Yeah, and and that's what I, I, I I'm going to use Major General. Obviously, uh, I'm not stupid. It's <laughs> you got two all famers teamed up here together. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I used him in the Shodo spot. Although I, I mean, I could see him finishing better than that, obviously. But um, Constitution, Uncle Mo Mare, this his family's got some Grade One winners in there. You got Leofric and Well Chosen in there. So well bred horse. I love the five consecutive five furlong drills. Three of those bullets. Uh, it works in a lot of. Uh, you push through. I mean, five furlongs obviously would be a sprint if we were racing, but as a preparation and the drills in the morning, it's really teaching the horse to finish strong. So um, I, I, the horse is definitely one that you would be remiss not to have on your tickets. Uh, I do. I am using, I will say, the 11 money supply in the second mm-hmm. spot. I so- am just curious because for a horse to do what he did first out, Granted, it was just a main special weight field and it was sprinting six furlongs. And you could go, okay, well, he's right. Practical joke. And I say, well, yeah, practical joke. Those by Into Mischief. And Into Mischief is already now sired derby winner and classic winner. Uh, And then you got Candy Ride there on the bottom. So if you have the class enough, then I think that you could certainly 
um, show up here around two turns. Now the question, can you, can you win around two turns stepping up from a main special weight sprint to a graded derby prep race, a grade two? Um, I don't know that. But I do think this horse is well met. I don't think Chad's just throwing yeah, him in there to see if he sticks to the wall or not. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's kind of like um, another situation where it's like a free a free take a swing here yeah. because y- you know that this is going to be a tough ask, but you just sort of want to see. I think I think they want to see distance wise. Really, you know, does mm-hmm. is this a horse who can kind of fit there? Because if he can if he can run on, then now again. You get, you know, you pick up some points here if you finish in the money, and then you take another step forward. You can pick which of which of the last round of preps you want to go to, right. or maybe it doesn't work out, and you go, okay, we know we got a really good sprinter or a horse that can maybe be good at one turn, and now we got a lot of maybe stakes kind of races that we can point to there. So you sort of see what you got. This is what you do when you have a good three year old at this time of the year. You take a chance. You don't necessarily. And with someone like Chad, I don't think they get like derby fever, right? Like you said, they know he's got as good of a gauge and a measuring stick for yeah. what good horses are. So he's not going to put a horse anywhere over their head. No. And, and, and so it's, you know, questions. Is the horse ready right now? Does he get the right kind of race shape? You know, maybe it's a tough post. Sure, there are reasons why he maybe doesn't run well in here. But I, I, this is a nice horse. Yeah, and I and I should have clarified also. I mean, the wind did come over this very track, so we know he likes it. Um, and also, and, going back to what we were talking about with percentages, Chad going from sprint to route twenty five percent. So, I, I I think this horse again is just he's not in here just for tee. Let's see <laughs> exactly. Although I mean, you take your shot, but I'm saying like I don't think it's without a hundred percent. Right, and and there are even a couple other little things like. He had trouble that he overcame And then he yeah. got a nice opening on the inside He sh- Sure, but he had a lot of trouble He was like 12 lengths off mm-hmm. And since that was his debut We get sort of caught up sometimes When horses break really slowly in their debut And they come running That doesn't right. mean they're a closer This no. horse might have more And especially stretching out This horse should be a lot more forwardly placed in here. Oh, Don't I would think so With just a better beginning This horse settles a lot different And won't necessarily be a horse who's going to take way back and make one late run. Uh, money supply looks really good. One or two horses more to mention in the Tampa Bay Derby before uh, we let Ren get out of here. So giant game for Romans. Okay. Giant game was was really solid last year at two. And in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, it was a good effort. He made a big move and, and wide. He, he looked live at one point, and then he flattened mm-hmm. out a little bit. The problem is, is that race has not come back very strong. It's sort of like the opposite right. of the Kentucky Jockey Club. Like all of those <laughs> horses are coming back and running well, and all the horses coming out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile have not, including Giant Game in the Holy Bull. But on the flip side, he had an issue that day. He's had throat surgery since, so we can probably put a line right through it. And I think even if you, as even if you're not a fan of Giant Game in this spot, or you don't like him as a as a horse, you know, in the three year old crop. He's not as bad as that last race was And if you go back to his maiden win He beat Call Me Midnight uh, There was another horse in that race that came out And won next out And has come back and his graded stakes placed So mm-hmm. he has beat good horses And been yeah. in good races So I think we may be getting to the point now Where we all know how bad the Breeders' Cup Juvenile race has come back since And, it, and sometimes people end up going overboard It becomes a little bit too far to where this horse might be a little better than than some give it credit for. It's just we got to see him prove it at three. 
uh, this uh, Roman horses will do this sometimes. They'll have a really good race. They'll kind of throw a clunker in. They'll and then they have really high upside. So we'll see if he can put it all together. But at a price, he's at least we're talking about it and kind of intriguing. Oh yeah, I definitely would agree with you there. And once you're beat, who cares how many lengths you were beaten by? As as Mr. Carruthers likes to say, you get to be 24 lengths there in the Holy Bull. But he showed up. He showed he, some competitiveness. He and, ran the exact race that you. He was in the perfect spot. He was like right. sitting third, and he was like, as soon as the race started, where he was looming up at the top, he just didn't have it. And then you mm-hmm. find out that he had a throat issue. So, okay, that makes sense. Right when they asked him for run, he just didn't have it because there was something going on. They fixed it. He came back to work on the on the 18th. So it, it wasn't like it took a whole lot out of him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I think there's a little bit more here with him, and maybe he's not quite that good as some of the top. But I think he's going to run a lot better. You know, and give I'll a good account of himself. I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't know he had had a tie back. So that is yeah. interesting to know. Um, basically, obviously, just reopening the airways there. Um, and if that is what had been bothering him there in the um, in the uh, Holy Bull. So basically, when the real running starts, the throat kind of starts to close up on you. You're really starting to push through. And so that would be why they would then go ahead and and, and do a tie back. The really fine assembled field for the Tampa Bay Derby for sure. But yeah, I'm going to be a boring person. I'm going classic house way. I want to see... No, no, don't take that diaper off. <laughs> yeah. Not now. Not now. It's going to drop. Don't drop it like a... No. No. Keep it on. Uh, so oh, my Ren, gosh. It's going to come now. I got to go, like, get it. You've got your board. hands full. You've got your hands full, Ren. We're going to be following along. We're going to be watching you this weekend. Thank you so much for taking some time with us, and uh, you are one of the best out there. So oh. good luck this weekend, and make sure to send uh, my love over to Matt, please. Oh, I absolutely will, and I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. Ava, wait a second. Ava, is there anything there? Yeah. What? Oh, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I was no problem. Okay, no, thank you so much No, you're you're the best We're going to be following along with you this weekend We always uh, watch uh, your selections And we uh, we get a good idea of uh, other horses oh. That we need to use So, thank Ren Carruthers, so thank you And uh, Ava, have a good night And uh, good luck to Matt We'll Ava, talk to you bye, soon Bye, Ava <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to see you sometime oh, soon <laughs> Party time at the she said excited, conference. excited, excited. I love it. So uh, <laughs> don't go anywhere, folks. We have uh, a little more horse racing to discuss. <laughs> out of Tampa. Ava's excited. You can hear. She's so excited. As excited as Ren. Don't go anywhere. Lots more <laughs> have to Have a come. good one, Gino. Thank you so much to Ren for helping us out there. And make sure to follow along with her. She has a great job handicapping all the races over at Tampa. So let's bounce over to Gulfstream Park. For Saturday, talk a little bit uh, about a couple plays I have at Gulfstream. Where do we uh, start for Saturday? Get your past performances out. We're looking at March the 12th for Gulfstream Park for Saturday. Uh, In race number five, I did think I'm listening was a horse. That's like a Frazier line, right? Uh, That was was one maybe you want to throw in. Smart spending, probably going to be tough in there. But it was the sixth race. Where the plays began, made in special eight, going seven and a half on the turf course. I like the nine Khufu. The blinkers go on today. Khufu was up on the inside and just did not get the smoothest of trips. Sort of loomed up and wasn't able to to really hit the hole down there. Now the blinkers go on, and if this race gets taken off the grass, I think 
Khufu will be in really great shape. If this race is on the grass, I have no problem at all with the breeding, the fact that Khufu just threw in a nice work on the turf course. The number nine, Khufu, will be in exotics for me and will play a win wager there in race number six. The seventh race is the grade three Hurricane Birdie. I did think four graces is going to be pretty tough in there, so nothing like outside the box or crazy spectacular. In the eighth race, I will look to the four Shady McGee who was in a race that was taken off the turf last time out. Two starts back was in a race that's come back really, really live. You see a bond a few times in the past performance running lines. Shady McGee has faced some really tough company and should improve second start off the bench there. Continuing along at Gulfstream Park, we are up to... I think we had one more for us, right? And Gulfstream Park... Race number 10 is the Cap- the Captiva Island. I didn't really have a strong opinion in there uh, as far as the gambling gambling was concerned. But in the 11th race, the 4, Luddington would be another one that I would include in uh, in some late exotics. Put a line through the slop and just play this horse off of the two-back effort. There's nothing wrong with that. You can make an excuse for the mile in an 8th race and just say that was a little too far. Luddington will use the 4 in race 11 in all exotics. That is uh, Saturday for Gulfstream Park, but we do have a couple plays for Santa Anita for Saturday. Santa Anita, March the 12th. Let's go to race three for an early exotic single of the five, Sunny Morning. Uh, Rispoli is going to jump aboard. He's been a little bit unlucky in his last few, in her last few, and any improvement whatsoever or just a smoother trip, she'll be very tough in early exotics. I'm going to single her in the early pick five in race number three there. We continue along. Where do we go next? Race number five. Optional 80, non-two, six furlongs on the turf course there. I like the seven, Jungle Cry, who's turning back. Jungle Cry's been going longer as of late. You see the sprint race on the bottom of the page. He actually has a win at five and a half on the synthetic. He gets back to the turf now. I think this will ha- he'll have more punch. There's not that much speed in here. I don't think he's going to be on the lead, but he may not have to be way, way out of it. Jungle Cry, the number 7, 8 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around 5 will make a win wager there. And uh, got one more for you at Santa Anita. On Saturday, we move to race number 7. They'll go a mile on the turf course here. I thought the 6 beach grass was inside, settled 3rd. This is a maiden who lost to a few of today's rivals, but they have more tactical speed. This race seems like there's a ton of speed on paper. I think it's going to set up better for Beachgrass should get a really nice off the pace trip in here in race number seven. The number six, Beachgrass there at Santa Anita on Saturday. The ninth race at Santa Anita on Saturday is the grade three San Luis Ray. They will be going a mile and a half on the turf course there. That's a stakes race where it'll probably be tough to run down, acclimate on paper. There doesn't seem like there's all that much other speed, you know, award winner has some and, and will sometimes decide to use it, but I just couldn't get a real feel for any, you know, price play in there. So probably be mainly a more of a stay away in that San Luis Ray as we finish up Saturday here. We remind you if you need some help with Saturday Sam Houston, head on over to Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Let's get to some wrestling. Wrestling with Chad Cooper. This week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper, where we talk WWE, SmackDown, Raw, 
NXT, AEW, it's time for Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Loop. Chad Coop joins us for another uh, installment of this week in wrestling on That's What G Said podcast. A lot to discuss. We're on the road to WrestleMania coming off an AEW Revolution show. It feels like every week there's two or three more new people that show up on AEW. I don't know if this is 90, late 90s. It's like WCW, <laughs> new, new members of the NWO keep popping up every week. But uh, we have a ton to discuss with Chad Cooper. So, I'm going to do things a little different today. Not not a whole lot, but we'll, uh, I'm just going to read through when we start talking with SmackDown. I'm going to read through the results of some of the matches there, and then we'll kind of dive into the whole show overall. So the big news coming out of SmackDown, we got a new intercontinental champion. Our boy Ricochet wins the uh, IC title, defeating Sami Zayn. Naomi the, defeated uh, Carmella. Drew McIntyre got a win over Jinder Mahal. Don't hinder Jinder. The <laughs> tag team championship match. The Usos beat the Viking Raiders and Ronda beat Sonya Deville there on SmackDown. So uh, newsworthy. We saw Ronda, you know, in action and we saw Ricochet get a win, which this was something, Coop, that it had kind of been slowly building. You know, it wasn't like months of him picking up wins, but Ricochet had about three or four wins in a row. He had been on TV a little bit more often. And I don't know if he's going to have this long, incredible run. This felt like sort of, hey, we we want to have Sammy and Knoxville maybe have some interaction at WrestleMania, but we don't know if we need the IC title for that. Let's sort of put that in a different spot. We can have a really cool match out of it some way. Throw Ricochet in a ladder match or, you know, in a multi-man match in an IC spot. So I kind of like what they did here because now we don't have to worry about Sammy in Knoxville for the IC title, but we can still have some fun with that because those guys have had some really good chemistry and I'd love to see them have some sort of an interaction. So I think this worked out pretty well. Yeah, I was surprised. You know, it goes back to, I think, the Royal Rumble when we were talking about Ricochet, just some guys who won't win it, but uh, are always good to have some good spots in there. And he did. And as you said, he's been on TV. And that's really all you can ask for with uh, with all the talent that WWE has. Yeah, the the IC title ha- has been very interesting. Um, the United States title has been very interesting. The uh, the title reigns over the last year or so for the WWE. It definitely need, didn't need to be involved with Johnny Knoxville because if if for some reason Johnny Knoxville beats Sami Zayn, um, he's your new champion. Uh, you know, it's a weird way to do it, to take it off of him, but you have Knoxville come out costing the title, and that takes care of that. Well, now you can put Ricochet in a match with six or eight other superstars who don't yeah. have anything but can go, and you can put them in a gimmick-style match and have one hell of a match. We were, we were sort of hoping for this. We yeah. were like, yeah, we because were. now think about those, that middle of the card there, right? Big E and Kofi. 
they, this could be sure. a nice spot for them. Um, this could be a nice spot for Sheamus and Ridge Holland, you know, to get in their mix right there too. So yeah, there's a lot of the guys in the middle of the card there on SmackDown that didn't have much going on, and this could be a good uh, spot for them in this ladder match. We know that Pat McAfee has got a match against <laughs> Austin Theory, who we sort of expected. So uh, it's, it's kind of like Austin Theory seems to be jealous that Vince McMahon and Coming out out of that Pat McAfee interview, look. Wow. If you don't like Vince and you don't like the WWE, then you're going to roll your eyes and you're not going to like that interview and you're going to find things to hate about it. But I actually thought it was you don't. What I like is you don't see Vince do that often. Whether or not you thought he was the most honest about everything, I actually thought that was pretty close to Vince. And from what a lot of people say is. Yeah, I mean, he has bad days where, you know, he's it can be a bad boss and stuff, but a lot of the time he's pretty much like that. Like he's very upfront about the things that he's sort of an ass about. You know, he doesn't hide them or sugarcoat them. Uh, he's a machine. Uh and the same with McAfee. The way McAfee was talking to him and asking him these questions, uh it was fantastic. Um and and we knew uh going into it that Vince McMahon was going to induct The Undertaker. They talked about that. He was very emotional about The Undertaker. Uh, At his age, uh, Vince is still, you know, 100% in this thing. And like you said, love him or hate him, just some of the things and the ideas, what goes in this guy's head, you can finally start seeing how the WWE operates. You know, you made a good point that, you know, once you have stockholders, and this is a public company, you can't worry about certain things for certain superstars or some certain front office people. You know, you have to you have to make shareholders uh, happy, and, and that's a different type of wrestling business than AEW or Impact or Ring of Honor or NWA. But it, it was very touching. It was very touching. And hey, look, you called it. We were talking about this. They said McAfee. We we kind of knew McAfee was going to have a have a role in WrestleMania. Some type of match. You said it would be perfect to be Austin Theory. You nailed it, Theory. Ask McMahon, hey, do you need to go with me? Or can I go with you to the interview? Um, And you know what? They had a good interaction there on SmackDown, Theory and uh, McAfee. And, uh, you know, Theory's a star. McAfee's, you know, it is what it is. He gets millions of viewers. I like McAfee. Uh, Yeah, I I do too. I, I just, I've been a Pat McAfee guy for a long time. And, I, it's it's WrestleMania. You got to have these type of matches, and I think it's perfect for this card. There's going to be a lot of celebrity involvement this year, sure. but but it's two nights. They they have a big stadium to fill, and there's going to be a lot of other really good matches too. So I'm not bothered by it at all. I think they're going to be some really good use of McAfee takes wrestling very seriously. Before Bad Bunny came in. People were raving about his involvement in NXT and a couple of the matches that he had in war games and the stuff he did with Adam Cole. It was fantastic. He is an athlete. He takes it very seriously. The one, the one thing you can see about him, he is a hard worker in anything yeah. that he does. He's not going to go out there and embarrass himself. The guy would not be announcing SmackDown unless he loved it and wanted to be there. He sure doesn't need the money. We know, we know he doesn't need the money He doesn't need this payday here He's not going to be taking bumps He is going to be having to sell A hell of a lot in this match too Just the dynamic of the match I'd imagine Theory Just glaze into him Goes to town, 
beats him down. I wouldn't be shocked if he even got a little bloody. I don't know if they want to do that though. They're not as quite as like into the blood stuff as they <laughs> especially on media. But um I think that that's the kind of the template for the match. And then McAfee comes back and you have a couple pretty cool moves from McAfee. Um, yeah, I don't, I didn't mind that. We got a lot of that set up and that build for it on, um, on SmackDown. You can hear our buddies, the, uh, the gardeners outside. Cooper. The gated community It's the gated community over there. Exactly. You know how this rolls. <laughs> so Coop, are we going to get possibly, uh, Nakamura and Boogs? Against the Usos maybe for like a tag team title match It sort of looked like they were starting to build Something like that with the Usos taking these guys out Yeah that was interesting there Uh, We kind of saw something like that Excuse me on NXT 2.0 With the Creed Brothers being attacked Uh, And I was a little disappointed So I thought okay something must happen One of the Creed Brothers must be hurt Because that's usually the way it happens in the wrestling world Is uh, you you know we have an injury storyline or angle Uh, It looks it um, and I'll say this, uh, the Usos and Viking Raiders, uh, for the time that was given eight or nine minutes on SmackDown last Friday night was a pretty solid match. Um, I, I know they've been stuck in this kind of crazy gimmick storyline for, it seems like forever now, uh, the Viking Raiders. Um, yeah, Boogs and Shinsuke versus the Usos, uh, it's fresh, uh, Boogs and Shinsuke, they've been kind of pushing together. Uh, as a tag team, we've kind of seen them a little bit. We've seen them in singles, and the other one's in the corner. I, I think this is a pretty good way to go. It gives the Usos something to do. And I think you're going to get a quality match because Shinsuke can go. And I think we found out here over the last six or seven months that Boogs can yeah, go. Yeah, he can go. He can go. Boogs has got a good look, too. I like he's funny. He gets a good pop. He can, uh, you know, get that big uh, uh, entrance at, at Mania there. Shinsuke Nakamura. Good old, good old Boogs. As uh, we uh, we continue on, so we got Sheamus and Rich Holland stealing the four wheeler. Oh my, how uh, yeah. these yeah. two this former is, world champions for the uh, yeah. the uh, the new day. My, how they've fallen. The former world champs are now just getting their four wheelers stolen on SmackDown. I wonder where. I mean, we haven't heard anything about a battle royal. If there is no. some sort of an IC title. Ladder match I mean they would sort of fit They would be guys that you could throw in there That would that would work out well um, With Rich Hall and like all four Of these guys could be In that spot they could just be In the battle royal they could have a tag match I don't know it feels like we've seen a lot of this but It's a bummer for I like all four of these guys Sure, They just sort yeah. of feel like they're kind of lost And they don't have much direction right now I don't know where the ATV stuff has come in I, I guess Big E a while back was on one. I, I don't know. This is bad. I, I mean, we get crap for, for crapping on AEW. Uh, y'all know you don't crap on WWE. You're a fanboy and all that. Uh, look, man, uh, this is bad. There, there's yeah. been some things over the last couple couple of months uh, on each show, but this just feels real gimmicky. Like, we don't really have anything for you. If you just want to put those these two teams in a match – there's a better way to do it than than stealing your four wheelers. I don't know who's writing this. I don't know who's approving it or coming up with it, but it just makes no sense. I don't know if they're going to be a part of some kind of tag team turmoil or if they're just going to be in a battle royal. You know, sometimes we don't hear about last minute mania matches till the week of. I, I think there was one year we didn't hear anything about about the Andre the Giant. They did it on SmackDown last year, didn't they? 
I think they yeah. did on SmackDown last year, the Friday night before, because it's yeah, been... so you you don't hear about it. So I don't know where they're going. With it. It's just it's sad because th- these are these are four talented superstars right here, and we got uh, three former world champs. Yeah, and, they don't deserve it. Yeah, and Ridge, who I mean, I liked quite a bit in NXT. You know, I was I, I thought he was someone they were going to bring up. You could tell he looks like, and this isn't about how he acts or anything. He looks like a miniaturized version of Brock Lesnar. If you just yeah, sort of shrunk him down, just like the way he is, his, <laughs> his body and stuff. But they, um, yeah, all these guys have talent. Hopefully, they can find something out for them. We got Ronda and Sonya. Sonya's done some good work lately as the heel. You know, she she's a good foil, and they've Ronda's done a much better job after that first week where she kind of came out and she didn't look very happy, like she wanted to be there. They've done a better job with her and. It looks like uh, you know, that's gonna be your main event, I believe, for night one, right? Charlotte Charlotte and Rhonda. Yeah, and I'll say this, uh, uh you don't have to pipe in any any crowd noise for Rhonda Rousey. She's over with this SmackDown crowd on Friday nights. Um she's just been hot. Uh her promos have been stellar. This past Friday night was fantastic. Charlotte was even good. They keep them uh, short with her, you know what I mean? They don't make her yeah. go and it's just keep her short. Shorter and let her cut the promo with purpose like she would cut in a UFC fight. Yeah, and it's just, you know, her mother, you know, she talked about her mother and this is what she wants to do for her daughter, like yep. her mother did for her. I thought that was real good. And 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 look, it helps it helps the WWE universe get behind someone even more, and it makes the match have that much more meaning. And uh, it, it look, I don't know which way they're going. It, it, it definitely looks like that Ronda is the lean here uh, when, the, when the WrestleMania odds come out the week of. Uh, but it ought to be one hell of a main event with those two ladies. Let's move along from uh, SmackDown over to Monday Night Raw. We'll talk AEW and uh, we'll hit on Revolution uh, in a little bit. So we'll just go through uh, Raw, SmackDown, we'll go to NXT, and then we'll go over to AEW and finish that up. So on Raw, some of the uh, results for Raw this week We had that tag team championship match Which was incredible A triple threat Dude. match to start the show One of the better matches On any pay-per-view TV WWE TV, AEW TV That you will see all year It will be on a top 10 Top 15 list, whatever you want to call it It was fantastic All six guys did a great job 24-7 title match, Dana Brooke versus Tamina <laughs> We had uh, Braun Breaker show up And we're going to talk a lot about what's been going on in NXT Braun Breaker uh, and Ciampa got the win over the Dirty Dogs the Dirty Ziggler Dogs And rude those Dirty Dogs Omos <laughs> showed up And Omos citing he defeated Apollo Crews We had Rhea and Liv Morgan beat the women's tag team champs Zelina and Carmella So they've been added to the women's tag team title match We're going to have a multi-women's the title match there And then Finn Balor beat Austin Theory via DQ So Monday Night Raw, Coop How long did this thing go? About 45 minutes or so almost to open Man. the show I mean, this thing was long It was good I mean, that's how. That's about how long between the intros The segments and everything This sure. went through a few different commercial breaks And you'd imagine... When you get combinations of these guys out there Great stuff But Chad Gable, man He has been so good And you expect it from Orton and KO And Rollins and Riddle But Gable is someone who Didn't get the opportunity to shine as much And he is showing the work on the mic 
all the stuff they've been doing He's made Otis seem You know imposing they have a fun tag team Together and this was great A great opening to Raw Uh, How many times Have you watched Monday Night Raw And seen one match Be dedicated the entire First hour it was basically This match was dedicated for this this Hour I think the actual match went uh, 30 plus Um, Fantastic I mean, there's no other thing to put it. Say what you want to about any of these three teams, how silly have they been with the uh, – you've had the scooter races. You've had the educa- – you had the, the education marathon. You, you had all this stuff that seemed so silly, and for the payoff to be this damn good was just absolutely mind-blowing what these teams do. Now – where do we go from here? Do we see Alpha Academy get an immediate rematch at WrestleMania uh, with with RK Bro? I would assume that because they just have such great chemistry and the blow off. We'll get to Kevin Owens in a bit. We know what he's going to do. Here's my big question: What do we do with Seth Seth Rollins? What 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 are we going to do here with Seth Rollins? Right, so he's just about, like kind of the odd man out because that you kind we, of the odd man out. Yeah, we found yeah, out yeah. at the end with we'll, we'll get there with Austin and uh, sure. with KO. But I think this was someone who they were. I mean, do you think he might have been penciled for Cody? And now we don't know what's going to be happening with Cody Rhodes. If, if yeah, he's... if if reports are true, the Cody Rhodes WWE uh, talks have definitely simmered uh, down to a coolness. Unless this is a work. Uh, Seth Rollins is a major player that has to be in a main event style match. This guy, if you want him on Mania, he needs to go 20, 30 minutes in a match. Um, And looking at what happened this past Monday on Raw, uh, he doesn't have an opponent right now. They're just, you can't just really stick him with someone. You could, but it just wouldn't feel right for him. It's not fair to him, but you know, he was kind of acting goofy again. You know, after the match, that's my one question here after this great segment. Now that the belts are back on RK-Bro, what happens uh, with Seth Rollins? And man, this was a this was a good Raw. It really was because when we've talked about it, SmackDown's had a lot more of the holes recently than than Raw really had. So, um, yeah, really nice way to start. And I hope we get I hope we get at least. I want Gable to get on Mania. He's deserved yeah. it. Him and Otis have had good. I want them to have a match on Mania. Like you said, where do we end up? Is Lashley, you know, sure, sure. is he yeah. from a health wise, right? If he's healthy and he's able to be around, he's someone that you could kind of put along with Seth that could feel like a good pairing. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it, Seth Rollins is kind of in a, in a weird spot right now. Uh, we got the uh, Tamina Snuka versus Dana Brooke for the 24-7 title. Some of this stuff, I got to say, it makes me laugh a little bit. The it's been entertaining. The Tazawa stuff, like we said, I don't want to see this for 30 minutes or multiple segments or anything. But after, this is like a popcorn segment, right? You just had a big match that went really long. That was awesome. Crowd got into now you sort of need a cool Down match this is one of the problems that AEW has on their pay-per-views Right or even on the Show like they did last night and I think WWE will sometimes be the Opposite is okay It seemed like that episode there wasn't A whole lot that was that important and then You can do the you can do the opposite You don't want to have everything Seem like it's the most important thing in the world Because then there's no 
levels of importance to things Like you start forgetting things Nothing really settles in So it's a good spot to have the It's it's just a good segment to have To know okay after a big match After a big really like intense segment We can bring out the 24-7 title Fans <laughs> are chanting Kiss him now Kiss him now And just always all into it And he's playing around So but She blew him a kiss right I think yeah. she blew him a kiss Yeah, yeah. This, this Last week they kissed um, I think this has a lot to do with old Rockstar Spud. We talked about him last week. I think this this has this feels uh this feels Rockstar Spudish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just think um it's been so silly at times. Um, at least now you have the the you know you have two females that you could pair against each other with Dana Brooke. Maybe they have a mixed tag, you know, at Mania. Maybe. It's Brooke versus Tamina, but this is definitely, uh, you know, some cool down material for a hot match where it's placed perfectly between uh, two great matches and give the crowd a time to like build their, you know, their adrenaline back up. But you know what? I'll, I'll say this. It's been highly entertaining over the last month since Dana Brooke and Reggie have been doing this on screen romance. It's been pretty fun, pretty fun to follow. So we did get the continued build on SmackDown too for uh, Roman and Brock with the uh, Roman sure. the Bloodline cutting a promo there. So that continues on, and uh, we got some more build and video packages and hyping up the uh, the Lesnar versus Reigns show because they were both defending their titles at Madison Square Garden. So they were kind of talking a little bit about that uh, throughout the week. We also got some uh, build up for Miz, which is great because Miz comes out in Cleveland and he gets cheered because he's from Cleveland. And then he quickly is able to turn it around and get everybody to (laughs) boo him because he says, everybody just leaves Cleveland. Nobody even wants to be here anymore. Everybody's gone. Even the Browns, they left. They went to Baltimore. They won the Super Bowl. It was just funny. So within a few minutes, they go from cheering him to booing him. That's a really good performer, right? How great is the Miz? You put in look. You could give him the world title for two weeks, right, or or a weekend, and and get him to pull things off. He's just you love to hate the guy. And when he said, you know, everyone's leaving Cleveland, including me. I left Cleveland. You know, I moved to Hollywood and blah blah. It, it's just a great segment. I, you know, I don't know what to expect here. You know, out of this match, uh, you know, you would think the Mysterios are, are are going to pin the Miz, but Logan Paul again is going to bring a new set of eyes. Look, we know the wrestling world will be watching WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday night in Texas. We know that, but what this does is, is this brings in more extra eyes that will pay for the pay per view. Uh, Pay for the monthly fee for the Peacock app so they can watch it to see Logan Paul, um, to to see people get beat up that that they don't like and like. It's just something extra, and the WWE has always been good at bringing the right person in to get some eyes because everyone loves to hate Logan Paul too, right? You, yep. There's there's just not many people that really really like. Everybody him. wants to see him get punched in the face, you know. And they do that with the Miz now, especially turning full heel on Cleveland. And I love how 
Jerry the King Lawler is from Memphis, but we, (laughs) whenever they need, sometimes they can bring him out and sort of be like, oh yeah, he's kind of a Cleveland guy too. It's just like, stop trying to shoehorn this. No, he's not. Get out of here. WrestleMania, he's going to have a Dallas Cowboys jersey. I know. Get out of here. Get out of here, Jerry. Although I will say, like, I, in knowing him and seeing his stuff, he is a fan of them. And he does wear like their stuff sometimes on social media and he'll show sure. up at the games yes. and he'll post yeah. that he's a fan. But it was so funny. It's like, don't squeeze this in here. We know him as the Memphis guy. Don't tell me he's <laughs> the Cleveland guy. Come on. So I thought that was pretty funny there as um, we got the Dirty Dogs versus the Chocolate dogs. and Braun Breaker. And I wonder with everything that happened this week. Because, uh, hey, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Dolph Ziggler is your new NXT champion. He wins the title the next night in a triple threat match. He ends up pinning Ciampa with some help from Dirty Dog Robert Roode. And Braun Breaker is now not your champ, but he did not get pinned. He looked awesome on Raw. He got a good response. And it's amazing, right? Compare this to when... Karrion Cross came up Ugh, And he yeah. was the NXT champ right And what had happened to him how he looked at the beginning This is sort of one of the Major positives that we've been talking about with NXT Is that it was going to take a little while For them to find their footing but when they Did you can feel A lot more confident about The NXT call ups Maybe having success on the main roster Because they're already going to be Doing the things that Vince wants They're already going to be the people that Vince wants you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here uh, with Stand and Deliver Saturday morning uh, at 11 o'clock Central Time. You would assume that Ziggler is going to defend this title against Breaker. Um, if this is a way to get it off Breaker, and if Breaker doesn't win it back, I mean, I would assume that Breaker is main roster guy like now. 100%. I almost think Vince saw him and was like, oh. He's coming up. He's coming up. Let's have him lose that title. We'll get it off him. We won't have him lose. And he comes right up in with He comes right up here. I I mean, I wouldn't think since NXT is having their own event that you would see the NXT title on WrestleMania. I'm not saying that it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense now, but this is a way to get Braun up on the main roster. Maybe Tommaso, too. I mean, this is uh, yeah. They both guys. Trumpo's been out there a few times now. You can maybe get them both, and this like this is a good use. We've been wanting this to happen for a while, specifically with guys like Dolph or Cesaro or people that might not have been used as you know as well as they should have been at at that specific time. I I like this a lot, and it was a surprise, man. So we're kind of talking. So we'll talk about it more in a minute, but. I did not see it coming. I don't think many people did. They just felt like, oh, okay, you put Dolph in there. You get a few extra eyes on NXT. It's a good way to get Ciampa up to the main roster in these interactions with Dolph. You know, and then you can kind of pull him up because they sort of feel like they're on the same level. And um, the the tag match was good. Braun looked good. Ciampa's looked good. And uh, we'll talk more about those guys in just a moment. We got an Omos sighting. Omos. With a, a basically a squash here over Apollo Cruz, and I think I think we're getting the two big guys at Mania, right? Think, is it going to be? Do you wonder if yeah, it's like a match, or is that maybe a standoff that we get in a battle royal spot? 
it, it could it very well could be. I, I think they're given at the end of this little glorified squash match. We had to kind of stare down a little bit with Commander Aziz and Omos. Um, you know, Omos has been a heel. That's the problem, right? It's not, you know, uncommon for them to turn someone a, a complete baby face. We could see next Monday night Commander Aziz attack Omos with the chair, do something like that, and we get Omos in favor. Uh, but I think we we get some kind of big guy interaction. We either get a match, uh, or we're going to get them in a battle royal scenario where they're the last two, or they get a main spot. But I kind of feel like that that's where they're going. Because look, WWE has always loved their big guys. They love giants. That, that's mm-hmm. just who does it. When you go to the circus, you want to see the bearded lady, a clown, and you want to see the giant, the eighth wonder of the world, right? Uh, and, and th- this is a way for them to do that. So I think that's the direction they're going. We got uh, the Edge, Evil Edge promo. Evil Edge. He does some good work right now. And I like and I like that this is more than just the the two guys going out there for respect. Because it those matches are good, but the matches feel more intense and they feel better when there's more of a good guy versus a bad guy. And that's what we got here now with Edge, who is the bad guy in this feud against AJ Styles. Yeah, and it's great to see Beth. Uh, his wife even tweeting like, "Oh my God, you know th- this is uh, it's an interesting way to do this." And you've said it from day one. If you're a professional wrestling fan, no match feels better than when you have a bad guy versus a good guy. Look in movies when two good guys kind of square off, um, you go, "Oh, that's interesting." But when you have a great heel. And a great baby face. It's just the story. Good versus evil. And this is what they're doing here. And the match is going to be that much better. Because I think they can keep AJ off of TV. Or out of that ring with Edge. For the next couple of weeks. Because you know Edge just destroyed him. You're not going to have to worry about with a tag team here. You know Edge and a partner. Versus AJ and a partner. That's not going to happen. But I think it helps to keep AJ off a little bit. Before we get that final maybe face off the week of because that that raw and smackdown the week of especially the raw the week of wrestlemania is is always hot um th- this is just well done edge is is this is why he's he's a hall of famer right here uh we talked about live and Rhea now i don't I was hoping for more for Rhea. Liv sure. and Rhea is at least better than Rhea and Nikki from just oh, gosh, uh, yes. like sure. them fitting as a team and sort of looking like they make sense because Liv is kind of like a dorky kind of punky type too, you know. So you can see sure. the combination there, and I guarantee you that this is going to be a match that's going to involve the uh, Rhea and Liv, Sasha and Naomi, and Carmella and Zelina and. Amongst others, I'd imagine. I don't know if there would be any other teams added to it, but I mean, maybe the Bellas. Could. I could see, I could see something like that happening. You know, just for, um, you know, just for a, a cool WrestleMania moment. But these these women are going to try to steal the show if they get time. You know, Man. Sasha and Naomi are going to go out Dude. there. Rhea is too, and Liv has been good this year. And anytime she's been given a chance, they could. This could end up being like a sleeper match on the show, uh, if, if you know, if given some opportunity. You 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 stole my uh you you stole it because uh, I, I have this match with a star I I don't think we um uh I don't think we see another team added to this we could don't think so um this is gonna be really good I I like the way 
Zelina now and Carmelo are having some problems with each other. It's like, hey, what are you trying to do? Uh, you know, record another episode of of Corey and Carmela. Then you have Zelina. I think this week she's going one on one with Sasha Banks. Um, I, I think there's some good storytelling here, but better yet, I think you're, this is going to be one of the better women's matches, if not one of the better matches in two nights. All six of these ladies can really go in the ring. Um, I, I'm with you. I'm like, oh, man, Rhea's in another tag team. But wouldn't you rather be in another tag team in a match for a championship than being stuck in a battle royal that you're yeah. probably yeah. not going to get much time on? So I, I think this is a good setting for her. Um, whether they win the titles or not, it kind of feels like Sasha and Naomi, they're going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Or the Hills could keep it. They do a lot of swerving. They show a lot of Hills have problems and problems, and the Hills end up keeping it. But uh, – this this is going to be an exciting match, man. I really yeah. like this. I like the setup for it. Uh, we got the U.S. title match: Finn Balor versus Austin Theory. These two guys can go anytime they get in the ring. They're going to have a a really good match. But it was more about the the setup for where these two guys are going to WrestleMania because we just talked about how Theory is going to be uh, pegged with Pat McAfee and now Finn Balor. Uh, by the way, this match ended. It looks like it's definitely going to be Finn Balor versus Damian Priest for that U.S. title because Priest ends up uh, attacking Finn. He kind of comes out of nowhere, grabs him by the throat, and throws him um, for a DQ here, and and he goes nuts afterwards. So uh, Razor's Edge, and he points at the uh, the WrestleMania sign. So it looked like we're going to get Balor versus uh, versus Priest. We're going to get the the Demon versus the Priest. Yeah. That's uh, I like that. Right. I, you know, this really doesn't excite me a whole lot because we've seen it and we've seen a pretty good match between these two. Now we're getting a hill version of, of Priest versus Finn. Um, what happens? So let's say Damien or let's say Priest wins the title back. You know, what does that really do for him? Not anything. Uh, you know, I, I would I would like Balor to keep this title. I, I would like to see. Priest get elevated, and I don't think he needs to win this match to be elevated because I think if you win this title, you're kind of stuck. And I'm not saying that in a in a, in a derogatory way that Finn oh Finn's. I, I think look, Finn's been at the top of the mountain. Um, I think he brings more prominence to this title than Priest does. I would like to see a good match here. Let's finish this. Let him beat Priest. Uh, let Priest maybe go away for a little bit and have him come back and challenge for uh, the world title. That, that's what I'd like to see because you're going to have to elevate Priest here sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't and he's stuck in that mid-card, mid-title type match, then you know it, it, it's it's not going to be a good fit for him. Yeah, this is an important match, I think, for both of these guys. Kind of yes. where you where you want to position them for the yeah. next half of the year, right? Um, and they could they because this could be another one where. They've we've seen them in NXT. We've seen them have a match before. Hell, if these guys get 15, 20 minutes, this could be a, a really good match. Sure. This could be an excellent match and one of the better matches on either night. So this is one that that should be good. Let's see if they uh, if they can continue to build some intrigue over the next few weeks. The main event segment was Kevin Owens, who <laughs> now knows that uh, he's not because RK Bro wins the tag team titles. He knows that. He's not got a spot secured at WrestleMania, so he really lays into everyone from Texas, JBL, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, and uh, he says, uh, as a proud Canadian, 
He says, like, kind of screw you, Sean. Uh, I like Brett. You know, Sean can't be the guest <laughs> on the KO show, which I thought that was, was funny. Great. And yeah. then he starts taking shots at uh, a beer-drinking redneck. He says how bad the guy's knees are. And he wants to give him a stunner and beat the hell out of him in his home state and then pour a glass of milk over his lifeless body like Kurt Angle would have done. <laughs> uh, and uh, he says he doesn't think that he's got the guts to show up. Stone Cold Steve Austin. So he says that it's going to be the KO show for WrestleMania right. Saturday. Then the next day, we actually got Stone Cold. To do a rebuttal he posted a video On social media to WWE Social media he accepted The challenge and he said Call it the KO show Call it a match call it a fight whatever you want to Call it Stone Cold's whooping your ass You know he gave him a, one, of the, one of those So I mean We may find out a little bit more I'm curious first off Stone Cold's gonna be there really cool He's gonna get the big pop he's gonna come out Stunned Kevin Owens he's gonna be Drinking beers now I wonder if they're going to try to call this a match and promote it over the next few weeks, or maybe they do sort of what like The Rock did with Eric Rowan a few years back, you know, where they could have him interact, they could say "ring the bell," and then it could be real quick where all the Texas legends kind of get a shot in, and then Austin finishes him off with a stunner and then drinks some beer. Maybe it's something like that. But hey, we are going to get some Austin physicality, and that promo that Austin cut, man. It kind of it gave me some goosebumps. It really did. Uh, some some interesting takes here um, from this promo. First of all, it was Kevin Owens is the best of the best. This is why Kevin Owens is in my top five, not of the last ten years, but all time. I'm just I was a fan of him in Ring of Honor. He is just fantastic at everything he does. I love what he does in the rings, and especially with the microphone. You know, it, when when they promoted it as the KO show, I thought, okay, either Austin didn't want to do a match or he didn't get cleared or something happened. I, I think it's a little convoluted here. I, I wish we knew one or the other. Now, I, I'm just I'm nitpicking here, right? Uh, we're we're going to get Austin and KO in the ring. I want to you know, know before, though. I want to know in the I, next I few days. I want I them do. to announce that there's a match. And I think... I'm I'm almost wondering if they're waiting a few more days to sort of see how things are selling and then or if this is something that Austin said I don't want to be announced fully in a match but then it's weird that he said call it whatever you want to call it right, right. I feel like if cuz Austin's going to tell him what he wants to do Austin's not doing anything he doesn't want to do oh, he's not absolutely. he's yeah. not someone who's hard up for money or someone who comes back over and over so he's he's doing this and getting in the ring if he wants to or if he's not I thought it was weird that he even said Call it whatever you want to call it So if they if, if he says that Why don't you come back this week and say We're going to have a, a street fight Stone Cold versus You know like right and, and maybe and maybe they could Here's the thing you know Texas has an athletic commission But it's not over professional wrestling Like a lot of states Like in Louisiana you have a Louisiana state boxing and wrestling commission And if you hold professional wrestling In the state of Louisiana Regardless if it's the Indy, we're doing something at the National Guard or the VFW or at the Mercedes Superdome. They oversee it. There's blood work. There's physicals. It's the old school. You know, they check uh, blood pressure. They do all that. Texas does not. So WWE is not going to push anything onto anybody as we've seen with Daniel Bryan, right? Uh, you know, 
saying, hey, look, they were too protective. That's why I'm coming to AEW, because I want to wrestle more. I, I just, it's a little convoluted. And also, when they played the, when, when the, when the glass broke there in Cleveland, I thought he was coming out. I thought he was going to come out and Kevin was going to do the hill and take off running. But it was kind of the glass breaking. To I was waiting. Long, I kept saying to Stephanie, Andrew. oh, Austin's coming out. Austin's coming out right now. I was like getting excited. I, did, I, was like, I yeah. didn't like that. I, for, I, you know, again, guys, uh, I'm nitpicking, nitpicking. I, I didn't like right. that. And if we like get it. to, because that's one thing that we nitpick is that if you get to the point where, okay, everyone's going to pop for Austin when he comes out, right? But you could probably have, can we get there in a better way? Can we get there better in the next week or two? And and maybe we could have already had th- things done a little bit better with someone like Austin. Because if he's coming back, you want to do it well for him. You know, you don't want it to seem like something that's an afterthought. So we will find out more in the uh, the next few weeks with Stone Cold Steve Austin. We had uh, NXT, which was were they referring it to it as what Roadblock? Roadblock, yeah. Roadblock. This was a Freaking good episode of NXT TV, man. We had the Women's Dusty Tag Team Classic semifinal, a huge upset. Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu get the win over Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. Fallon Henley picked up a win over Stratton. Is that the bartender? Fallon? That was her. Fallon Henley, Tesha Price. Uh, yeah. On the indie circuit. Last man standing match. Yeah. <laughs> it's a freaking star, but Grayson gets the win. They did this sort of in a way to protect LA Knight. We had the other women's Dusty Rhodes tag team semifinal. EO and Kaylee Ray beat Casey and Caden. That match was really, really good. And we had uh, Imperium beating MSK. But as you mentioned earlier in a little bit of a tease, this was uh, a match that was added because the Creed brothers were attacked earlier in the night. And so they never got the opportunity to get their shot. And Dolph Ziggler wins the NXT championship. He is your new NXT Champ, man, I thought this was a really, really good episode, Coop. Man, we've been we've been singing the praises of NXT uh, over the last several months since the change to NXT 2.0, and I'll just sing their praises here again. Again, NXT 2.0 has been my favorite um, night of wrestling uh, of of all the shows. Um, There's been several weeks where the entire show. Wasn't as good. There's been some silly stuff on there, some silly segments we didn't like. But overall, they've done really, really good. And this show on Tuesday night was just fantastic. You had uh, some great matches. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I guess we're go- we're going to get a triple threat here, probably at Stand and Deliver on Mania Weekend with the tag Imperium, MSK, Creed. Um, but from start to finish, I, I, I thought it was solid. And you're, I just like to see investment. I like watching a wrestling organization and just seeing these these newcomers. And they may not be newcomers to the wrestling world, but maybe they came from uh, the the development center, uh, the training center, or maybe they were indie and this is their first time. But to see them grow, and we're seeing a lot of this on NXT. I, I thought the women's tag match. I, I thought that was. Really interesting the way they're going because you and I talked about, you know, does Cora and Raquel have to be in the finals of this Dusty Classic? They can't win it because that puts them with toxic attraction. Either Raquel is hurt or they this is the way they've done it. But you see Cora attacking 
Mandy Rose later on in the show. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be, and that's Corey, Corey, uh, Cora and Amanda has got to be your your match for Stand and Deliver, right? And Cora's got to go over there. I would think absolutely. absolutely. I think at Mania you have the baby face go over there, and then after you could have that Cora. I don't know what you do with Raquel if she's up, if she's not, if she's hurt, but if she's still around, you have that be one like her first match with the title. She has to defend it against someone if Raquel's still around and Raquel and she beats Raquel and that's like Raquel's last thing before she moves up or I know something sure. something along those lines that would fit really well and it the pieces all make a lot of sense now because now you can go heck, you know, like you said we can we can put uh we can put Raquel in a fun interesting spot where you know what's going on with Dakota if if Dakota and Wendy lose you could team you could put her in in with them if for some reason EO and Kaylee lose and Dakota and Wendy win you could put EO and Raquel in something so yeah there's options with the with some of the the women that are now going to be in the uh, the finals of this tag team Dusty Classic and it looks like Cora and Mandy are going to be positioned together. So I shout out. I thought both of these women's matches were good. I was really surprised that, that Wendy and Dakota got the win. This crowd loves Wendy Chu. They Dude, love Wendy they? Chu. Don't they? And look, man, I, I thought the other women's tag was really, really good. And let me tell you who's, I, I mean, maybe they get credit and I, I don't see it, but man, Casey and Caden uh, and their match with EO and Kaylee Ray. Uh, dude, they're a really strong tag team. I, I, I don't know if EO and Kaylee, it, they're probably going to go over because that looks like Toxic Attraction is, is is taking that. Well, they took Raquel Gonzalez out too, but man, Casey and Caden for not winning, they really impressed me in their in their semifinal match. I know, and I almost felt I I find my I, I was wanting them to win almost. I knew they wouldn't yes. because they're like they're a real true tag team. Like of all of these teams, they they all other three of them that were in the semifinals all kind of got thrown together. But these two are a true tag team. They wrestled uh, a really good match. I thought both of them were were very good, and it's fun to see Wendy Chu that she's over because this is like the Wendy Chu gimmick is like an Orange Cassidy gimmick, right? It's sure. fun. It's something that is goofy, but then when she can flip the switch and go when she has yeah, to, and, and see, we haven't seen that enough from Orange Cassidy. Uh, to really, for those who know on the indie circuit, he could, but now he's hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. he flee with a bad spot. Um, but that's what we haven't been able to see with Orange Cassidy, but with Wendy Chu, we have been. And 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 look, her and Dakota have been a a pleasant surprise because I didn't know how to. This sometimes you do these gimmicks. I'd like to see Dakota on the main roster. Apparently, she's not coming up. Um. You know, sometimes it's like ah, she's acting goofy or crazy. I just think they uh, they kind of balance each other out, and I think this will be a fun main event. Wendy Chu and everybody goes shh when she's sleeping, when she's <laughs> tired. And they all crowd. Everybody wants to quiet down. It's just great. Like I love that stuff. It's it's funny. And the, I, like I've said before, I like to have fun and mess around on shows and 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 comedy stuff. It's great. In addition to giving the good information Not in Not one or the other right You don't just do comedy stuff because you can't go You do it because you can go also And just (laughs) to show that you can be funny And you can you know make people laugh But then boom you can also Um you know have uh, A really nice match and or some really cool Work in the ring if you have to We 
Then got the we uh let's see just some some backstage stuff with Champa and then Tiffany Stratton backstage. Creed Brothers laid out in the parking lot. So Bivens, Ivy Nile, and Roderick Strong were trying to find out who. And so that's the mystery. You got to be careful in the NXT parking lot, man. Like a Tommy. Don't forget about Hideo with Tommy. You know, we never found out what happened there. You get attacked over there, Coop. It's a, it's a tough place to be. <laughs> it is, man. There's love triangles going on. You get attacked all the time. It looks like we're getting Briggs and Jensen versus Legato Del Fantasma, some sort of. Uh, These guys are growing on me a little bit more now too. Are they? Briggs and Jensen, I gotta say, the, 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 the little neon. Movie. So the less with the country stuff, but when they're just like goofy guys that are dorky, it's like I know some guys like this. You know, they're just sort of dorky, and the one guy always says stuff that makes him look stupid, but he doesn't realize that he's saying something to make him look stupid, which just kind of pops me. So. They they're growing on me a little bit. Like that's what <laughs> that's one of the positives about t- the last few weeks of NXT because there were yeah. things at the beginning that we weren't sure were what to think of. But like Chase University, I love this. This was something that I hated that I actually kind of like smirk at when I see these guys pop up now because I'm like, okay, something something funny is going to happen here. And um, I mentioned that Fallon Henley match, she gets the win there, and uh, Chase U. I like these barbershop segments that they do. Yeah. With Trick oh, yeah. and Carmelo. They just come off yeah. kind of authentic and come off kind of real. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's really uh, Carmelo's another one, dude. That's uh, uh, at first I'm like, eh, I don't know about this guy, uh, but he's just solid. And I, I think, you know, this, this, it reminds me of like Saturday night's main event. We used to get a lot of promos and we'd only get like two matches on Saturday night's main event, which, you know, for those who don't know, those used to take the place of Saturday Night Live on NBC back in the, what, late 80s, maybe early 90s. Um, and, and you'd get an hour, an hour and a half WWE show, and you would get some of these promos. You you would see the barber shot with Brutus Beefcake. You'd see Piper's Pit uh, with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And you get to, there's just an investment with these characters more. And like you say, um, if you've got it on the microphone and you can grab our attention and keep it through a skit um, and be able to translate that and go in the ring, it just makes that person more enjoyable and that much more likable. And uh, I don't, I don't know what the future holds for trick and Carmelo. I know Carmelo will definitely uh, be up in the big leagues. Not so sure about trick, but they're fun segments, man. They really are. We got the uh, lashing out with lash legend and Nikita Lyons. People like her. She's she's got some buzz. She's got that different look. Looks like we're gonna have a, a match. What did uh, Lash accuses her of having butt implants? <laughs> and so they were getting into it here. And um, so we'll see what uh, what Nikita can continue to do in the ring. She's had some buzz over the last few weeks, so they're gonna give her an opportunity to uh, to stack some wins. It looks like. Yeah, um, you know she she had a mess up a couple of weeks ago. Bad match with Amari Miller, but. I, I I think that um, I think uh, you know there there's some interesting uh, talent on this women's roster. Like Lash has got something, right? Something is there with her. She's mm-hmm. too good the way she talks. Now she will get better in the ring. If she doesn't, then she'll be you know she'll be accepting indie bookings on her Twitter. But something is there in this Nikita Lyons. We we've 
we've been talking about her for the last couple of weeks. She's a star. So if these two ladies can can put together some sort of match that's that's good, um, I, I think you really have something. But man, Lash Lash Legend has something. She has something. She can talk the talk. Um, let's see if Tiffany and her can elevate uh, can elevate themselves in the ring. We got a last man standing match here, and this is pretty crazy. How LA Knight was. He was doing fine work as a heel And then the stuff with Grimes was really good But he wasn't like Over as a heel He wasn't someone who was getting massive massive heel heat But when they flipped him In this babyface turn man He has just got that charisma He's got it He just feels like he should be on the main roster Right now he, he really should And I uh, I I like what I see from him every time And Waller's annoying He's annoying heel He's going to continue to get better they, they book this pretty smart You know we were saying what are they going to do here Well they they have the big guy get involved Throughout and it doesn't make it look Like it's bad for um, For LA Knight to lose this match But I guess we got to see him on the on the Main roster soon because this dude He's got it and I know If he's just given a little bit of an opportunity The crowd's going to get behind him uh, he he is really over. Uh, it's interesting. This last man standing match uh, was done on TV instead of standing liver. So, are you under the assumption this was the blow off here between these two? I think so. I do. Now, I want. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw these guys in the ladder match. Okay. Right, because okay. uh, yeah. didn't Carmelo say there's going to be a bunch of people in the ladder match? I could see Grace and Waller saying. You know who needs to be in that ladder match? Me. I'm all about the views. I'm all about the clicks. You saw what I did in last week. I'm going to go crazy. He's going to want to put himself in there. And and then you could even have either LA Knight in that match or you just have LA Knight show up the night after WrestleMania on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. You know, that sure. could have been the way to write him off of NXT if you want to do it that way. Um either way, I think it's uh they did a good job with with that and uh, we mentioned the uh, the women's tag Match there earlier And EO and Kaylee get the win We uh, got a little more About Indy and Persia And all the uh, the stuff happening With uh, with them It is sex, sexy NXT Man right it's just everyone It's all about the love It's like the love love connection there um, Also told you about Imperium uh, There So that actually ended up in In really a no DQ Because the Creed brothers Suddenly come out of nowhere Here comes Brutus, here comes Julius They start unloading So do you think we get a triple threat Or do you think They uh, just end up going with the Creed brothers And that they just put NX, uh, MSK in there As just a way to sort of To keep setting it up Because they did earn it, right? They just beat MSK Sure, it was. it's just weird I, I, I mean I, If you're going to put MSK in there And then you put them in the match and it's uh it's a no contest because the Creed brothers. I would assume MSK has an, at least a legit argument saying, "Wait a minute, we were put in the match, we didn't get a chance to win it, so why would it be Creed Imperium? If we're gonna get a triple threat with a women's tag on the main roster, I, this this could be it uh, for Stand and Deliver to give. You know, we know MSK can go in the ring, right? Um, I, I just it's a weird way of booking this storyline. I just don't see the Creed brothers coming back around. 
with Imperium. If you wanted to wait, why just why'd you book it for this week anyway? I, I just thought that was very weird, very yeah. weird, very odd. It seems like a yeah, a strange uh, sort of booking here. And then we talked already all about Dolph Ziggler getting that win and uh, what could be possible. For uh, stand and deliver, you know, we could get another triple threat match. We could get something like a fatal four way. You know, we even add Root into the mix with those two, and in uh, Champa and Breaker, we could get something that out, out leads from Saturday to Sunday at WrestleMania. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we'll get a t- title match. I do feel like it'll be for Braun to win it back, and then sure. we'll see what happens from there. But I liked it. I thought it was exciting, and it was a. a Good, really good episode. Um, we did get a little uh, A Kid, A Kid, yeah. And Hero and Kushida popped up too, so it was cool to see them for a moment. And uh, Grimes and Santos Escobar, they are in a qualifying match for the ladder match next week, so that should be really, really good. Let's get over to AEW Koopa Loop. We're coming off of Revolution and. I mean, the show has some highs. There are some fantastic matches on the show, but it was really, really long. And I think that since they only do the four pay-per-views, it feels like sometimes they want to get everything on the show. They want to get everybody an opportunity on here. And it it just felt like there were a, a couple spots throughout the night where the crowd was a little bit tired. And that maybe if this was an eight-match card instead of a 12-match card, and you put sure. a couple of the other matches on TV... I thought it might have just breathed a little bit better, but I mean, there were some high highs. Um, Layla Hirsch beat Chris Stantlander on the pr- on the pre-show, and Hook gets a win over QT on the pre-show. House of Black, Malachi back, Black Brody King, and Buddy Matthews get the win on the pre-show there. So, um, yeah, all of these folks have actually been involved moving forward. We know that House of Black. I mean, we kind of hope they they get. Kind of pushed and there's words that there are Trios titles coming so maybe they're a group That's kind of going to be in the mix for some of Those if they do Hook Is someone who's very over But we haven't seen quite as much of him lately QT Marshall was Involved with Keith Lee And then Layla Hirsch had Not a very good match on uh, Dynamite With Thunder Rosa oh. I was kind of Disappointed in it because I liked Layla from what I've Seen when I what I saw from her early on but I didn't think they had great chemistry there. Uh, what did you think about those pre-show matches from uh, from Revolution? Look, I think Chris Statlander is, you know, um, she needs to be in the title picture. She doesn't need to be with the best friends. Um, I just think she's really good. Layla Hirsch, I have no problem with her. Um, the match with her and Statlander was better than her and Rosa on uh, this past Wednesday, and what I don't get is, um, if Thunder Rosa is going to lose on a pay-per-view, she is immediately brought back the following Wednesday night on Dynamite. And why not have it be a schmazier loss? It yeah, kind it, of was like it. I know they don't love doing just straight DQs, especially on a pay-per-view. This should have been a full-on disqualification. Yeah, there should it, not have been. By pinfall and then we could Understand that you're going to give her the rematch In two weeks in a cage at her, In her hometown she shouldn't have lost To then win it right back Because I think she's going to win in the cage Next Absolutely. week I really do Well I thought she was going to win on the pay-per-view I, You and I both, yeah, we both did yeah Right and now that they're going this route 
I don't know why they just didn't hold it or or do as you say, Schmas finish, but because now it's like the pay per view match was not very good between Britt and Rosa. And no, and I they set the bar a, really high for themselves after after that match last year. And I think there's legit heat between these two ladies. They were firing back off on Twitter, and there you know there's a Twitter work. You 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 can feel it. I this is not a Twitter work. Uh, last uh, week, uh, Britt pulled up an old photo of like Thunder Rosa, uh, where she would put her Venmo out there and asked for like Taco Tuesday. Yes. and Britt was just <laughs> grilling her, and like, today, "Oh, you don't uh, get paid uh, enough. You don't have enough for tacos. What the hell is today it?" She attacked. She attacked her husband, uh, Brian. He was posting about how bad that uh, Britt's promo was on Dynamite. So she said, why don't you just stick to these bad tent pole basement all women's wrestling shows that you're promoting in Texas? And I went, okay, that that's not that's that's shit just got real. We're (laughs) shooting here now. So, um, yeah, if she's going to win it and win it in a cage, it's going to be the main event in San Antonio. She's not going to lose in her hometown. We just know that. I just don't know why you have her lose on the pay-per-view and then. Have a bad match with yeah. with with Layla on Wednesday night. I didn't like, I didn't like that booking. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Well, what was sort of strange about the Wednesday night show is they didn't promote a whole lot of stuff in advance for it, which they normally do. There were a couple title matches on the show, which normally get a little bit more uh, uh, promotion, and it was just coming off of uh, their pay per view, and the ratings came in. They were. We always joke about the demo The demo did well, they were one in the demo But they were under a million Which you kind of think they would have probably been up over the million Coming off the pay-per-view With the pay-per-view bump And it is kind of Wrestlemania right now So wrestling's a little bit more on the uh, on the forefront So I wonder I wonder how they feel about those numbers You know, uh, a little under a million You'd, you'd hope uh, when you Again, Comparative to what's on cable, it was good But I feel like with the overall numbers You probably would hope when you have that many stars On a big show That you'd get a little bit more Now, the Kingston-Chris Jericho Match I thought was really good Um, And Jericho, a few months ago He was bloated His face was really He looked unhealthy He looked like he was like done And I, I read something that he got sick In and he lost a bunch of weight and he started working out like crazy and now he looks fantastic. He looks, he looks great. Amazing. Yeah, he, he looks does. amazing. You know, he just uh for his age, what is he 50, 51 years old? I mean, I'm 47 and I, I just, you know, I want to be the lead singer of a rock band and Jeez. and and be Chris Jericho. He looks fantastic. Um I, it, it was a good match. You know, there was a spot or two that got a little sloppy, but you know, I, that's what you get when you take a lot of chances. You know, I, I know this is not easy or everyone and their mother would be professional wrestlers and uh, would have high dollar contracts. But it was pleasantly surprising good. You know, you, you figure a couple of these matches um, are going to be as and there was, uh, you know, Jericho's an all time favorite. Again, I, he's on my Mount Rushmore. I, I, I'm a huge Y2J fan. And we got the turn the next night. He uh or the next episode of Dynamite Which we just saw last night Where he came out He wanted to give Eddie Kingston his respect He came out and uh, we heard Maybe 
Judas for the final time because he's turning yeah. heel now. So I wonder if he's <laughs> going to change that music up so that way the crowd can't sing along with him. Uh, and he wanted to give uh, respect to Eddie. He wanted to shake his hand. And then as he did, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia came out and started attacking everyone. Then Santana and Ortiz came out to save him. But Jericho ended up uh, grabbing the bat and hitting Ortiz and Santana. He made the turn. So Jericho with 2.0 and Garcia and Jake Hager, who decides he's going to be with them. They are now the Jericho Appreciation Society. (laughs) What? (laughs) So stupid, but just like really funny. So um, one of our gripes is just the faction stuff. I like the turn. I thought the turn was good. I thought it was needed. It freshened him up a little bit. It was cool. I don't mind them sort of aligning, but it is funny because it looks like we just went from having the inner inner circle, and now there's like two other groups that are aligning. We're gonna have the pinnacle, which is sort of done, but now like there's another group lining with Regal and D Bryce. It's just so funny that it's all about the factions and stuff. We saw it later with the Hardys too and the Andrade <laughs> stuff. They're just faction warfare here. Tag match was great. I mean both. Like all the tag stuff is always going to be really good. They're that's sort of one thing that we ask for a little bit more with them because their tag team division is so good. If we could get some of these tags, um, to to have good storylines and then get some of those matches on dynamite, I think that'll help. The problem with Jurassic Express as your title as your your champs, they haven't been in a storyline. No, no, and now uh, they're going to be put with Hangman Page next Wednesday. Uh... So let's see here. We got a six man against Adam Cole and Red Dragon. So it's like, uh, okay. I, I thought Jurassic Express were losing these titles. I thought we were going to have several title changes. Me too. And we didn't. We no. didn't at all. You know. Um, now I, I the next, use. the next night we we or on Dynamite we started to get some more build. I'm kind of surprised that we look like we're kind of extending. Some of these feuds for a little while longer And it, it it always just feels weird When you've got the tag champs Who just feel like they're kind of a placeholder sure. And I don't know who Said it on one of the shows It was either Post Wrestling or Wrestling Inc Or one of them but they said If you look at all of the champions In AEW right now The only one that's like Really really sort of hot and over Is kind of Jade Sure. At the, at the moment because everyone else isn't really like Hangman Page was much hotter a few months ago before he won. The whole chase was way the crowd. It just everybody felt like he was the guy, and now he doesn't quite feel like it. Sort of feels like an afterthought. Britt Baker, same thing. She was the 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 biggest, most important thing on the show for a while. Right now, she doesn't feel quite as over. Jurassic Express, they don't really feel all that over. TNT Championship, which we see at the end of Dynamite, TBS title. It you know Sammy Scorpio they don't feel like they're as over as maybe a Miro was or a a Brody or someone who held the belt earlier so it just doesn't feel like there are Punk MJF like I said Jade I think you can go through a lot of people on the roster that seem like they're doing really well right now but they don't they're not the ones with the belts no no I, I you know they're they're you make a good point as much as we've crapped on Jade. And deservingly so. She she's been very green in the ring, but, but she in, looks like a star. 
Yeah, and she's doing the kiss now, the kiss of death. She had know? that jade cosplay that she yeah, wore that the other day, the Mortal with, Kombat uh, thing. Mortal Kombat. And she looked that was sexy. She looked great, and the kiss was really cool too. It was yeah. funny, and, and so I agree in that. I in the ring, she's not quite improving at the rate I would like for her, but she does feel like a big deal. She uh, it, it compared to everyone else in the women's roster in their division, and she feels like right now a bigger deal than Britt. But the way they're presenting. The way the the TV time she gets, the amount of well, she's she's been in the ring for the last several weeks uh, in a match, and we haven't seen Brit at all, and I think that's just that's killed all of Brit's momentum. She was the hottest star on that roster when she won that, even be- before going into winning the title, and now it, it she got it, and they just kind of like, eh, Adam Cole's coming. They put remember they put her with Adam Cole one week, and we thought we were going to get some mixed tag stuff. And it just wasn't there. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm completely there. I, I've seen. Look, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of people who love to hate Brit on social media. Anytime she posts anything, uh, she is a fantastic kill. But I, again, I just think bad booking with another championship, uh, and it's cost Brit. And look at Hangman Page too. I, I I know that was the main event. But that was one of the most lackluster main event in AEW history. I know. Usually they they're they're knocked out of the park. It just kind of felt a little anticlimactic, like you were waiting. Very. And I think that's one of the problems is that there there's so many new debuts, so many new sure. people coming in. You're kind of expecting it all the time. That when something doesn't happen, you're kind of like, hmm. Well, what? And you even got one on this show with William Regal with sure. Regal, but. We uh we had the face of the revolution ladder match Wardlow Christian Cage Keith Lee Orange Cassidy Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Now I'm I'm a little worried about Keith Lee. Uh, this is something that we discussed Ooh. right away. Keith Lee came in, and the the one thing that I always I wonder, Chad, is that you've got these wrestlers, guys, gals, whoever, like Ruby, Christian. We heard it about Jeff Hardy. We heard it about Keith Lee. We heard it about is Miro um, hurt? Adam Col- Miro is just now cleared and is going to be ready to get back soon. So he has okay. been hurt. That's why okay. we haven't well, seen him. So well, he he just he just signed a contract extension. Yes, with, so, with AEW. Okay, so he should be coming back really soon. He'll pop up. But a lot of these wrestlers whose problem with their WWE was I'm not getting. The push that I deserve I'm a bigger star than you want to treat me I wonder how they feel When they come to AEW And I'm I'm not saying it like in a snarky To be an ass way I'm genuinely curious Like, Are they happy because they're getting treated better And they like the working relationship And it's like hey we don't work as much We don't have to go on the road as much So we get paid more efficiently For what we do maybe You know we're not Putting our bodies through all the bumps over and over I wonder because a lot of those Same like how is Christian being used better Than he w- than he would have been On WWE or how is Andrade Being used better Than maybe he would have been On WWE Matt Hardy I mean his brother just came back and showed up But up until now when everybody said Like Matt Hardy look what he was doing in TNA With all the delete stuff and then he come to WWE And they crapped him I just I'm not blaming Tony Khan or AEW for 
bad booking or anything. The problem is just there's too many people to all give the right amount of time they need to get their characters over, to get really over. So now think about the last few weeks. We've had Buddy Matthews, Keith Lee, Dan Housen. It feels we like really seen. No. I, what about like Jay Lethal? I mean, oh, Tony Nese popped back up. I mean, Shane Strickland, he's already on on ramp. He already feels <laughs> like he's he's come and gone, and we didn't see him wrestle yet. Right. And he's going to be on Friday night. Why it's didn't already you have, taped. Sure. Why and yeah, why didn't you have Strickland on Dynamite? I thought when he debuted on the pay per view, he actually looked like a pretty big star. I thought he came out came across very well and like someone that you might have wanted to capitalize on. Think about the last couple weeks of all those people showing up, and with all of them showing up, it already feels like, oh yeah, Buddy Matthews was a long time ago. Oh Keith Lee, he's he sort of already feels like he's like a Friday night rampage guy. Eric Redbeard, right? Redbeard just debuted. Redbeard debuted. That's like in the last two, three. We're talking about a month, all of them, and I'm not saying it as like a. It's cool. It's exciting to see all those people coming in, but what ends up happening is there's a show like Dynamite. On Wednesday that I think a lot of the even harder Hardcore Dynamite fans Because I'm a fan of wrestling I'm a fan of AEW, I'm a fan of WWE I'm a fan of NXT, but I'm also a critic of all of them I will criticize or Be a fan of the things I like I think that a lot of the people who are the most Loyal to cheering for Everything AEW, cheering for everyone Never really critiquing the stuff they put out They even seemed like This last week was just a one of those shows where you could see they were trying to do so much. They were trying to get so many things out there that it was just like, were there 70 people on the show by the end of the night? I, I, <laughs> right? There was a breakup with with FTR and Tully that felt like that should have been a full segment in the ring. Like that's a thing in the ring that you do. You have the back and forth. You have a little bit of an emotional thing. That guy was with you. You can have whatever happened Tully takes a cheap shot at one of them But it was like they have this moment in the back They fire Tully and then it's just like Bolt right to the next thing Right into the next thing immediately to the next Which This is what happens when you have that many Really talented people on your roster And you only have three hours on TV A week and only two hours On primetime TV a week Where your Friday show as much as You want it to be it is your B show we don't really talk about We don't even really do full recaps of it If something happens on Rampage and it's newsworthy We'll mention it and stuff But they treat it like it's the B show Because it's taped Because of the time that it is Even though they'll tell you it's not Poor Keith Lee I feel bad for over there I feel bad for Strickland Those guys shouldn't be in matches That they're not going to win Was it right for Wardlow to win? Yes, it made sense for Wardlow They were building Wardlow up He was the right guy to win so don't put Keith Lee in that match. Right. I, I, I'm with you 100%. And now Keith Lee um, is working QT Marshall on Friday night. You have, like you said, Swerve and Tony Nice on Friday night. Darby is on Friday night. And Jamie Hayter versus Mercedes Martinez is your Friday night show. That That's your B show. And that's what concerns me with Ring of Honor. If, if Tony Khan decides to bring this back out. He's not going to re-sign all the Ring of Honor who were under contract. You know, this is going to be a place for a lot of these people. It's going to be an extra outlet. 
I, I think you're signing so many former WWE superstars that it's it there's not been a rhythm to your show where it all meshes together and it doesn't seem like uh just the cohesiveness co when you watch raw from start to finish yeah look there's a lot of segments and matches that you hate that are stupid there's two minute matches but you know what it doesn't feel clunky the show it kind of flows, flows right? yeah it flows aw doesn't get that flow and now we, we've got look the hardy boys you wouldn't think that they're going to be on friday nights um I just think they're signing so many of these people because it's the the new place to go and the new place to work. It really hurts the product. And look, the ratings, you would think the ratings for this Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, would at least do a million. You're off a a four and a half hour pay-per-view that many called the greatest pay-per-view of all time. Their ratings were lower this Wednesday than last Wednesday at 945,000. And don't give me crap that it went up against the NBA. Enough. I, I don't uh, want to hear that. NBA okay. until we get into the playoffs and stuff. NBA baseball, well, those aren't games. There's yeah, the, but games, they're just not rating. But they're not very meaning. Yeah, they're just no. Not, it's not football. Right? It's not football not with, or like not a big. The previous couple of weeks, Gino, I was told multiple times how great the Big Bang Theory is, and well, you know, I, I just, I just think, look, there are some great. There's some great people over there at AEW. There are some really good workers. There's some really bad workers. I just think they're good. If you wanted to run your organization, which you said two years ago, it kind of reminds me of a politician. You know, they say all this stuff to get elected. And then once they get elected, eh, we're going to do this. Oh, we have a right to change our mind. And they do. But it's not really working. Maybe they think it is. But there's just not I, I it's hard to watch. It's clunky on Wednesday nights. I'm sorry. It is. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good things to pick out. But like you said, it's just if when you're taking notes, it's just like whew, you got to take a deep breath sometimes because you, you for two seconds and there's like another two segments and two more factions that are skipped over. I think everything would be a lot better if they could all breathe just a little bit more. I like the ambition. I like what they want to do, but it's sort of like, you know, it's a wrestling fan fantasy booking. That's what Tony Khan is. He's a wrestling fan that's been a fan like us forever. And he's like, oh, I love all these guys. I want to get them all on the show. I love all. I want to make sure they get time for their match. They get time for their match. I mean, you went through the show. We had. A pre-show match that went 17 plus, which is fine. It was a six-man tag. Like they needed to fill time, you know, during the pre-show. That's that's fine. But then on the main card, you've got Kingston and Jericho that went almost 14 minutes. You've got the triple threat tag match that went 19. You've got the ladder match that went 17 plus. You've got Punk MJF that went close to 30. You've got the women's world title match that went. 17 and a half you've got moxley d bride that went 20 plus you've got the six-man tornado that went 13 plus and the the world title match went almost 26 minutes that's a lot of long matches which it's fine to have a few of them but there's a problem and the crowd's always going to be hot there are going to be times i think it just a lot of our gripes with aew are production stuff you know, Absolutely. like, and that's what it, that's yeah. what it comes down to. It's, it's yeah, not the talent. Stuff. It's well, not the guys yeah. or gals cutting the promos. Even for the most part, a lot of what they say is great. Hell, William Regal made me want to cry oh, on this look, show. 
look, it, it was fantastic. And look, he had a fantastic promo on Wednesday night, but we, we had a world title match, right? We had a world title match to open the show Dynamite. that we didn't know anything so about with Dante Martin. About it, and it sucked. It was not very good. And then Tony Khan had to come out and say, well, that match didn't go as long as what we anticipated. So we're going to put, we're going to give you Pac and Wheeler Yuta. Huh? That, that, that's, that, that's just not going to cut it. What's, it's it's not- the thing, it was a very weird approach from Tony because he's the opposite, right? He's the one that promotes everything. He, everything is the biggest night. We're going to have all this, this match, this match. We're going to have a big surprise. This is what's going to happen. And it was weird that we only just heard about that before. We didn't hear a whole lot about some of the other things on the show. And I, I wonder if they were trying something out, if they were testing something. But now I like in, in old or, or on TV shows, for example, I like when they say, hey, we've got a bonus match for you in case this match doesn't go the length. I actually I think that's kind of cool because it makes it feel sort of real. But the way but usually it's just the announcers that will tell you, here's what's on tonight's show. We have a match that's got a 60 minute time limit. And if that match doesn't go the full match, we've got a bonus match that will bring you later on. It's not usually Tony Khan just are like, you know, coming out and be like, oh, that didn't go as long as we thought. So like, I, it was just sort of weird, weirdly done. <laughs> um, but um, Punk, MJF, we didn't get a ton of them on Wednesday, but the dog, it was, I think it's probably a good idea to, to have them off a little to sell, you know, sure, because they of, beat the of hell out of each other. The, that match and. Man, there was a lot of blood. I actually just watched Starcade one the other day, the uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine versus Piper dog collar match. I in no way think that the Punk MJF match was bad. I, I think it's sort of like the gimmick with these dog collar matches. They're kind of like the last man standings. They can get a little slow, you know. Um, but it was good. I think maybe I just wanted a tad more from it, and I was a bit surprised. I just had really high hopes for it because I'm. I love what these guys have been doing the last few weeks. Again, it was like a B plus when I wanted like an A to A minus. So I'm not talking about anything bad, but no, look, the build was so good. That's why. So yeah, look, we're not, we're not completely. The build was fantastic with the promos. So we expected a quote unquote five star. You're not going to get that with the with the dog collar. Look, I thought the Wardlow stuff um, turning on MJF with the ring was was phenomenal. The Wardlow promo on Wednesday night was phenomenal. So there were a lot of good things that came out of it, but I don't think the match delivered as good as the build was because there was so much blood. Um, but it picked up as it went on. There were some good spots toward the end of it, end of the match. So the Moxley Brian Danielson match was good. Moxley beats Brian Danielson, and we now know these. Guys are going to be teamed up. They're going to be uh, sort of together as a tag team in a faction with William Regal, who smacked the two of them, uh, slapped them <laughs> both. And then Regal cut an awesome promo, which we, a kind of promo that he didn't get the chance to. And then he actually came out today on social media and apologized because his promo ended up going long. So they had to cut a couple things and uh, maybe the timing was a little off. So maybe we can give them a little bit of a sort of a, a mulligan for some timing issues and stuff last night, but that's pretty cool that he comes over and apologizes after it says, I'm sorry to anyone that didn't get the chance or had their time cut. I, I'm supposed to be a professional and show you by, you know, uh, show you how to do it. And I, uh, I'm embarrassed, but, and it was great. He talked and he didn't 
throw WWE under the bus. No, he came out and he talked about his history with Brian Danielson and Moxley. And yeah. and the he talked about some of his struggles and that he thinks I thought it was cool that Brian Danielson is the best wrestler, like the most perfect version of a wrestler, and that it was something that he always would have wanted to be himself if he didn't have his own personal struggles. I mean, he just thanked Brian Danielson quite a bit. I I like this a lot, man. This I thought was was my favorite part of the show. Yeah, and look, he was he, he on Wednesday night. He was he was crying about Tony Schiavone, how much help that Tony Schiavone had helped him. Uh, the guy is is first class, A plus. Um, I'm hoping. I, I don't have a lot of expectations for this because we always laugh and joke, especially the Twitter about game changers. So and so is a game changer every week. Oh, this one's a game changer for AEW. They really haven't been. They've been nice additions, but they really haven't been because the proverbial needle hasn't moved where the ratings spike up and stay there. But this, of all signings, this one really is. If you let William Regal do some of the things that he did in WWE and NXT, I'm hearing he's not going to have a lot of that creative control. Um, that's not to say that, hey, look, wrestler A or wrestler B doesn't go, hey, Mr. Regal, can you help me with my match or my promo or this or with that? I'm not expecting a lot of that. But what I'm expecting is every time he's on TV or involved in the match where it's probably going to be the best segment or best match on TV. When you think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to what we're going to see moving forward with Regal. Um, you mentioned they added the Wheeler Yuta versus Pac match there, and I'm a little surprised that in the main event we are still it looks like going to get more of Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole. They kind of continued that on, even though it was pretty clean, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't like oh, yeah. it, there wasn't anything. Sh- generally, when you get a clean ending like that, you kind of move on to what or who is next. So I'm. I mean, we, like you said, you know what we're going to get there. We're getting a six man coming up soon, but the match was good. It was solid. But I, I think from AEW, what they want from their main event title matches at one of their few pay-per-views of the year, they want a match that's just a little bit hotter and maybe a little bit buzzier than this one was. Yeah, I, I believe so. I, I I just think we're relying on storytelling of past stuff from years ago that doesn't need to be told. I don't think this current AEW crowd uh, is is so sold on all this storytelling between Hangman, the Young Bucks, Red Dragon, and Adam Cole. I just don't. I really don't. Um, I, you know, if you're if your world heavyweight champion isn't the star of the show and isn't the main attraction, then we're doing something wrong. And Hangman Page is cold as ice. Now I knew I didn't think Adam Cole was going to to win this match, but just something doesn't feel right with this whole thing that we're trying to drum up from years past, from ROH to New Japan. I, I just don't like it, Gino. I'm not buying it. Cody kind of talked a little bit about this in that one. This is one thing that Impact does really well. Every week when Impact starts, here's what you missed on Impact last week. You get a recap, just like you would on a TV show. Sure. What happened last week WWE doesn't do that but they do a hell of a lot of video packages To show you what happened last week or a couple weeks ago Or in the segment earlier on in the night And because 
AEW has such precious time. Every little bit of every 15 seconds or 20 seconds, they're trying to squeeze things in. So I don't think they do enough of letting you know what happened last week, what happened this, or I, I think it was Wade Keller who was talking a little bit about this, where, you know, Excalibur is a fantastic announcer. He knows everything about everyone, but we rarely get to hear about who these people are. They just kind of expect that you know. And then the one thing that's sort of, Kind of stinks is that it's like You're felt like you should know Like if you didn't know CM Punk's Ring of Honor music You're an idiot but, I mean but I don't How many people were watching Ring of Honor At that time If it, Not that many I'm sure people knew what, what that was But that's the one thing is that It's It's almost like they're, it's, so, it's so for the hardcore wrestling fans Sometimes that if you're not one of them they're gonna like laugh at you for not knowing who this person was from New Japan and all of the history there. Or if you're not watching everything on Being the Elite and you didn't catch the inside joke there, and so that's that's one thing that I wonder sometimes if they get a little bit too inside baseball to to for for new people to follow along with what's going on. If you're a fan of theirs, you're gonna love everything. But that's the problem is that we keep saying is that they've already hooked all their fans, like all the people. That that get a kick out of um, You know them buying Ring of Honor they're already watching AEW sure like that that's Not bringing any anyone new That's going to help your video library and That's cool for when you go to a streaming service And you sell all this content that You have but I think if I were AEW What I would try to think about doing Right now is opposite of what I would think about doing if I was WWE like if I Was WWE I think we saw Vince the other day. He runs everything like a business. I think it would be sort of good for WWE to try to work on some public perception things, right? They've cut a lot of people in the last couple of years. They've sort of come off like they're the big greedy corporation. It would be good for them to think outside the box and maybe they could do some things that would make them come off a little bit better. I think for AEW on the flip side, they might need to do the opposite, Coop. They might need to think about what's best for our bottom line to move some eyeballs now and and maybe it's not just doing all the stuff for the hardcore wrestling fans or trying to throw a million things on the show um each week maybe it's let's you know take a step back let's promote some of our bigger stars you can see the show shifting a little bit they're having a lot more promo segments they're doing a lot more talking than they used to and um i mean that was a lot of uh, I think we got through the whole pay-per-view Oh we missed the six-man tornado tag which was fun Darby, Sammy sure. and Sting beat the Andrade Hardy family office That led to the segment on Dynamite Coop where Jeff Hardy Debuts and Jeff Hardy shows up So he's there now with Matt After the uh, the Hardy Family group ends up Turning on Matt So yeah I mean we had a Turn here we had the Turn and the firing of Tully earlier I forgot about the swerve segment with Tony Nice. Um, sure. I mean, heck, I forgot about the Wardlow. I thought Wardlow did he? Oh, that was a great promo. You know what? There were a moment or two where you could see he was like thinking, but for a dude who does not uh, ever get a chance to cut promos, and he's not gotten moments like that on live TV, I thought he did as good as you could have possibly hoped. I thought it was really good from him. Yeah, I, I he he's a star. Um, now, does he? Do we book him to win the title, or do we have MJF screw him out of that match with Scorpio Sky? Because Scorpio Sky is your new TNT champion, right? 
Yep, Scorpio uh, Sky gets the win in the main event there. And, and we see that what uh, Paige Van Zant has signed a contract with AEW. Again, look, like, think about what we just said. That was <laughs> all on Wednesday. We just talked about like fifteen different yeah. things. And that was and it's, your main. That was your main event. It's cool that there's so much happening, but like Paige Van Zant showing up should be treated like a bigger deal if they want her to come off like a big deal. But it's just all these people show up, and now who am I supposed to think Convoluted. is important? Yeah, who am I supposed to think is important? Is it Strickland? Is it uh, Alistair Black, who was supposed to be a big deal a few weeks ago? What about Andrade? And now they're all kind of in the middle. Everyone's just sort of kind of in the middle. We finished up uh, Dynamite. We had the uh, Jurassic Express versus the Acclaimed. I like the Acclaimed. They're 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 going. I do too. Too. I do too. They're good, and uh, he comes out. They would with be raps. so good on NXT 2.0 right now. I oh, just I, think, know. I just think they would be, man. They'd be really good. Yeah, I, I could see good. that. And then uh, we already spoke about that Layla Hirsch Thunder Rose match, and then Sammy G versus Scorpio Sky in, uh, and they had Ty Conti come out there. So that's the sort of the first time they've uh, addressed that they were dating on air. And will probably lead to something like Scorpio and Sammy versus Paige and Conti because Paige signed her AEW uh, contract on Ty Conti's ass. Yeah. <laughs> she signed it right on top of her butt. <laughs> uh, so well, uh, next week we get, uh, of course, Britt and Thunder Rosa still caged in San Antonio. Uh, Scorpio Sky versus Wardlow. I would assume. That uh, MJF returns and causes Wardlow to lose that match. Wardlow doesn't need that title. Um, I, he's too big for that. I, not physically, but I just think his momentum is is too big for this title. Let Scorpio hang on to it for a while, and then we go to Wardlow MJF. Let, let's go into that, and then we have that six man that I talked about earlier, Hangman and Jurassic um, against Adam Cole and Red Dragon. So. Um, Man, it's getting wild, Gino. I look, these shows get longer and longer, and uh, I know it's getting wild. It's the wild, wild west out there in the professional it's wrestling world. So much to digest, and uh, they have a uh, Friday coming up. And next week, I told you a little bit, Coop. I think we're gonna do a show a little earlier next week, just because okay. of uh, the Perfect. brackets and March Madness. I'm gonna be doing a lot of stuff uh, over the weekend for those first four days of college basketball. So I'm gonna try to get everything done on Wednesday and out. So we'll record a little earlier next week So we won't really have a lot of AEW We can talk a little bit about what happened on Rampage But the following week we'll do Double up on Dynamite And man, we're getting close to Mania We're on the road We are on the road We we are on the road The road to Mains Okay, Coop, with March Madness coming up right now uh, Next week you can dish out a couple plays in the brackets Are there any of these conferences or conference tournament games That you've kept an eye on Any teams that you're Texas laid an egg earlier today That was nice Tech, yeah, that was that, I was loving it. Texas up what seventeen or eighteen laid an egg to TCU. Um, there's just look, Florida State laid a massive eggs. These conference tournaments, especially for the teams who their only shot of getting into the NCAA tournament is actually win their conference tournament. And to see some of these teams that are double digit dogs uh, or underdogs hit half court shots or game winners. That that's what I love about college basketball is these underdogs who are maybe six and twenty, they sneak into the conference tournament and uh, they knock off. It's funny to watch to see how a lot of these conferences are setting up their conference tournaments now. Their brackets. I see the number one and two seed not having to play until the semifinals, like the whack. 
um, you know, these conferences. So there's a lot of conferences that are getting smart to this and they're letting their one and two seeds have like two or three buys. Um, but just great stuff, man. That's what makes March Madness so good. Koopaloop, uh, we'll uh, we'll get some bracket thoughts from you next week once we know. Uh, we'll see if we can get one of those underdogs in. Everybody loves those 12s, 5s, and the 11 oh, yeah. 6s and some of them. So we look forward to uh, following along with you. Koopaloop, my man, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you being flexible all the time and helping us out here. And you have a fantastic weekend, my friend. As the great Zack Ryder once said, woo, woo, woo. You know it. Woo, woo, woo. And uh, shout out to uh, Zach Ryder, who also then got pushed off of uh, pushed <laughs> off of the stage there by uh, by the great by the great Kane Kane, who, uh, your boy he, Kane, yeah Kane, who I gotta say I love that Adam Page uh, took a shot at him on Twitter, and somebody actually asked Adam Page about that. I think Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful, yeah. he asked him about that in the scrum after Dynamite, and he was laughing. Page was laughing. He said, "Yeah, I just saw Ch- uh, Kane took a lot of headshots, so I figured uh, I'd want to make sure everybody." <laughs> so, buddy, thank you, man. You have a great one. Got to it, talk man. Do All not right, go man. anywhere, folks. We still got a lot more on that's what G said. A big thank you to Chad for helping us out with another edition of this week in wrestling. Eric for talking some NBA with us and the two guests to help us out with Tampa. Jason Beam and Ren Carruthers. I hope they have a fantastic Saturday on their big day of racing. I'm doing a lot more of these live streams on social media, so give me a follow. It's me, Gino B. Friday morning, a couple different live streams starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, college basketball, 11 a.m. this weekend in Stable Duel. Then on Saturday, we have another Cutting Nets college basketball show. Then we'll do the Pick'em Preview following that. Um... Sunday, reactions to the selection and the bracket, a ton of stuff. All of it's free. You can follow along on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. That's going to do it. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Let's make some money. Good luck on March Madness as we get closer to the big dance.